lights from my mind Sad song playing on my radio Oh no, but I feel fine When I'm with that friend of mine I'm
I just listened to your show. David, if you do that horrible Irish accent one more time, I will find you and I will kill you. But David, I also love you. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And that was When Dragons Fly by... Chris Roberts. Thank you, Chris, very much for uh, that lovely uh, song yes. that you wrote. And you actually made a music video of it uh, like uh, quite a while back, and we always appreciated it. Uh, last week, we played your jingle. This week, we played your video. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to do a um, uh, an opera based on... Uh, your jingle and and that video. We're going to combine the two of them. Wow, nice. After I finish writing my other uh, musical, which is uh, now it's a little confusing because it's called Hamilton, but it's based on Hamilton, Ontario. Okay, that is confusing. It might people make it mixed up. Uh, I hope they do, and I hope I make uh, some money. <laughs> that is the idea. I've mostly mostly I've 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 created musicals that sound yeah like other musicals. Well, I was going to say, but you remember when I did the sound of musing. And I lost my shirt. Yeah. I lost my shirt. So, yeah, people didn't care for musings. That didn't sound <laughs> good. I thought I was hoping they'd get it mixed up with a sound of music, but it didn't happen. We watched the other day. We watched Flash Gordon, which mm-hmm. has um, uh, the fella in it who played uh, Tevya. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Not Topol, but uh, the other, the other, the other fella. Mm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, he played uh, Tevya in the in the movie. And it's just so weird seeing him as the mad scientist in Flash Gordon. And okay. Just go like, because he's also very slim in it. Like, he's a, he's a trim figure. And it's like, well, this doesn't feel Tevya asked to me. <laughs> so is Tevya, like, heavy, he said? Or is it just because he's wearing those kind of bulky peasant clothes? Well, you know what? I don't know. But I guess because I, when I think of uh, when I think of Tevya, I think of, like, uh, uh, Topol. So I think of a big guy. Oh, okay, okay. You know? and, uh, and maybe he wasn't that big, you know, the other fellow whose name escapes me, and I feel terrible about it right now, uh, In uh, who, who did it in the... Norman Jewison movie, but uh, you know I'm remembering him as a big guy. That's uh, that's how I remember it, and uh, I'm standing by it. Look, we don't have time for this. We've got <laughs> letters. It's our 450th episode. It is, and as tradition dictates, yes, tradition, tradition. Um, we have to. Is that from uh, your? Is that from your? Is, is that from your musical about Hamilton, Ontario? Yeah, it's called uh, the traditional musical about Hamilton, Ontario. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, love it. Love it. I, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I did. I did once upon a time recently. Uh, but, uh, probably, all right. To be honest, uh, we're in like you know this lockdown type thing. Mm-hmm. So about yeah. three months ago, I did start working on a uh, sequel to Fiddler on the Roof. I actually did like come up with an idea for that. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, so um, is more it, on that another time. Is, is um, it uh, Fiddler on the Roof? This time, it's personal. No, it kind of uh, spins off into Laser Wolf, and he's he starts kicking ass and taking names. Basically, <laughs> you get to the end, and then uh, the butcher of Anatevka shows up and uh, won't take any of this shit, and uh, and just starts uh, you know t- uh, taking taking people out and uh, saving the town. And uh, you're like, oh, good for him. And his name is Laser Wolf. It's such a cool name. So yeah, it's kind of gets a little Tarantino-ish, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, mixed with Gilbert and Sullivan. And uh, which is, I know is not in any way what Fiddler on the Roof is, but I'm not ripping off the style of Fiddler on the yeah. Roof. I'm just ripping off the plot. But, um, but are you ripping off the plot or are you just just uh, kind of building on the plot? 
you know what? Uh, whatever one is legally is is better for me. Yes. <laughs> also, you know, I'm not sure uh, when this is all going into public domain. The um, the the original story is probably in public domain. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I wouldn't think the musical would be. Yeah, I also uh, I also wrote a musical called Cats, and then in little brackets, not those cats. <laughs> about some different cats. Oh, that's know. good. That's good. Um, so anyway, uh, because we... I did uh, one about a bunch of people in the hospital with broken legs called Cast. You're right. Oh, okay. I thought it was just going to be a musical called Break a Leg. <laughs> no, it's not. And it was like, it's what? a musical about about people who have all broken their legs. <laughs> and the musical is just called Break a Leg. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. All right. Though, of course, as, as we know, being theater nerds, uh, that is not related to actually breaking of legs. Um, anyway... <laughs> We don't have time for this. We have other questions to answer because we asked you to uh, write us in with questions and by gosh, you did. And so we're going to answer them and we're going to answer them sneaky dragon style as we do every, uh, not 50th episode because on our, on our like 150th episode, 250th episode, we've, we, we have done this in the past on our hundredth. We do usually a live show or something that we regret, but like our, 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 on 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 the 50 mark, um, we, uh, we answer questions and, uh, uh, things have gotten longer and longer every time. And the tradition, tradition, uh, <laughs> says that that is the case as well today. So well, what we're going to do is we're going to answer these questions as we do on the show. Uh, honestly, if we can, without, uh, you know, uh, spilling the beans on other people. Uh, and we're going to have, you know, try and be, uh, you know, uh, straightforward and have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, so here we go. Are you ready to begin, Dave? Sure. All right. We thank you for your questions. And as we said, uh, we do have a prize for uh, a randomly drawn name at the end of all this. Uh, and uh, you'll be uh, getting um, a prize if we randomly draw your name from the lucky pants of Dave. <laughs> That's right. The prize so, pants. Uh, Dave has uh, taken the prize pants off. They are hanging up pinata style. Yeah. And we're going to have a special guest uh, draw from the pants. So uh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, let me just say a podcast celebrity, a host of a different podcast. That's true. How did we get this host? Eh, you'll figure it out by the time we do. You might go, why didn't you get one of the chickens to, to, to pick it out of his pocket? I know we should have. Now yeah. that we think that would have been better, but we... forget it. We're just doing what we're doing. <laughs> okay. It turns out so, the chickens were in pay of some uh, foreign gamblers so that they were, we had to, we had to scratch them. <laughs> Chicken scratch. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan Brampton writes, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to alternate who reads questions. Normally, I read most of the stuff. Yeah. But there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. By the way, I am drinking uh, Coca-Cola, oh. as we used to do yes. in the show. Very nice. Uh, well, I I'm drinking not... a Slurpee. Very good. Uh, Coke Slurpee? Uh, Coke and uh, grape. Very nice. Oh, that is a nice combination. Mm-hmm. Second favorite after uh, cherry and, uh, and 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 Coke, but you can't find the cherry anywhere. Go, yeah, they don't go. do cherry anymore, do they? They just uh, they just don't. Another good combo um, is uh, lime, lime and Coke. Right, and but traditionally now I drink water during the show. But uh, listen, I'm going to need uh, Coke to get me through this. I also just went swimming for the first time in in months, so uh, I'm oh. kind of chlorinated. <laughs> uh, my eyes are a little red. Yeah, uh, and here we go. Jonathan <laughs> Bramp uh, Bampton, sorry, sorry, Jonathan Bampton writes. The tune to Maxwell's Silver Hammer is charming and addictive. If the song had different lyrics, it would be a redeemable track and not just an irritating, asinine example of McCartney's granny music. Discuss! And also writes, please tell listeners what your favorite song 
with lyrics that totally undermine uh, the song as as a whole. I'm going to say uh, my favorite song that lyrics go against what it sounds like, uh, um, Mac the Knife. Oh, it's really? It's a real good... Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 what a happy song, but it's about murder now, bleeding, <laughs> stabbing, stabbing, bleeding, bleeding now, and you're gonna die. Okay, back to you, Dave. That's true. Uh, well, Maxwell Silverhammer, let's talk about that a little bit. I think in Completely Beatles, I, I, I gave that song short shrift as, as, a, as a song, and I don't know, I don't I think actually the lyrics are the better part of the song, actually. Like, I think that if the song has any kind of like redeemable quality, it's the fact that there is the, the interesting um, kind of contrast of the lyrics with the music. Like the music is very sweet and a little corny kind of in the line of Paul McCartney's, you know, kind of honey pie or when I'm 64 kind of stuff. But the, the, uh, contrasting that very sweet music, which like honey pie and when I'm 64 are very, very kind of straight songs, whereas this song kind of takes that and twists it, you know, and then Maxwell is like a killer, and he's killing people with a silver hammer, and then it uses the the term pataphysical science, you know, so it's sort of a reference, a hip reference to, to Ubu, Ubu Wa, you know, the Alfred Jarry uh, play, and, you know, so it's kind of, you know, it's sort of a hip, it's kind of a secretly hip sort of a song, and yet it's, it has this kind of a corny backing, and it's the song that I I kind of, you know, come around and go around to you know like when i was a kid i thought it was great because you know when you're a kid you like that kind of you, you like that kind of goofy music it's more easier for you to get you know but... yeah i uh i compare it to uh, like an octopus's garden to mm-hmm. me it's very similar yeah you know da 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 and then da 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 murder you could you could you could flip the lyrics almost and or make it about a murdering octopus if you want up to you. Well, that's a good uh, point, actually, that with Octopus's Garden being on the same side, that you don't really need two of those songs. Like, we, we already have, you know, there's already Octopus's Garden, which I think is a better song than, than Maxwell Silverhammer. And and so, yeah, you, you already have the kind of, like, childlike Yellow Submarine kind of song. You don't need two of those songs on a, on a Beatles album. Yeah. And unlike, also... and unlike Yellow Submarine, you know, Ringo was providing his own, uh, you know, kind of fun frivolity. So... I don't know. It's... I've always wanted to sing Octopus's Garden as Aquaman. Just I, I've always wanted to do this is always like a, a sketch idea I had. Yeah. And it's like it's a it's the Justice League. Yeah. And they're and they're on like a mission in space and they're fighting some some alien. Mm-hmm. And Aquaman's there going, There's no water around here. I don't even know why I'm here. And at one point Wonder Woman just goes, Where would you rather be? You know where I'd rather be? Dun, 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 dun. I'd like to be, and the, just as a whole musical number of, uh, he'd like to be in an octopus's garden, and then we just have mermaids come out and dance and have this. <laughs> That'd be actually kind of fun. It would be fun, yeah. I'd like to do it sometime. Justice uh, League, I've, I've the musical. Just, yeah, I've had a couple of Justice League sketches that I've done, mm-hmm. like live on stage, but that's one that uh, I've always like. But it's uh, it's a big production to you know, to do, but it's a it's a song that's not a hard song to sing. It would be fun to just hit up the old bubble machine. <laughs> so listen so, we got infinite uh more questions so we've gotta sure. we gotta keep going uh number two uh did dave cop much flack from irish listeners for his singing in an irish accent yes for a while we had you singing in an irish accent on a couple of shows uh any uh any heat from the uh from the green folk <laughs> no i think they all found it uh dis- amazingly charming well dave yes I held this from you for a while, but there is a, a phone call we got. Oh, oh no. 
All right, let me just let me just play this for you. Okay, sure, sure. Hello, I just listened to your show, David. If you do that horrible Irish accent one more time, I will find you and I will kill you. But David, I also love you. Bye. And that was the phone call. Wow, I was a real mixed message there. Yeah, that's the Irish for you. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that the Irish? The real, real mixed message? Oh, always. <laughs> well, that's what oh, comes of me, kissing like, the Blarney Stone. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, please. Uh, yeah, like yeah. Completely unrelated. Oh, okay. Uh, thing that was like uh, we got this one over the Christmas. Here we go. Okay, it was a different okay. listener. Sure, sure. Oh, sure, and hey, lads. Oh, I've been listening to your show and I love it, and I just want to wish you the best of Christmas. Oh, I hope you have the best Christmas ever. Oh, I hope you do. And if I see you, I will tear your fucking faces off. I will tear your fucking faces off. Anyway, have a great Christmas. A great Christmas. Bye. See, it's like that's wow. the thing with an Irish person. You, so, you get a lot of you don't know what yeah you don't know what you're getting. You really don't know what you're getting. One minute it's all it's all sweetness and light, and the next minute they're they're uh, driving your own snakes off your own island. Yeah, I should really just let you listen to some of these voicemails. But <laughs> you something like you that really should. Yeah. You know, like, it's good to, you know, like, I have been walking around blithely yeah. assuming that everything was okay, that the, I, the Irish kind of, were perfectly happy with my Yeah, you're kind of a blithe spirit. Yeah, I sure. am a blithe spirit, you're right. And and it turns out that there is, like, what did you say earlier, 500 messages? Oh, of, I'd say, uh, no, uh, Dave, 504. 504 messages of absolute vitriol and hate. Towards well, me mix, for doing... with mixed messages. Though, well, you're so... right. You're right. So there's a great deal of of love, respect, wishing me well, but also wanting me dead. Well, let me play just one more. Okay, yeah, play. this one more is good. This one was okay. from Easter. Easter. <laughs> it's Easter. Okay. Easter. I'm glad they're finding it. It's got a seasonal. Hello. I hope I'm getting this right. Um, this is the Sneaky Dragon folks. I just want to say, I hate your show. Uh, it makes me sick to my stomach. I can't stand it. I don't know why I listen to it. But I hope the wind's always at your back. And I uh, see you in heaven. Bye. It's great that they gave us gave me the Irish blessing, or gave us the Irish blessing, as well yeah. as wanting to kill us. Man, mm-hmm. that's a it's hard to read those people. It really is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was that was enlightening. As far yeah. as as far as I was, I knew it all went over swimming. I had but a friend apparently who I was married a, an Irish woman, and the vows were. Uh, I do. What's it to you? <laughs> it's just, again, very mixed message. Anyway, yeah, number yeah. three. Number three in that thing. Uh, would Ian please record a clear and loud, it's fine, it's fine, to the microphone in a manner that he usually does so I can use it as my ringtone? Oh, okay, sure. Does it. Apparently the catchphrase really brightens up his day and legitimately helps him put things in perspective uh, when I feel let down by pop culture. Uh, oh, okay, very good. It should be in the Smithsonian, the Canadian equivalent. Oh, very nice. we That's the Jonesonian. That we have it, <laughs> All right, so Dave, if you just give me a second here, I'm gonna sure, sure. get around. It's fine. It's it's fine. There you go. Uh, if either of you had Tourette's, in the simplistic way it's portrayed in films, at least, as in "What About Bob?" I w- <laughs> I'm saying that because that's where a lot of people learned about it. Okay. Uh, and you were resigned to blurt out one word uh, continually. Uh, what would it be, Dave? What is your word that you? Uh, oh, I, th- uh, I think we all know what that word would be. Interesting. I, even now I have Tourette's. I cannot stop saying that word. Mm-hmm. Even when I like, I'm conscious that I'm saying it, and I'm hating myself and wanting to like jump through a window. Uh, I'm still saying interesting. I can't. I just can't keep it out of my 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 my, my mouth. Um, I would say tabernacle. <laughs> Is that right? Coming from Quebec, you just want to. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. 
Like also because we no no one here thinks it's anything, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's meaningless. But it's very much like the whole fanny situation mm. in uh, the UK. Yeah, where you're like fanny's nothing here, yeah. and you say fanny over there, and people are, <gasps> gasp, and then you can use the c word over there, yeah. nothing, and then here, <gasps> but like you go to you go to Quebec and uh, whip out a tabernacle. <laughs> it's uh, and also it's just fun to say. I think you mean the and t basically word. You're, yeah, basically you're saying church. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's like. You know, I mean, who gets hurt with that when you're going, oh, church? It's like, whoa, buddy. Hey, tone it down. There's never going to be a time where someone's going to look back and go like, yeah, we had to take out all the episodes where you said church. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So it's fine. Well, once upon a time, it was shocking, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, it used to be a glimpse of stocking was looking on and something shocking. You're right. Now, but knows. heaven knows. Tabernacle. <laughs> but, you know, like a word like uh, odds bodskins comes from God's body, which was considered to be such a shocking term that they had to uh, they had to like create a, a, a euphemism for it or an alternative for it, like G's or gee whiz and stuff like that. Yeah. And Jiminy Cricket is Jesus Christ. So sure. Well, so is, so is gee whiz. Who isn't? <laughs> the other day I was looking at, because uh, well, obviously Narnia, the lion, uh, is, uh, you know, is is Christ, um, in, yeah. and then and An I was looking at, for Christ. Yeah. yeah, but then I was looking at uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the Land of Misfit Toys. Okay, and they and they've got a lion with a crown and wings. Okay, that's running things there, and yeah. I'm like, uh, is he Jesus too? Is he Aslan is he doesn't Jesus? have wings? No, no, but is is this is this lion? Because he's got a lion <laughs> okay. with angel wings, okay. with a crown. Mm. I mean, it couldn't like he's got a throne. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. What's this about? What misfit toy was this? <laughs> like, what, who made this toy? <laughs> like, it looks like the only way this could be a misfit toy yeah. is if it was a knockoff of that lion from Narnia. <laughs> and he went like, we're just going to give him wings as well. And because, uh, of course, it's Christ. We're going to give him a crown. And then they tried selling it like, huh? And they went, no. And that's why he's on the island of misfit toys. But he's actually, you know, so there. Um, anyway. Number five, my name Number is five. Jonathan Bampton, not Jeremy Barnford. What name sounds more pretentious, regal, and wanky? Does this, Jonathan- is, this is for me yeah. misremembering Jonathan's name. Right. I called him Jeremy. And obviously, uh, I guess I also misremembered his last name. Well, Very I embarrassing. This, I think to, this comes to... In my defense... We were co- oh, we no. were communicating via Facebook oh, where he uses oh. he uses a a a nickname, and okay. so I I was left I was left guessing, and I, well, I out of desperation I guessed wrongly. I apologize. Understand. I apologize very much. Now, to I want to set you up for this and say like yeah. this will be our first Canadian apology of the episode, <laughs> but not the last. <laughs> not the last. So yeah. I apologize. And instead, you went into in my defense, and I'm like, oh no no no, that's <laughs> that will not fly. Okay, uh, we're moving on to Mick Elliott. Uh, wait, 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 we have to answer that question. What's that? Which one sounds more uh, regal and wanky? Yeah, re- Jeremy, obviously. Yeah, Jeremy, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just so you know, okay. uh, Jonathan is the host of the Dirty Harry Minute. And someone has to be. Good yes. for him. <laughs> Taking that on. And our past winner of the uh, prize for this for the question and answer show. Excellent. And uh, it was very nice being on the show. Uh, because we had to do nothing except give a clip <laughs> from the, our show. We just, bl- we just really enjoy- Yeah, I love the amount of work we had to do for that. That was fantastic. <laughs> More of that, please. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, uh, so now we're moving on to it wrote itself. author, cartoonist, bon vivant, uh, Mick Elliott. David, take it away. All right, so Mick writes to us. He says, if you had to choose a comical slapstick death for yourself, what would it be, Ian? Well, I almost died once as a kid trying to recreate Wile E. Coyote's falling off a cliff flat back fall so i'm gonna say i like that i like the whistling and the yeah. and then just the the puff at the end the little cloud as you hit the ground i think that's a that that would be my fit well while holding up a sign yeah going oh brother uh as i'm going down yeah nice so how, nice look yourself well i would like to mistake a, a window for a door and fall out it and then fall uh, from a series of scaffolds side to side kind of like a ball going down a mousetrap game until I finally land in a cement mixer where I drown mm. that would be my my. and then later on you see it, I'm a statue <laughs> I like it there we go alright num um, number two if you or did you want to add did you want to add to your, no, no, your slapstick death no please please two if you could go back in time but could only change one minor insub insubstantial moment from your life, what would it be? Do you have one loaded up? I don't. I could uh, I could say something. I'll, I'll, I'll say something then. I'll say something, and you can think about it. Uh, okay. Mine, I don't know if this would count as a minor insubstantial moment, but I would, I re regret to this very day that I did not make the girls make their beds and clean their rooms when they're, when they're younger. I wish I had inculcated in them at an early age... Uh, doing simple, um, boring, monotonous daily tasks as a being sort of an important part of your day, and I do, I do kind of, I do kind of regret that now. If anything, if I have like one complaint about myself as like a father, that would be it. But it's not a big deal. Like it doesn't kill me that they that they like to leave dishes and plates lying around. It doesn't make me happy, but it doesn't. You know, it's not terrible. It didn't make them horrible people. It's just I kind of wish that I'd, I'd sort of been a bit more in the ball there i just my parent my parenting was a reaction to my parents parenting and so they were very much about chores and doing chores but the problem was is when you would do the chores for my parents they would then redo the chores that you did to their satisfaction so rather yeah. than get a feeling of job well done you got a feeling of not good enough and so that was kind of that was sort of the negative of that. And I wanted to, not that I would have done that to the girls, but I just wanted, I just did not enjoy all the chores I had as a kid. And I sort of went, I kind of did a, uh, you know, a, so, such a about turn from it. I think it was sort of in a negative way. I should have like found the middle ground between those two places, if you know what I mean. Okay. I don't know if that counts as insubstantial though. Uh, I would, there are two, one, I, I know it's insubstantial. And so it really is kind of insubstantial, but all right, here's okay. I'm going to do two. Okay. One, one is one of the first auditions I ever had. I was at CBC and I was with my grandmother. She took me there, mm -hmm. and I was and I that ended was nice up audition. She it was very nice for, her. and it was an audition that was very important to me because I ended up doing a radio play with the cast of Doctor Bundolo, awesome. and that kind of inspired me to do comedy. Mm -hmm. But when I was auditioning, I had brought along some Tic Tacs, and the Tic Tacs were in my pocket, and the Tic Tacs were going shh. Every time I every time I moved, yes. and like it was so loud, uh, and it was just ridiculous. And I wanted to get rid of them, and there was no way I could just like 
chuck them out. Uh, but like I was just a maraca every time I moved. And it was incredibly embarrassing. And so I would like to uh, get rid of that embarrassment. And then it would have been like a perfect audition in my head. Sure. Uh, the other the other the other one would be I would like on the first day of school for me not to have read the word fuck on the uh, on the front of the school and said it out loud. Because uh-huh. I think then I would have like started off, you know, all of my schooling on the right foot. Mm. Which is an, uh, insubstantial. Maybe that's sure. too substantial. No, but it was a small thing of like reading. Uh, I, I read. I read the word "fuck" written in the front of the school, and I got scolded for the first. The first thing I ever did in school was get scolded for reading something out loud. <laughs> so I yeah, wish yeah. that was the case. That, that's a good choice, actually, because it, it is sort of insubstantial in a way, but in another way, it's so it's so important to you, and it's it's interesting because they're yeah, interesting threats um, because. You know, to anyone else, it would feel insubstantial that you did that. But to you, it was such a major change. You know, such a major, you know, st- like a fork in the road where you kind of you kind of got wrong footed at the start of your schooling, and it really kind of set you back on your heels. I'll just keep using uh, foot. Yeah, I'm just getting. Uh, I'm just getting over it now. Is that right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, uh, I, the only reason I, I remember it really now is because I brought it up on this show a couple of times. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, obviously, it obviously gr- grinds your gears. It does grind my gears. Uh, let's go set that school on fire. Uh, number three, sir. Number three. What Smurf are you? Uh, I think I'm Jokey Smurf. Jokey Smurf. Okay. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, he's just a prankster. He's not a jokey yeah, guy. He's, he's... I would say, like, he's – here's the thing. I would go Jokey Smurf, but I'm Jokey Smurf from the movies, played by Paul Rubens. So there. That's what okay. I'd be. More jokey rather than just like getting people. Yeah, more jokey. I want to be jokey. The other guy gives people bombs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like he's actually like he's causing injury. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be. I can't. I don't know his name. Is it like Grumpy Smurf? He's the one who's like when everyone else is like, "Yeah, let's go do it." He's like, "Nah, let's not bother." Grouchy Smurf. Yeah, Grouchy Smurf, which seems like you shouldn't be able to have. Yeah, I guess Grumpy is the dwarf, so Grouchy. (laughs) I just because that that kind of sums me up right there. Like when everyone else gets yeah. excited, I, I, my, my natural reaction is is to be a contrarian, and then everyone's like, "Well, why do you want to do it?" And then I'm like, "I don't know. Okay, I'll do it." And then I enjoy myself, and then I feel like a dum dum for being so so immediately negative. Fair that, enough. That sums me up. Okay. Or I could be that uh, that one Smurf with the glasses is always like chastising people for not listening to Papa Smurf. Brainy Smurf, yeah. Brainy. He's not brainy though. He's just like a suck up. Mm-hmm. Brainy. He's myopic. Uh, what actors would play you in a Sneaky Dragon biopic on cable TV? Oh, I've been thinking about this, but I couldn't remember the actor's name. I'm just going to quickly, quickly look look him up. Okay, I'll just take, I'll go with Patton Oswalt for me. Patton Oswalt, that's a very nice choice. Yeah. I like that a lot. I really do. I like it so much that I'm going to continue to, uh, continue to uh, uh, tread water here while I try to find the cast of this movie that I want to know the name of this. Oh, Arnie Hammer. That's who was going to play me. There you go. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I can't go with Eve's uh, choice of Henry Cavill. Okay. If you, if you too were in a real life version of the John Travolta Nicolas Cage film Face Slash Off, what would be the giveaways to your respective families that you have swapped faces? Uh, height, size, experience. <laughs> my, my 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 strong Scottish accent. <laughs> Irish accent. Uh, oh no, no, no! I put on an Irish accent. Oh, I'm sorry. That's oh, okay. deep Scottish accent you hear right now, <laughs> okay. and of course, all all my tattoos. <laughs> that's that's the uh, 
but I think if you if we're okay if we're assuming that we're in the world of the film, we would we would miraculously change our body as well as just as our face because okay. because in the movie when Nicolas Cage gets John Travolta's face, he also looks like he has John Travolta's body and vice uh, then versa. In, then in that case, it would be my lack of ability to fix anything. <laughs> the second something breaks down also i can't drive so the second you get into a car smash also you have uh how many dogs do you have two you got two dogs both yeah. your dogs are gonna go this is bullshit immediately dogs yeah. are just gonna go no yeah. that's not the guy didn't change your smell can't do that yeah Arr! that's immediately uh a mistake so there yeah i guess uh, i guess pia would wonder why i had no interest in video games or uh, or you had suddenly no interest in video games. Uh, could I remember any part of her past life <laughs> pre pre uh, pre things that I I know about her. You're just pulling up stuff from Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, I, like all so the... I hear you work on New Yorker cartoons now. <laughs> exactly. I, I see that you used to work on a comic book called <laughs> Slip. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I would, you know, there'd be there'd be some some anecdotes that the PS told me that I could kind of like bring up if I had to, like sort of emergency, you know. But I just wouldn't have the kind of knowledge. I think that would be the giveaway for any any yeah, anyone is that you would have this if you're married and you have like a loving marriage, you have this deep common bond between you that's almost an unspoken understanding that overcomes all other differences between you. And so you're saying in Face Off, it was a sham marriage. No, I'm saying that Face Off is a sham movie. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's not it's not a favorite of mine okay but mick elliott also says enjoy mm-hmm. thanks for all your wonderful work and thank you so much uh mick mick is a, a cartoonist uh who has put us in one of his books which the name of the book is uh, you uh, all squidge know. dibley squidge dibley and uh ian and david saved the day i think that was the name of the book <laughs> i think we're in one page yeah and we're unnamed we're a couple of scientists who uh get to drink snake urine which yeah. you know when you think about what we do in this show we drink coca-cola it's basically like a metaphor for what we do yep i, I see it i see it as a one-to-one analog josh chambers writes hello josh hello sirs uh i will ask a question because i love your show i like bumper stickers and raffles are cool true uh <laughs> what anthology sci-fi show other than the twilight zone is uh and oh i don't even know how to pronounce this word Anagolus, 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 Angolus, Angolus, anyway, to the land of Corona. <laughs> well, another ana- side show. An- yeah, that's a good one. It's one I'm you can read, s- but not an- analogous? Analogous. I'm going to go um, uh, Under the Dome. There's one, because it feels like we're kind of trapped with each other, really all tight that's in an, here. That's an anthology show? Uh, oh, you got to be an anthology show. Okay. Well, what would it be anthology? That's a tough one. Like, because Land of Corona and an anthology show. An anthology show is a different theme every every time. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Okay, well, then I'm going to go with uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Monkey House. I'm just making up stuff. But <laughs> that was uh, why it's like this, because they shot it in Vancouver. There. That's why it's like it. See, see, this is one. This con- this question confuses me. Sorry to sorry to take you off on this, Josh. But if it's an anthology show, then they wouldn't all have the same theme. And the theme of like being in the land of Corona is like you're kind of uh, locked in to your own space and and, and time. Uh, oh, what, what could it be then? Oh, that's a tough one. How about uh, uh, how about the old TV show uh, from the '60s, uh, Thriller, hosted by Boris Karloff? Love it. Uh, 
after you advised me that I was too risky with one question, I thought, oh, shoot, better lob a few more. Damn my eyes. Um, number two, <laughs> since I'm relatively new to the show, how long have you known each other? I'm curious how you met and began collaborating. Oh. Uh, we met in high school. That's true. Uh, I met you in a theater. Uh, Is that we? I... I don't think so. We met in the. We met in. Uh, it's my memory. We met in uh, uh, singing in lunchtime choir. Okay, I mm, yeah. My stronger memory is that uh, not as a stronger, but my strongest memory of like meeting you and talking for the first time was in a theater and thinking, oh, I hope this guy likes me. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. I did, yeah, I didn't give a shit about school at that point, but I thought, <laughs> oh, this guy's this guy's nice. But yeah, we did also. Um, we also did choir together. That is true. Yes, Back, we, we were. So we were two nice people who couldn't say no to teachers who asked asked us to be in choir. So that was me in grade eleven. You were in grade twelve at That's the time. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I just my friend and another friend and I had decided that we were going to start a, a sketch comedy troupe at the school, which is like a great idea in theory. But then you have to like find other people who will work in a sketch comedy troupe. You know, like so you have to have like. People who are funny, who are performers, and who want to work. That's Those are the three things that you want. And so that was, so we had like quite a few people that we started with, and we sort of narrowed it down to a core p group of people. And I think we were pretty creative. And you were certainly, you're a writing machine. You probably had like some sketches in your back pocket. Uh, I was already writing. I was writing yeah. a kids' show at that point, mm -hmm. uh, Switchback, that I was on occasionally. So yeah, I was kind of like, I, every Sunday uh, after I watched the show, I'd write about seven sketches and then I would, I start off mailing them to them and then I started just dropping them off. And so I'd always have like sketches left over mm -hmm. and then I, I tweak them for, for, for us and try to figure out what people liked in our group and try to tr try to do that. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was, it was, and surprisingly people in our school seemed to like them yes, and we yeah. got fairly good houses, which was interesting. Yeah, I don't nice. know why. Yeah. Well, Retrospect I... Retroactively, I'm not really sure. Like, what? Or I guess, like, there was no computers then and no well, uh, that's, phones. That's it. And people were stuck at school through the lunchtime. And some people were like, hey, come down and watch something for free. Right. And I think, you know, there was uh, Mount St. Helens was blowing up outside. So we had to stay inside <laughs> to get the hatch. So, you know, it was that kind of thing. That was a little earlier. Yeah, much earlier. <laughs> it was much earlier. I blended all together, though. I just think, like, Ugh, what was going on back then? Serial killer, volcanoes, and I start sketch comedy. You know, all, this, all the things. Yeah, all, all at once. Yeah, um, so that's basically how we start, started working together. Uh, um, what is your opinion yeah. of how Canada is represented in U.S. mass media? Are we uh, fair or is it still too much? Hey, um, I, I don't think it matters to us, really. Like, we like being talked about. That's a nice thing. Like, yeah. everyone likes to talk about, so that's nice. But we know you're not going to get it. Like, so it's, like, <laughs> kind of irrelevant, right? Yeah. Like, it, it only matters, like, what we kind of do. And if you look at our TV, that's really what we are. We're that, you know. And uh, when we see the representation, like, I understand the, uh, you're trying to, like, I don't go for, say, making, like, a thick Irish accent or making jokes about other cultures. That's not the kind of thing I do. <laughs> I'm very respectful of other lands. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I can see that you're trying to put us in that kind of extreme hat, and you uh, can't quite do it, even though uh, occasionally you can because there's someone who is Canadian in your group. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's okay. It's fine. I, yeah. We don't get as offended about it as, say, 
a nice Australian person would, oh, they get offended. Oh, boy, they don't like it when you do the accents. I'm telling you, they don't. They may look like they're being good-natured about it, but wait till your back is turned, Jack. Woo! Duck, Karen. Ooh, boy. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Dave? I would say the only time that the representation of Canada, when it bothers me, is when I feel that, that they're missing something that's good about Canada, but they just don't know about it. So they, 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 you know what I mean? Like, so sometimes you watch like shows where it'd be like, we try Canada's desserts or we try Canada's snack foods. And you're like, oh, cool. They're going to eat our food. And then they, they, they'll eat a bunch of stuff. And you're like, well, that's, that's nothing. Like, why are you using that as a, you know, like, why? You're not even having a Nanaimo bar. That's like our, that's a big hit up here. You know, and that, I mean, we only have it at funerals, but still it's a big hit. <laughs> and yeah, it just feels like, it feels like they're just missing the, they just, sometimes they're just kind of missing, because, you know, they don't live here. So their experience is, uh, maybe people recommend stuff to them and they're like, oh, okay, we'll get that. And then Canada is such a huge country as well. It's like the United States. But the difference between the two is, I think we're much, we're not that, well, I guess the United States, well, no, no country is homogenous. Like everywhere has their, like, People from the Maritimes' experiences in life are, are vastly different to ours here on the West Coast. Yeah, and people who live in you know uh, you know people who live in Louisiana, it's very different culturally than Minnesota. Exactly. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, every yeah, every area is different. Yeah, someone living in New York. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I'm sure even people like living in New York City to someone living in upstate New York, it's a very different experience you know like and not and not to get too deep into this but that is the kind of nonsense that we do on this show is like <laughs> there there is the thing about because of healthcare. i think there's this feeling that uh you know uh, a little bit of socialism works and looking after each other works and so we, we we like it like i don't think there's really many people here in canada who would be like you know what? We'd like to have like a more capitalist system with our healthcare, and we we wouldn't we wouldn't we oh, wouldn't go for that. There's a few, but yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Of course, of course, there is a few, but, but there's I think not. They're not a majority. Yeah. yeah. No, they're not a majority, and and there's this uh, rugged individualism of the states that I think comes from things like you you know you're always so close to you know being broke and losing your house or you know uh you, you had something go wrong and now you've lost all your money and you know for health reasons or what have you and so because of that rugged individualism uh we don't really have that as much we still we have a bit of it but it's uh yeah. it's, it's different so when something like you know uh this whole virus situation shows up we're we're more on on the thing of uh okay all right, we're looking after each other. Eh? Yeah. Okay, it sounds good. That's true. And then, and then there's a uh, you know when people here do do they you're not going to take away my rights by making me wear a mask. You just look at them like, what are you an idiot? What are you some <laughs> kind of dumb dumb? You know, we look after each other. You know, stop it. There, like, there are right. people like that once again, but they're, sure. they're such a minority that they're not really uh, they're not really an issue. The way you find in the states where there's more more pushback against which uh, makes cooperative sense. action, you know. You know, which makes sense when you really are on your own when it comes down to it. Yeah. Like when it comes down to it, no one else is going to be looking after you but you. And and here there is a feeling that we do have a, a bit of a safety net and where we're looking after each other and we're going to take care of each other if things go wrong. And as as things have gone with the virus, you know, almost immediately with CERB with this, you know, um, you know, kind of money for people that weren't weren't working, and the, there's been some money for businesses like the business that I'm doing. Uh, that's like the government kind of stepped in and went, okay, all right, I know it's rough, Let's just do this. And there's been problems, but there's been like, listen, we got it, okay, yeah. let's all yeah. be calm. Here we go. Whereas in a way that I could never see 
happening in the states and i don't mean that as a negative thing about the states but it's just not the mindset mm -hmm. like if, if the government stepped in when we're going to take care of things you know the american mindset to that is like wait a minute that's like hold it buddy buddy boy uh whereas here it's like okay yep all right let's uh let's see how this goes and it'll it'll uh fuck up yeah, at some point if i could draw if i could draw an, an historical parallel which would be uh the great depression so in canada the Great Depression, well, in America, the Great Depression, which, you know, caused economic ruin, uh, a lot of people lost their farms, you know, and so there's cases, uh, you could still go there. I was listening to a documentary about this maybe 20 years ago, so maybe it's less likely now, but at that time, there were still houses that existed in the American Midwest that were just standing there uh, vacated by people who left them in the 1930s, and nothing mm -hmm. Nothing had ever happened to these houses. They were still just there because the owners just upped and left because they could not afford to be farmers anymore. And they just they just had to move wherever to back to the city or to the city to somewhere else. You know, obviously, people, a lot of Oklahoma, Oklahomans moved to California looking for work and, and things like that. In Canada, the, the experience was different because what happened was farmers pooled the resources, resources, I should say, and formed cooperatives. So here in Canada, we have like wheat pools are called. So what those are, are, you know, wheat farmers who put all their, their crops together so they can sell them more advantageously and make more money as one group selling them rather than people competing against, you know, people against each other and, and, and buyers driving the prices down with everyone's cooperating they can kind of have one agreed price between them all and make and make better money that way and then they had cooperatives in the sense they had stores and stuff like that so they formed their own stores and then what they bought they got back they got a percentage back as a rebate from the from because they were owner they're co-owners of these stores so they still exist here i'm a member of a local co-op here called otter co-op and you know for what i spend there in groceries and hardware and stuff like that i get five percent back at the end of the year. And so that's something that happened in Canada that you didn't really see in the States in that time period, you know, and it really kind of, it's kind of, to me, it kind of draws this interesting contrast between the two outlooks, that very, yeah, that rugged individualism versus this sense of, of a cooperative, you know, we're all in this together kind of feeling that Canadian, Canadians seem to, seem to have had. And I don't know why that there's that, that, that different psychology. It really, Here's what here's what I think it comes down to is we we live definitely between uh, America and England you know? mm -hmm. and and also we got a touch of French in us for sure yeah yeah and and so I think the combination of all of those things uh, you know gives us you know we've got the ambition of the of the states. You know, uh, we, 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 but uh, Britain keeps us down a little bit. They're like, don't get, don't get too, because, mm -hmm, you know, you're not as great as us. And, All right. Fair enough, England. And then there's, you know, a bit of the, a, a bit, always the arts coming in from uh, Quebec. And it's just like, we got to be more artsy. And it's like, yeah, you're right. We do have to be more artsy. And, uh, and, 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 you know, the European, you know, uh, thing of, you know, taking care of each other, uh, which, you know, they, they, a lot of our relatives too came through the war, and we're all in this together. And that's a that's a real mindset that we I think kept. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's just that we're a combination of of many parents, and 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 America is very much to you know, as one of our parents. It feels like, and America I think itself feels it's an only child that is uh, has to stand on its own, and really should push come to shove, it's going to be on its own. Whereas I don't feel like Canada. I don't think we feel like we're on our own. 
No. I feel like we're connected in a way with the rest of the world that a way that uh, America doesn't. And uh, I, I right now, uh, you're not. So the borders are shut <laughs> and they're just shutting it out. And it looks like it's all playing out. And I feel terrible about that because, uh, you know, friends of ours want to get married and uh, we miss our friends who are down there and they want to people want to get together. And we, we love you guys. and we, We're hoping for the best for you. Um, yes. Get certain people out of there. Um, okay, uh, if you were just limited to five films to write out the quarantine time, what would they be? Dave, five films. Uh, well, I just I just thought of films that I'd like to rewatch. Okay. Because I thought, so uh, Metropolitan, Whit Stillman's first film. It's always a rewatcher for me. I love to, and I haven't, it's been about four years since I watched it, so it's time for a rewatch. And then a movie I've been thinking about a lot is the Coen Brothers' True Grit, which I saw in the theater and I really enjoyed it. And so I've been sort of uh, mulling rewatching that film. And then uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe. That's a movie that's a kind of uh, good annual film to pull out. That sounds like a good sequel. He's just versus the world this time, but yes. Oh, is it just for the world? Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim's world. And then um, it's new, but it's it's available. I, I really want to see the Lighthouse, so I've added that to my list. Mm. And that's four, right? I think so. Yeah. And so the the final one would be I would like to. I know you said five films, but I'm going to throw in one franchise, which is I would like to rewatch the Mission Impossible franchise ah. up to Fallout. And it'd be kind of a way to wet my whistle for the upcoming uh, sixth film in the series. Okay. Also- no, that sounds good. Uh, I'm going to go Scott Pilgrim versus the world as well. Uh, also going to throw in a Shaun of the Dead. Going to do two Edgar Wrights on there. Going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Always enjoy seeing that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to. Well, those are all comedies, so I want something that's a bit more serious. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> um, Be honest to yourself. I yeah, I love it. I love it. I'll go Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Nice. I was thinking that too. I had, that was on my that was on my my uh, list, but we, I just watched it for the for fans planners, so I was kind of like, well, yeah, just saw it. And, so. I'll, and I'll throw it. Uh, let's see what 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 else do we want to throw in? Like, I feel like I should throw in something. Ra- All you need is cash, though. It's a made for TV movie. Mm, that's fine. Uh, I'm gonna that's go fine. That. that works. Yeah. That works uh, really. The history of the Ruddles. Let's let's do that. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I've heard you enjoy older stereo equipment, amps, record players. Do you find uh, that as warm a sound as the older components produce? Are are newer speakers preferable to the old bookshelf types? This is a question for you, Dave. I guess it is. And I guess Josh is thinking of my story when I was um, helping our former branch manager repair some windows at a house, and I noticed the, the family were throwing away an old amplifier. And the reason that I was interested in that amplifier was not because it was a vintage amplifier, but because it was laying on the floor and it looked like it was free. That's what really caught my eye. Uh, so I'm not really, I'm not really an audiophile. I'm a music file, or I'm a music filer because <laughs> I put them back on the shit. <laughs> and well um, done. Well done. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, back half so all. yeah, I'm not really like I, I'm not really like tubes are better than then uh, digital and you know like when i'm working in the like when i'm working coloring uh which is you know hours of you know in, in the evening and stuff like that or when i'm editing 
the show like I'm just doing like you know not not listening to the show but just doing a little, you know I listen to music I'm listening to it on like the crummiest dumb <laughs> computer speakers that I have I don't even remember, I think I'm at like a dollar store or something a long time ago I don't even know where they came from to be honest with you they're just I just use them I would like to like have like nicer speakers I do have a set of nice speakers in the shop here I mean slash studio here and I would would like to hook those up but that's uh, a few months away yet. But yeah, so I, I'm just, I just like the music more than I, I care about the sound, to be honest with you. So bookshelf speakers are great. My stereo, I bought, I bought my stereo system for $1,500 when I was 20, I think. So, you know, that's, I guess that's vintage now too. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, it was, and it wasn't like a super expensive system at the time. I just, I just needed, I just wanted to have like a, you know, a, a stereo, a stereo system with a CD player and an amplifier and and all the rest of it, and so I would just I just bought uh, it was a Kenwood and I bought it and uh, the price was right and it sounded good in the store and it also sounded good in my bedroom playing my music on on its speakers. Um, and he says, and the next uh, six is and lastly, though there's nine questions. <laughs> <sighs> Who do you want on the case? Uh, Kojak, Columbo, McLeod. Or Jim Rockford, and for me, you always want Columbo on the case because you know who did it in the first five minutes. Uh, for me, it would so be you, for me it would be Jim Rockford all the way. Uh, he's not gonna get it though. Sometimes I don't like, care. The guy's gonna get away with it. We're gonna There's go. It's gonna be a moral ambiguity. Uh, for you know what? We're gonna go for tacos together. <laughs> yeah. A uh, friend of the show, Mary Hook, uh, sent me a, a link yesterday on Facebook. Uh, me too. Oh, for the Rockford Files. La-di-da, yes, we both got one. Oh, I was very pleased with that. I read it last night when I came in after editing a listening party. So I was sitting in a chair in the dark at two in the morning reading about the Rocker Files. It was a very good article. I enjoyed it. I'm uh, I'm so close to watching Castaway Cowboy uh, on Disney+. Plus. Is James he in Garth. that? Is he in that? He's the lead. Oh, I'm going to watch that then. He's yeah. the Castaway Cowboy. He's probably just, you know, re- redoing a Maverick kind of thing. So I'm let sure me, it's great. Let me, say, let me throw this out there. If anyone, because we got another podcast called Fansplainers where we get people to vote on movies that we watch. Uh, if someone wants to vote for Castaway Cowboy, we can talk about that. Let me just throw that out there. Like if someone says, hey, Castaway Cowboy, you guys should do that. Uh, we'll put that down as a vote for Castaway Cowboy. Maybe we'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, number, number seven, of your various side casts, which one do you, which show uh, do you two look back on most fondly and why? Uh, for me, Marx Brothers, because I think I had more to contribute. Um, I know a bit about comics, but the European comics with Tintin, because we did, okay, we've done Completely Beatles, Totally Tintin, and Full Marx, uh, and now we're doing Fansplainers. Uh, but I'd say Full Marx because I know a little bit about comedy, so it was interesting seeing such different films with the same characters and discussing comedy, and I felt I had more to contribute uh, than I did to some of the other podcasts. Yes, uh, I have to say, for me, it was it was actually it was uh, Tintin for me, totally Tintin, mm-hmm. just because I you know I know that I mean you like the Beatles, but I know that for you music you're just kind of so so on it. I, I was hearing a lot of them for the first well on all three of these. I was I was reading them for the yeah, first time. Yeah, yeah, first time. Uh, yeah, whereas you've been able to like kind of bathe in them. <laughs> but what was you know like unlike but see when we did completely Beatles like I I have already read like a million things about the Beatles. Like, I mean, I have a ton, not a million, but I have a ton of books about the Beatles, which is, you know, why I can talk about them like ad nauseum. But when we did Totally Tintin, I really didn't, I knew a little bit about Hergé, but I didn't really know a lot about Hergé. So I was really, 
it was a disc- it was a dis- discovery for me. I enjoyed your discovery of the stories, and I really I really enjoyed like kind of parsing out the grammar of comics. And what's interesting with Hergé was, you know, you could organically watch him, you know, because he was one of the very first comic book artists, even if he didn't realize it, you know, he was kind of making up his own grammar as we were reading them, you know, and that was really fascinating to me. And then, you know, we had a lot of fun with it and stuff, and I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed um, Full Marks as well. I feel like both of those were really kind of, yeah, right in your ballpark. But, you know, you're very, you're very knowledgeable about writing and you have a good sense of like what makes comics work and how pacing should go and stuff like that. You know, and you're able to kind of really bring all that, bring out that kind of talk when we were doing the Totally Tintin. Like, I thought you really contributed a lot when we were getting into the grammar of comics and things like that. So I, nice. I enjoyed both. Of, I enjoyed both of those. But I kind of like I kind of like the Tintin one more just because um, unlike with the Marx Brothers and the Beatles, I didn't really know that much about Hergé. So it was a kind of voyage of discovery for me as well in terms of like the information I was giving. Mm-hmm. And, and the one really nice thing about all of those podcasts is they got us to meet people we normally wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, through through the podcast and people responding yeah. and kind of going back and forth. And so, you know, it's uh, it's that's been very, very pleasant is is and it's interesting sometimes to study things that you didn't know about. You know, oh, yeah, so, for sure. you know, it's good. It's good for the brain. I think there's something unhealthy about just uh enjoying the same things that you've always enjoyed over and over again sure. especially as you get older mm-hmm. it's like it's best to you know broaden things a little bit keep things sharp yeah you know uh so so yeah uh that's uh that that was a, a nice a nice side of things um it's good uh, yeah it's good to kind of watch older things even just to get a sense of what people are drawing from for the the, the media you enjoy now you know yeah, and it's interesting hearing I'm saying interesting now uh it's interesting <laughs> hearing uh uh, the difference between us doing, say, a Beatles and a, um, a Marx Brothers, just the back and forth, even though a lot of it is still the same format of uh, information and then exploration and then interpretation. Yeah, um, it's uh, the rhythms. The rhythms are very different. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just it's seeing yourself kind of grow. And as we talk about these kind of things, I've been watching yeah. Lindsay Ellis's videos on YouTube, which mm-hmm. I quite enjoy. And uh, she's very and, good. She is very good, and but I came into you know her videos where she's kind of at her best, and I, I've now discovered some of the older ones she did under the heading "Nostalgia Chick," mm-hmm. and uh, they're not they're okay, they're fine. You can see yeah. where she's growing towards, yeah. But it's interesting seeing, oh yeah, but this is where you were then, <laughs> and now here's where you are now, and then there's some other stuff she's doing now that's very very slick. I'm like, oh now there's that, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I feel that when I listen to uh, her older stuff like that um so yeah it's 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 uh yeah i guess neat. i discovered her when she was still doing the nostalgia chick stuff mm. because uh i used to watch those when i was coloring the first sparks so right which was actually a parody of another thing called nostalgia critic mm-hmm, that's was right. going on so she was riffing on that yeah and then she yeah. had like other people involved with it and uh some some stuff doesn't quite hold up but uh, other stuff you can see like ah here's where she's she's learning this oh yeah. she's got a bit more of her iconic look now oh she's oh she's getting this and now if you uh, want to see again we're plugging uh, her uh <laughs> if you want to see her in short doses uh she's got a thing called it's lit um yeah. that she yeah. does with someone else called princess i forget her last name uh, but it's for pbs and they're all online too and uh, quite good little uh bites about literature um, okay, uh, tough one, says uh, for number eight. Uh, how do you see physical comics and comic stores making a comeback? Uh, I've got an answer for this one, uh, but uh, if, if you'd like first crack at this egg, you're welcome to. 
<sighs> well, I, to be honest with you, I don't really see them making a comeback. I just kind of see a, a long, drawn-out decline. Okay. I think that they exist only now as intellectual property in order to to keep co- copyrights uh, running, you know, and just kind of keep keep the movies ticking along. Um, I think if comics wanted to really like make a comeback, they would make an effort to have like a, have younger generations read them and and be be part of their growing up experience, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I don't know if kids really have comics in their life that way, you know. I think. Their their knowledge of Batman comes from the movies. It comes from the animated shows, and you know, you know, from Harley Quinn things like that. That's their that's their you know. And maybe if they're if they have that interest, you know, because part of reading comics is is enjoying the grammar of comics. You know, somehow it just kind of attracts you. You know, you just find yourself drawn to that weird mix of of pictures and words, and it just kind of speaks to you in a way that's mysterious. And, you know, so, but I just feel like there's not that much exposure to it anymore, you know. But what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm going to flip it on that and say uh, it's, it's go- okay. There's, there's, two th- there's things that have to happen with the brick and mortar stores. But in general, what you're getting right now is, uh, I was just reading Brian Hibbs uh, tilting at windmills. Um, okay. He's a beat. comics retailer. He's a comics yeah. retailer. Does a, um, uh, has two shops called Comics Experience in California. I believe both are in California. Uh, and it was talking about the growth in the industry since from like uh, 2003, he listed. So it's like he's talking about how in uh, the top uh, 750 uh, sales uh, of, of books and comics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, top uh, 750 uh sales uh the units uh sold in 2003 for example were about uh five five and a half million and today they're uh 15 million really uh, wow that's amazing yeah, and it's, it's gone up 36 percent since last year now uh this year with covid probably not <laughs> this year that's that's i'm sure going to be taking a dive but uh, the sales of comic books, uh, such as like Dogman and you know uh, Arena Tegelmeyer's uh, books, and just so many of the uh, so many of the books that Scholastic is putting out are selling so well, and they're and they're such a. And here's I think one of the important things. The the most important thing, of course, is that we've got a book coming out August fourth called Sparks: uh, Double Dog Dare You, Me, and Nina Matsumoto. Let's let's mention that. That's important coming from Scholastic. <laughs> graphic. Anyway, um, I guess I sales... wasn't really thinking of graphic novels when I was when I was thinking of this question. Well, actually, that's the thing is that mm-hmm. you know, Dogman. Uh, let's see, uh, for whom the ball rolls. Have you even heard of it? No, you haven't. You've heard of Dogman, yeah. but you haven't heard of that. Um, uh, sales on that are over a million. Okay, wow. so these books are selling crazy, crazy numbers. But what they're doing is, kids, kids today are growing up learning how to read comics. They're not learning how to read Marvel comics and kind of coming into it, you know, in kind of that nerdy uh, way of just like, yeah, maybe I like to read That's how I did, you know, but you'd have to find some other weirdos like you that would read comics. <laughs> Mainstream kids, they, they, they read comics and they learn how to read comics. And they're not just learning how to read superhero comics. Yeah. They're learning how to read comics about uh, I'm having troubles at home. Uh, uh, um, Raina wrote a book. Um, about, called guts yeah. about have stress and stress yes. and like having stomach anxiety and, like, anxiety issues anxiety yeah. this is all stuff that we would be reading you and me like in the nineties 
in alternative <laughs> comics. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very. No, no, you're right. It's really, it's right. really, it's really. I like how you flipped it. I think that's really interesting. I didn't think about when I was thinking about this. I was thinking of superhero comics and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, my my feelings about superhero comics are kind of negative nowadays. Like I guess it's because just because aesthetically they're so they're so interesting to me. So I yeah. guess I guess it's just my personal look at you know. It just feels to me like it's just a an interesting soupy mess, but. Yeah, here's the weird thing, Dave. When it comes to superhero comics, yeah. y- you do one. <laughs> you do a comic <laughs> about superhero. No, you're basically. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you also got books like, uh, you know. But uh, ours is even... appealing. Ours isn't all gray and black looking. Sure. But you got like the Wings of Fire uh, graphic novel. You got uh, Amulet. Yeah, you yeah. You got uh, all these, all these, you know, and, no, and no, no, we're not right. even not even counting in this uh, manga or manga. Uh <laughs> And so, yeah, kids right now are growing up uh, literate in comics, plus uh, literate in comics with a wide variety of topics. Also, they're growing up uh, drawing them themselves, which means they will be creating them themselves in the future. Yeah. And we're going to get an even wider variety of types of comic stories. Now, here's where the funnel gets tight and we've got to break the funnel, is if you go into most comic stores, you will see what used to be comic stores. And it is a guy behind the counter who looks, who has a beard. And he, you know, and, and I, listen, I've been a big guy with a beard. I get it. I understand why this is the way it is, but we need more variety of people running comic stores. We need, so when, when, when a, when a kid uh, goes into a comic store, they need to see someone who looks like them. They need to see some sort of representation of them. They need to on the wall immediately see something that, you know, they can relate to, you know, that they, they understand. And then whatever is the next stage, you know, and, and I, I find like, if I walk into a comic store, I'm fairly comic literate, and even I'm going, I don't know, I don't know, I got to really hunt <laughs> yeah, to find yeah. something that I like, and that's a problem because now you're not catering to the mainstream, you're catering to the niche market, and if you're catering to a niche market, mm-hmm. that niche market is only going to get smaller. There's nowhere a niche market is going to go but down. So you've got to go mainstream. So I don't, you know, you got to hire more people that don't look like you you've got to <laughs> bring in more books that aren't necessarily what you loved when you were 12 yeah and uh and you know and and try to catch th- this wave i mean this is the nice thing about like you know reading brian hibbs thing is go like yeah he's a guy who runs a comic store and he gets it this is where the money is yeah and he's not necessarily doing this for any ethical reasons or because he's like hey i want more diversity or in aesthetic the, in the or anything yeah it's just... yeah it's no it's just like hey this is where the money is <laughs> don't you want to follow this money to more money like yeah <laughs> do that and so your business stays uh, stays open so yeah i think uh, i think things are on a, a good path with that and once again buy sparks double dog dare <laughs> spark series coming out august 4th from scholastic okay. so uh, it's a, everyone just so you know it's a very good book but let me just yeah. let me just echo what you said about comic book stores. Where, Please. yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's interesting. Like when you go into those stores, there's no, yeah, there's no like guidance in them. You know, everything's mm-hmm. like everything's piled up, and it's just kind of shoved here and there. There's no to the point where it used to be negative. Yeah, if you ask the question, you get the rolled eyes and the ugh. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh, I got to get up from behind this desk. Ugh, and then and then there's they're no... having a conversation with someone who's a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like. Dude, the second someone comes in the goddamn store, yeah, the second someone comes in the store, you got to acknowledge them. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. Okay. You got to acknowledge them, and you've got to direct them too. Like, who are they? What what do, what are they looking for? Are they are they a young person? Are they a mom and dad? Are they someone? You know, what are they looking for? And and if they walk in your store, how are they going to find it? Like, where where is it in this colorful mess? Where is what they're looking for? Do you have staff picks? Do you have we recommends? Do you have for this age group? Do you have for that age group? Do you have for if you like this? Would you yeah. like th- this yeah, something exactly. that got it? Like our local like chapters. It's got. Did you like this? Here's five books you might like as well. Mm-hmm. So simple. Well, yeah, because yeah. they're just imitating what Amazon does, right? But but in reality, like in a in a, in yeah. a real practical way in front of you. Yeah, it's uh, it's smart. It's smart uh, smart sales. Yeah, that's the thing. I guess you know, comic book stores. This got complacent, right? Because so much of what they did was a, was a fixed market. No one else could sell what they were getting in. You know, they were part of this distribution system that was like locked in and delivered every week this, you know, stuff for this kind of uh, fixed group of people who had subscription boxes and you had this kind of constant easy sales generator. And that's kind of all gone now, you know, particularly this time it's all gone. And now you got to get creative. But yeah, it's a. Uh, well, but you made me feel more positive because I really was sort of down on it. But that's great. Right, and Good luckily, again, again, you're 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 part of this. Um, <laughs> number nine. If you were to suggest a food franchise that is uniquely Canadian, what would it be? Uh, we have a few in the states that aren't too embarrassingly gross or have some fun cultural relevance. In and Out Burger, delicious and frequented by characters in the fictional world of the Big Lebowski, Five Guys Burgers, etc. Uh, but when we uh, make our eventual northern road trip, I'd love to know what you would suggest. And they don't have to be burger shacks. Uh, if you're coming to BC, let me throw this out at. Well, first of all, if you're going to the Maritimes, you're going to Halifax, uh, go to Bud the Spud and get a nice uh, French fries above the Spud. Um, <laughs> and then listen to some Stomp and Tom Con- Connors. Ugh. You haven't heard him. No, of course you haven't. Look up. Listen. You'll never want to hear him again once you do. Yeah, well, they're, you know what? We we went down a rabbit hole the other day, me and Pia. Uh, we're on the balcony, and we started listening to the songs. And uh, once you listen to one, you do have to listen to more and just go, what's this about? It's <laughs> Richie Bucktu, boy. And he likes to say that. Anyway. <laughs> Richie Bucktu is a town in uh, Mar- the uh, Maritimes. Yeah, you just name a town or name an occupation <laughs> or name something and just repeat it, repeat it, chorus, chorus. Yeah. Here we go. A little bit of story and stomp and stomp and it's great. Anyway, uh, what I would recommend if you come up here is something that's sort of unique to BC is Japa Dog, which is a really good hot dog place, which then uh, combines uh, Japanese foods like uh, okonomiyaki and yakisoba uh, and, uh, and combines it with hot dogs. And, uh, oh, boy, it's tasty and, um, and uh, very different. And it's on many corners, and they've got a location on Robson Street. So uh, that would be one example of a combination of uh, uh, really good hot dogs with uh, kind of Japanese toppings. Hmm. How about you, Dave? What do you say? Oh, well, White Spot, obviously. Yeah, that, he's, well, I, I, t- I stayed away from burgers just because you said that. But yeah, it's very, that is very Canada, is, uh, is White Spot. You said they don't, uh, they don't have to be burger shacks, but, you know. If, you, if you're in Montreal. White Spot also has really good fish and chips as well, so. True. Uh, if you're in Montreal, we're gonna we're gonna go to Schwartz's. We're gonna get you a nice smoked meat sandwich, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of mustard on the side. There, gonna have a nice time there. And in terms uh, of ch- in terms Montreal. of chains, so you'd go to you go to Saint Denis and get the uh, poutine there, or poutine. And if it was many years ago, I would have said Harvey's because that feels very Canadian to me. That's which very is a, that's very Toronto Canadian. Yeah. It is yeah. uh, like to to me. Uh, growing up in Montreal, we had. The Harvey's, and I like mm-hmm. the going up and ordering each topping separately. Mm-hmm. There's... I'm like, what would you like? More pickles? Would you like more tomatoes? What would you like? 
I'm like, oh, you got to ask all the all the questions. Fun. I don't, I don't know if they still fun. do, but all the Home Depots in Canada have a Harvey's in they them. They do not anymore. Oh, that's too bad. You know, it's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my favorite part of going to Home Depot. It's like, <laughs> buy some plants and get some wood. I'm like, oh, we're going to get some burgers as well. Maybe get some, maybe some frings, the combination onion rings, french fries. Yeah. Because uh, one thing about... I mean, it's it's going to be the Josh. It's going to be the same for you living in in America, which is that there are, are some regional places like like someone who came here from Manitoba. If you took them to White Spot, they'd be like, "It's okay," just because they didn't grow up eating it. Like for us, you know, we live we grew up here. You know, we experienced the pirate pack, which is you got your you got your meal in a cardboard pirate ship that you know had room for your hamburger and room for your drink, and and the straw was the mast, and then it had a little gold coin in it, and then after you finished your meal, they brought you some ice cream, and that was your pirate pack, and so you would have that, and of course that you know trained you <laughs> to be a white spot, you know, a, a lover of white spots, so that you still go there as an adult, you know. But if you come, if you live, grew up in in Manitoba, then you had your own restaurant there, you know. So what I'm saying is, I can only speak regionally to to these things. Exactly. And then he continues, thanks again for the weekly shows, always enjoyable, and our lovely companion as I uh, work around the house or take an occasional drive for supplies, groceries or burgers, but I kid the burgers. <laughs> burgers are our, uh, our friend uh, Gavin uh, Pitts, who has been on the show um, and has taken you to, uh, you have taken to a haunted house, uh, says uh, 450. Hey, don't I get to, don't I get to read? Yeah, you do. I'm sorry about that. I forgot. Go ahead. <laughs> I know he's your haunted house buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's just my turn. Uh, I'm going to fight for my right to read. Gavin Pitts writes. Says 450 questions, and he says not literally 450 questions. One highlights and lowlights of your respective lockdown quarantine experience. Okay. Do you have any highlights and/or lowlights you'd like to uh, highlight? Um, <laughs> I, I I did enjoy going through this period where I was drawing most days. Uh, I've kind of taken taken a little time off that, but I was enjoying that. I was enjoying the reaction to that. Uh, I also was enjoying making bread when everyone was doing that. Uh, uh, cooking, um, having groceries delivered was kind of fun, and then like making things. Uh, and the lowlights uh, have been the crushing depression. It's been it's been really really rough. Okay, uh, and uh, it's it's getting to me. And I don't like it. I don't care for it. I don't like it anymore. I don't want this anymore. It's no good. Hmm. Even though it's really beautiful outside, which is very, very strange. So coincidentally, yeah. while things get more beautiful outside, uh, it's getting to me uh, more and more and more right now. I can't I can't stand it. Uh, yeah. Which I, like a time is making no sense. I'm sleeping very badly. And um, and and yeah, just that every little thing is like, oh, have I got it? Did I get it then? Oh, did I screw up? Did I screw up and I get it now? And now we're all going to be sick. Uh, and so I'm tired of all that. I just want this to be as done as possible. And anytime I see uh, yahoos uh, getting together with no masks, uh, I just like get uh, really annoyed and just <laughs> go like, just come on, man. But the, we are we are doing fairly well in BC, so it is hard to complain again compared to uh, what other people are going through. So yeah, that's my highlights and lowlights. Go. I'm sorry to hear that. Is it helping you to be able to go to the pool now? Well, I did it for the first time today. Yeah, but did you find um, that like kind of refreshing and a I, nice change? You know what? Once I once I was in the pool, uh, the water, it did feel muscle memory. Everything shifted to okay because I didn't expect to be able to do this this year. Yeah. Uh, so this was a very pleasant surprise mm, um, nice. that uh, that they had done this. But it's 
very regimented. There's no access to change rooms. Mm. You basically have to show up in your uh, bathing suit, yeah. which is uh, like I, I live walking distance from the pool, but not great walking distance from the pool where I'd like to be in my bathing suit for a long walk in public. <laughs> right. So it's finding out yeah. it's finding out the logistics of that. Uh, some people are getting it. Some people are not uh, understanding how this all works. And again, kids are a blessing, but they they're free range, wild things that just go everywhere. <laughs> so you're like, good, come on, yeah, you. And um, yeah, it was it was very nice today. I'll see I'll see how I feel tonight with the muscle cramps and whatnot because I used a lot of muscles today that I have not used in a while. But this is my main source of exercise is swimming. So I'm gonna hopefully be able to do this. Uh, the, the drag is you can't do a drop in. You, ju- you have to book it the day before and book your time slot for an hour and a half. And okay. you got to do it with a credit card. And you got to do all this stuff. And it's a big production number. So you really have to plan a day in advance. And a lot of my days are very spontaneous in that I get a deadline in the morning that I'm not aware of. And so it's hard to, it's hard to do that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, it was very nice today doing that. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow getting together with you and some friends. Mm. in a park yes uh if though i am still very nervous about that like i'm just like how close do we get how many of us are there yeah that's very close well we can't be near the barbecue at the same time well will we be able to be heard i hope so oh yeah it's uh it's a drag that like getting together with people that you love is a, a source of strain and worry yeah yeah. yeah. Whereas it is the thing that normally would like uh, soothe you and heal you is now a source of Ugh! and that's uh, been the case with a lot of uh, things uh, during during this. But there have been some positives as well. Hmm. And, and back to you. Uh, I guess for me, the highlights have been uh, well, pretty for in terms of selfishness. What was really nice at the beginning of this was just driving to work because, you know, I've been really lucky through this whole thing. I've been working. So a lot of people have not been working. They've been, you know, like Eve, my my youngest daughter, was laid off from her job. And so she wasn't working. And she is a very... And then uh, I'll use... I'll go to my low... I'll mention that in my low lights, but for highlights. So, yeah. So I... like So for like the first month of 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 our experiences the quarantine experiences it was really like refreshing driving to work because it was it was like driving again when i was uh younger like when i was my 20s you know it was just like empty roads lots of room to get to go around uh you could draw you know there wasn't there was no like lineups on the freeway it was just all really nice and that was really kind of a pleasant period now of course the low light of that is that you know people are suffering because they're not working that's why they're not on the roads they're at home because their places of employment are shut down but yeah i'm just saying it in selfish terms that was very nice another highlight for me was going to work all day and then coming home and and my family being at home when i got home which Aww. is so nice because normally we're all working and so lisa's gets home you know at six you know and I get home at 5.30, so she's not home when I get home. Or And Eve would be working, and so she wouldn't get home till after I got home. And stuff. So, you know, you're coming home from a long day at work, and you just walk into an empty house, and it's kind of a drag. Whereas during the quarantine, you know, they were there every day. I would come home, and there they were. My, my family were there, and we could sit down and have dinner together. And we kind of made this thing where we would have a little celebration when we got our paycheck. So we would order out when on paydays. And so that was kind of fun as well. So that was, you know, kind of kept things fun. The lowlights have been, I think, people's reactions to it. And I would include you in that. I've been really worried about you through this, of course. And 
um, Eve as well because she's a very social person. She needs friends around her. That's how she. That's how she. She's just a very vibrant extrovert. You know, the opposite of her father, basically. And it's been really difficult. Was it was really difficult for her going through this period where she couldn't see her friends. There's no. They couldn't go to, out to the bar at night and, and drink and have fun and go dancing and things like that. Um, they did do some get-togethers in the park, socially distant get-togethers and stuff like that. But it's not the same as as going out and having like a kind of exciting time together, you know. And she was just really feeling bored. And plus, she likes to work as well. And she wasn't working; she couldn't work. So that that all really kind of started weighing on her. There was things that then happened. You know, she started babysitting for a friend of ours, uh, kids that she's babysat since they were babies. So that kind of helped her out a bit and little things like that. But yeah, it's been. It's, it's that's been the hardest part for me is this and Lisa as well her frustrating experiences like because she's not a technical person she's not a computer person and she was just sort of thrown in the deep end of well you're a teacher now you're also a computer technician you know you have to figure out how to do zoom you have to figure out how to do uh, uh, Microsoft Teams you got to figure out you know team 365 or whatever it's called you have to figure out how to contact all your students and keep all of them informed of what's happening and, and keep them on task with their projects and then oh school's almost over but we're also going to have you go back to school and we're going to have students come in so we want you to teach teach students at school <laughs> but also teach students online uh, and blah 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 you know and then also don't forget to juggle while you're at school and and then you know you have to clean up your classroom and that, blah, you know it's just everything is you know it's just kind of like ah so she was really she was really feeling the the pressure from that uh, she did not enjoy that element of it she would often just go walk the dogs just a way to, <laughs> just a way to like just kind of you know let's burn off steam you know but but uh, yeah, like for me, it's been, and no lie, it's it's been like just like normal life for me, really. You know, it just it just feel it's because I've just never not been at work or doing what I do. You know, so um, but there's just that weird element of where it's slightly wrong. You know, yeah, like you're kind of like you're like you're in an alternate dimension, and your life is the same in so many ways, but then it's this one weirdly different part of it, which is that you cannot see your friends, and that's the that's been the hardest part as well. Yeah. You know. I know so many people that, uh, who, whose parents are either ill or they're in a nursing home or what have you. Mm -hmm. And they just haven't been able to see them for months. Yeah. Like, and that's just, yeah, it's crazy. So heartbreaking. They can, so they can now. Yeah, they can. They can that's now. true. But, but yeah, it's, 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 just... it's really bad. I mean, well, that's the thing. That's what Mary was doing at where she works at a care home. And, you know, she was uh, helping all the residents with their FaceTime and stuff like that, because of course they cannot possibly understand any of these things so you know she would have like her face some appointments through the day and she would go you know from resident to resident and help them set up their FaceTime and talk to their family and stuff like that and it's hard for them too because you know the residents because they're not seeing their family you know they would be like they would be on screen and stuff like that but they wouldn't recognize family members because they you know it's the sort of you know their their memories are fuzzy anyway and then it, you're you kind of break down what they're used to and it's a new situation they're looking at and they wouldn't recognize their grandchildren or they couldn't remember things and then the the old people were sundowning earlier in the day as well yeah. so you know so instead of in the evening when they're tired you know start to forget things and start to kind of fade a little bit they would be doing it two in the afternoon because there was no structure for their day anymore because activities were canceled they were they were trapped in their rooms they only had the tv to watch you know and it was just their lives were had lost all structure and you know they were getting fed in their rooms so they couldn't see each other yeah it's it's bad for everybody on a, com on a complete side note uh, uh something i have been enjoying is watching television where 
shows like Saturday Night Live or the talk shows like Seth Meyers or what have you have had to completely strip out all the you know sets and yeah. and everything and everything now looks almost like an audition mm. uh, tape right <laughs> and and to me it's it's been very interesting just seeing oh what do the people that you like uh, do when they don't have it feels like they've lost all their money like it's just like it's just you 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 just have a, a web camera or you got your phone what do you do <laughs> and they're like well you put this together and then they've got some editing you know uh, that makes it look a little bit better but everyone's just doing what they you know what we could do like it really separates the thing of like you don't want like you'd never like watch the tonight show with johnny carson yeah and go like i could do that and it's like well maybe you could but you'd be weird to be saying it but you could watch <laughs> someone now and see them doing a skype call with somebody and go i guess i could do that i guess that's doable you mm-hmm. know just have a conversation with someone basically they've 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 become podcasts to a degree, video podcasts. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. It, it just levels the playing field of what comedy can be and talk can be and all this kind of stuff. And it's sure. like, well, that's interesting. That's inspiring. Okay. Hmm. All right. And I, and I think like a lot of them have been doing some of their better work through it. Some haven't, but uh, some definitely have. So that's been kind of keen. Kind of, kind of unfair for YouTubers, but yeah. I guess yeah. That's, that's <laughs> life, I guess. Yeah. All these people who've like carefully over time, you know, built up the kind of language of YouTube and stuff like that. And then all these people that suddenly crash the party. Well, famous people crash the party. It's kind of like doing a podcast for, for, uh, you know, nine years. And then everyone suddenly decides that podcasts are really great. Yeah. It's almost like everything. Hey, it's almost like every art form. eh? What about us? Hello. Well, we're doing, uh, how about hip hop? Do you like hip hop? Yeah. McDonald's just did a hip hop commercial. What? <laughs> yeah. That's how things work when they're successful. Did you not know that? Yeah. If you, if you do things well and they start doing well, everyone's going to go to them and exploit them. And, but no, I get to keep this. No, you do not. Not at all. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway. All right. I'm going to go to number two. I'm going to go to question are, number two now. I, I hope we are recording this episode. We are right, Dave. Well, let me just Check look at, out. let me look at my recorder. Oh, oh, spaghetti. We're, we're recording. That's why oh, I was good. That's why I was upset. I was hoping if the show it, had been erased. Yeah, if this one, uh, yeah, if this one doesn't record, oh boy, <laughs> then you're doing you're doing it with uh, Lisa. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing this as most care. I've got my headphones plugged into the recorder so I can hear if anything goes wrong. Okay, good. So it's all it's all okay. All right, let's continue with pit talk. <laughs> pit crew. Next, uh, number two. It's the pits with Ian and Dave. <laughs> uh, scariest films you've ever seen, and why? Fantastic Planet. It was an animated series. It's from an animated series, animated film from 1973. Uh, it's about these gigantic kind of uh, telepathic aliens and the. Uh, kind of lowly, almost cavemen that live below. Okay. Uh, ran into it on TV when I was a kid. Did not know what it was. Uh, horrific things happen in it. <laughs> horrific things happen in it. Yeah. As they as they overthrow these um, uh, overlords uh, of the world. Uh, there's these things where like uh, the cave people have uh, these these monsters attached to them and they're fighting to the death. Oh. There's a lot of fighting to the death. They're like, oh, let's pick this flower. Sorry, that flower was the sticky tongue of a of a creature and now you've been pulled in and, and you're and you're eaten oh is this a pregnant lady well she dies in a horrible way because you know that's the way it is and we're french and uh and yeah it's it was it was just so chilling and i didn't know what it was and every so often it would show up on tv <laughs> especially because like i grew up I, like i say in montreal so we'd see french films quite yeah, often yeah. um 
and uh, and yeah, it's to this day, it's just like the most horrific film I've, I've I've ever seen. So so coldly chilling to the bone, nightmare fuel. What's it called? Yeah, Fantastic sure Planet. Uh, Fantastic Planet. Uh, Le Planet Sauvage. Oh, the uh, Savage uh, Planet. Che- yeah, uh, the Czech name of it is the Wild Planet. Hmm. Yeah. I've never even heard of this. Uh... Yep, nineteen seventy three. Uh, directed by uh, René uh, Lalou. Lalou. Yeah, I'm just looking it up here because I was curious. Yeah, also written by René Lalou and Roland <laughs> Topu, based on Homme <laughs> et Série by Stéphane Woul. <laughs> Released by Comme Si Comme Ça and Ça Va Bien, Merci et Vous. Oh, wow. And uh, Je M'appelle and uh, Alouette, Gentil Alouette. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm going to name two things that were very, very scary for me as, a, and I'm going away as a kid. These are two really scary things. The first one was a little show I like to call Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. The Abominable Snowman in that that show when I was a kid terrified me. Terrified me so much. I can't even explain. The bumble. Yeah. They call it a bumble. They make it sound like it's cute. No, it was scary. It was scary when it has them all trapped in the cave. I had to leave. I had to leave the room. Yeah, it's scary. Like it's legit, terrifyingly scary. Like those are why that's those are why, you know, if you're gonna like make a fuss and say like, what when kid shows were great, like that's one reason they were kind of great then. Like I know there's still great kid shows now, like Gravity Falls and stuff like that. But I just feel like in those days they didn't care if they scared you, they didn't care if they made you cry. They wanted you to be scared and they wanted you to cry. Oh, they also didn't care if the jokes were going way over your head. Like that (laughs) kid was just like, I want to be a dentist. That's what I want to be. Like, okay, what's this? Okay. We get, we get, we get it. We get it. Okay. Yeah. Like it's all, it's all jokes that kids weren't getting, but uh, yeah, they they were just enjoying the animation. Oh, that's great. And then then the other one is uh, Christmas Carol. Which version? The Alistair Sim one. When I was okay. a kid, the, the 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 ghost of Christmas future, that just just killed me. In fact, the whole movie's kind of creepy and scary. Like when you're a kid, like just the setting of it is scary. Like I just find like the it's black and white, but it's also kind of like a very dark film. And there's so many scenes of like like even like something like when they show like the miners at Christmas time, <laughs> and you're like watching that when you're a kid, you're just like, this is horrifying. What am I looking at? Why are the, all these people in the ground? This is weird. And then you know Jacob Marley and his screaming in the in room and and uh, and then the 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 you know like the, the the poor woman out in the street with all the ghosts flying around her and and it's there's a weird mix of like almost silent film level acting uh, combined with with you know just the these really weird kind of very very kind of like almost matter of fact visuals but mm-hmm. it really makes this kind of weird contrast that like as a kid I found it very very disturbing but I still wanted to watch it. You know. Yeah, one thing about the abominable snow monster yeah. is the way that he's beaten is, uh, first of all, uh, the um, uh, Hermie uh, oinks like a pig yes. to lure the monster. Because <laughs> he loves uh, pigs. And, they love pigs. Yeah, that's established. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, he, he and Hermie, who at this point has just been, this, you know, uh, takes his, his teeth out. Yes. He, <laughs> he gets knocked out and he just yeah. takes every tooth out of him and then yeah. they go over the cliff. And just like, oh, that's so horrific! Like that, he like just the poor monster is like has no teeth now. What does he eat? He's like he's a, clearly a meat eater because he's like lured on by pigs. So he does eat pigs. Yeah. And let's be honest, people. 
Like yeah. he's, he must eat. He must he eat. You can't feel too sorry for someone that eats people getting his teeth pulled out. Sorry. Well, what, what's he got to? Ch- what's he gonna eat? Polar bears? Like, I mean, what's up there? Yeah. He's got. He's a meat eater, so he's got to eat polar bears or people or yeah. an occasional or, elf. Like he must. Or have flying eaten lions. Elf. Or flying lions. Uh, King Moon Racer was his name because <laughs> I brought that page up. No way, he's not Jesus. Uh, and, um, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know if that. I don't know if that analogy works, but okay, that's fine. All right. Well, it, it would throw a little Jesus into a Christmas special, so that'd be that'd be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, number three, most disappointing sci-fi fantasy series slash movie, and why? I'd say the Star Wars uh, prequels. Okay. Uh, just kept, kept like, uh, shit in the bed with midichlorians <laughs> over and over again. Yes, they certainly took what, in in the rough, rough sketches of the original Star Wars films, everything that you liked about those movies suddenly were assholes. You know, like you, you liked the Jedi because you liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You know, but when you saw them in the prequels, they just seemed like a bunch of jerks. And then it turns out that you have to like be born with some special part of you. Like you're an elite. You can't just be anyone and be a Jedi. And you want to see like, well, what turned Obi-Wan from being this jerk? to the kind of humble guy who was uh, decided to live as a hermit yeah and you know just be this well i haven't heard that name in a long time let me think back oh gentle soul this is me you know instead of like you know anakin you fucked it up anakin <laughs> you fucker i'm gonna let you burn to death you motherfucker and it's like the, the, the next time we see him well i have some memories of those times well we missed something what's going on well and all that took place way. in 15 years yeah none of this is is a legitimate prequel mm-hmm. to the movies we saw yeah. you know yoda is a hundred percent a different dude yeah like what changed him What's his, what's his deal? Why is he all like uh, jokey and and fun when he's like Mister uh, Businessman? You know the whole thing, just a stern-faced sourpuss, not a joke to be told, yeah. right? Yeah. That was the nice thing when they brought him back for uh, you know the sequel sequels. Yes, it's just like oh, he's joking around again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgot about that. He's a jokester. <laughs> what the hell was he doing before? Yeah, like, we, yeah. Uh, the kid, we can't. No, we can't. Rules and regulations. <laughs> that's right. Did you fill out the form in triplicate, I ask? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's Must right. Must be done now. <laughs> now. Let me hop around like a June bug. <laughs> Rubber stamping, I am. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, the, the, I can see see that there. Well, I'm going to choose uh, a fantasy series, and that mm-hmm. would be The Horrible Abomination of The Hobbit, where they took, oh, yeah. they took one beautiful jewel of a little book for children... And they turned it into a bloated, gargantuan mess for adults. Uh, and not only did they have the gall to basically end the book at the end of the first film, well, almost end it. They basically end the first book at the beginning of the next movie. So it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like the cliffhanger is so you could read chapter the final chapter of the book in the next movie, and then they just carry on with this bloated garbage crap. Ugh. It for like another two movies and even worse than that was there's a particular idiot named dave who paid top dollar to see each of those movies in the movie theater mm. that's a real crime but it's yeah that was a real disappointment to me like peter jackson and the rest of you know philip philippa boyan and fran whatever the names are they they did like a good job with with uh 
Lord of the Rings, I thought. You know, there's I have some I have some picky picks about it, but that who cares? Like everyone has nitpicks about things. But overall they're great. Overall those movies are great. But but The Hobbit, overall, it's garbage. Like everything about it is garbage. The dwarfs, you don't know who you don't know which you don't know any of them, you don't understand who they are, what their characteristics are. They're just like a a group of hairy guys of no discernible anything, but they have big noses and are hairy. Uh Bilbo is Bilbo's pretty good in it. It has one good scene in the first movie where Bilbo and and uh, Gollum meet in the cave. That's really well done. And you, if the rest of the, if the rest of the series was like that one scene, or if the rest the rest of the film, which would have should have been one film, if the rest of the film was like that one scene, it would have been great. But it isn't because everything else is bloated and dumb and designed to be like a video game. Yeah, not not good. And the other thing I want to I want to talk about, which is this for. This is for every every science fiction thing, Very and it's good. something I dislike about science fiction. Okay. In in popular entertainment, not science fiction books, because science fiction books are written by people who like science fiction and care about science fiction. But movies and television seem to be seem to me to be made by people who could care less about science fiction. And what they really like is the cheap out. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. in Star Star Trek: The Next Generation, the cheap out is the fucking holodeck which is the worst thing they brought to that show. And once that came into the show, everything was bad after that. Everything was garbage because when, when they ran out of ideas, instead of thinking and working hard to try and like come up with an interesting new story, they just threw something into the holodeck. And, and it was just like the biggest excuse factory in the world. Like they could just come up with any gimmick and it, nothing, nothing made sense in it though, because they are in a room. How can everything that's happening that we're seeing be happening in a room? They don't even make like it seem like there's a a conveyor belt that they were walking on or whatever. Like it's just it's d- dumb. It's dumb beyond dumb. Or another example to me is the sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. Like once that was introduced, it's just downhill from there because it's always an easy out. If there's any problem, and you know, and it's a puzzle, and it would take some thinking to get out of this situation, rather than have to think about it, the doctor just pulls out a sonic screwdriver, which can do anything. It's a sonic screwdriver. It can like tell if you have a fever. It can tell if your blood is at what you know what kind of blood type you are. It can open doors. It can open windows. It can cut a hole in the floor. It can fix a, a canine dog who also is another, like I like to say, the canis ex machina. It's it's just an easy out, and I just feel like anytime that's in a science fiction movie or television show, it just cheapens it and it ruins it for me. End of rant. Very good. Anything to add? Nope. All right. Number four. What book? The Bible. He says, note, not the Bible. Oh. Would you film if someone gave you a blank check and a film crew? Who would you cast? Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to take the Danny Dunn series of books. Danny Dunn. Who's Danny Dunn? Explain, please. Danny Dunn was was a character. It was a book series. Yeah. That I used to read when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, And here are some of the ones that you had. Danny Dunn and the anti-gravity paint. I'm just going to, I'm not going to say Danny Dunn. I'm just going to say. Was he kind of like a Tom Swift? Uh, Explain Tom Swift to me. Sorry. Tom Swift was like the son of a scientist and he had a lot of science fiction-y sort of adventures for kids. He was more, he knew a scientist and would uh, uh, run. Yeah. And so he would, he would be able to figure stuff out, but he had a friend who was a poet and there was a, a girl who was a tough girl who was with him. And uh, so it was like Danny Dunn and the anti-gravity paint. 
uh, homework machine, weather machine on the ocean floor in the fossil cave and the heat ray, time traveler, automatic house, voice from space, smallifying machine, swamp monster, invisible boy, scientific detective, and the universal glue. So I want to take Danny Dunn. Yeah. And I want to I want to cast Diana Bang. She's an actress who is in uh, the interview and uh, some other films. She's local. She's great. She's hilarious. I'm gonna I'm gonna change the sex on this. She's she's Danny Dunn, but she's a little bit older. She's got a friend who's a poet. Uh, they've all kind of aged out of these adventures, and I want to see what's okay. uh, what their lives are like now. And I want Edgar Wright to direct it, and I want <laughs> constant flashbacks to all these adventures they have, and just make it as densely comedically packed as possible. Oh, so you want to you want a, t- yeah. a movie that tires people out, like uh, Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really tires people out. Like by the end of it, you're just like, ugh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's great. I see her quite often. Uh, she does do film work, and she's had like you know lead roles in, in some uh, some movies. Uh, but she also does uh, a, a local show called The Lady Show, where she does monologues and sketches, and she's just kind of brilliant. And so I want to see uh, want to see her in something. And I like this. I was I was like Danny Dunn for all the crazy stuff that he got into. Uh, but uh, having it kind of a Danny Dunn type now is like feels like it's been done. Feels a little too Venture Brothers. Uh, so, but with her in it, I think it would be great. And uh, Edgar Wright is my favorite director. So, uh, go with that. How about yourself? Okay. Well, I've often talked. I've said many times that I would like to film C.S. Lewis's uh, series of books with uh, um, like the Paralander, Out of the Silent Planet. Paralandra and that hideous strength. So I'm not going to say that again because that's been a been announced. But that's one I would I think I just reread um, Out of the Silent Planet just uh, last week because I had lent them to a to a, a lady at church who was who expressed interest in reading them. And so I said, Oh, I have those. And so so she read them and she thought they were she read them when she was younger and she she thought that they didn't hold up as well as as she remembered. And so I was curious, so I read it and I actually thought they were still quite good. Um, even though I have the same reaction to them that I had when I read them the first time, which is that um, when I read them the first time, I was not I was not religious. I wasn't a Christian when I read them. So my reaction to them was kind of like, I enjoy the story, but less Christian would be better. And I still had the same reaction. <laughs> I enjoyed the story, mm-hmm. less Christian would be better. And in the final book, it's, it's a little too overt, and I find it very kind of clumsy. But I do really enjoy the first two. I think they're really good. Um, and I really enjoyed Out of the Silent Planet again. So, but what I would, what I would direct was if I had like as a blank check, and I could do whatever I wanted. I would want to film in order from the beginning, from Master and Commander on, and uh, the the Jack Aubrey series of books by Patrick O'Brien. And they did make they did make kind of a a portmanteau of a couple of books into one movie uh, called Master and Commander. But it's not. It's not the actual books because they they took elements of different books and made them into one movie. I would want to do each book uh, and just keep going along until until either you died or 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 you or uh, you ran out of steam or, or your blank check stopped stopped suddenly had, suddenly came to an end. But yeah, I just love to. I love those books. I think they're really great and exciting and and uh, and I feel like you could do them almost easier now with the kind of systems they have where you wouldn't have to be on the at in the actual ocean. You could use those kind of things they use for the Mandalorian to create like the sense of being at sea, uh, and just have like a big set with a boat, you know, um, like that it was kind of uh, animatronic in a way, and people could be on it, and then around it is just like a big giant screen that gives you a sense of of scope and and hugeness. 
And so you could uh, do some of the really big battles. I mean, you still have to have like boats at sea and stuff, I guess, for the battle sequence and stuff. That's the thing. And that's why it's so expensive to do those movies because anything you film at sea, you you can pretty much like triple your budget just because of sea, because water, you know, filming in nature and with water adds like time to your shoots and stuff. But I still think it would be great to do those stories. I really do love them. And then what's kind of fun about them is they, there's elements at sea, there's elements on land. There's lots of historical elements. You know, there's there's like the travel element of it, the the kind of life at sea element of it, but then also the life on land part of it because they're not always at war. And there's elements of it when they're in London. Uh, there's when uh, scenes where kind of like almost Aust- Aust- uh, Jane Austen like um, uh, romance between uh, Aubrey and 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 when he gets married and stuff. So you know those sort of those those elements of it as well. So. I think I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that. And who would I want to play uh, Jack Aubrey, played by Russell Crowe in the film? I thought he did a, a pretty good job, but let me think now. I've always pictured him more of a. You know what? You know who'd be good in that role? Nope. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say Arnie Army Hammer, but I was just joking. Uh... Army Hammer works his way into uh, Arnie Hammer. It works his way into every question. <laughs> Dave, do you have a crush on Army Hammer? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a handsome man. Saying. He is. That was my response to Eve when she goes, you know, Henry Cavill's the best looking uh, actor. I would say, what about Army Hammer? She goes, well, you know, close second, Dad. Uh, yeah, you go like, he's not even the best looking man in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would I want to play Jack Aubrey? Gee, I'm just trying to think. Sorry. I didn't see that part of the question when I was reading <laughs> it. I just wrote down the, the name of the. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I'd cast as him. Sorry, I can't think of anyone right now. I'd have to like look through. Uh, I'd have to look through some uh, mug shots because it would need to be like you know who would be good. Actually, you know, I've just decided. Sorry, uh, I've, no one's seen this movie, obviously, but the most recent Emma, um, mm-hmm. directed by I think her name is August DeWald, um, the the actor Johnny Flynn who plays who plays uh, Mr. Knightley in that film, he would be a great great Aubrey actually he would be fantastic in that role and then you have to have Stephen Maturin who is the doctor who it becomes his companion in the first book and they conti- it becomes his ship's doctor and he's a great character as well because he's kind of the scientist to Jack Aubrey's emotional uh you know to sort of all emotion he's the rational character in the story and he would be really good to played by someone maybe like uh Dane DeHaan would be good in that role maybe that maybe that'd be good kind of like that yeah I'll go with that there you go. There we go. All right, uh, Ned. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah. And so, just uh, one more, one more question. Oh, oh, sorry. There's one more. Yeah. yeah. So, number five. Do you collect anything? If so, what? Um, I have a lot of comic books, but I don't collect them. Uh, the only collections I have are stuff, I guess, from many, many, many years ago that I can't replace, and so I've got those in the basement and even those I'm trying to trim down now. Mm. Uh, the only things I would, I, I would collect are things that I can use now to make things. Um, but no, nothing as like a bottle cap collection or something like that. Uh, no, it's just more things I enjoy. And then I usually try to find a home for them afterwards and uh, get them out. <laughs> uh, I do collect things because unlike Ian, I have not moved in over 22 years. So you know, it's easy to amass things. And so I, I do collect, um, I do collect things, but I kind of, uh, I, uh, how do I say it? I kind of, um, it's more for me, it's not about like 
Like I'm not like a person who collects like I want to buy every book by a particular like publisher. You know, there's some people who would collect like all Penguin books, you know, or like mm-hmm. all Penguin mystery books or whatever, or have all the Criterion films. I'm more about I want things that I really like. I want to have them at hand, and most and in some ways. I just want to hear them once in some cases, you know, just to hear them. So in that way, the internet has been nice. But uh, yeah, I do collect things. Like right now, I'm uh, I'm obsessing about um, Spiru and like uh, uh, stuff that came from uh, the print, the publishers, Dupuis. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, Dupuis, the French publishers. Uh, and they put out this these series of integrals uh, beginning in the early, maybe late naughties uh early teens and so if they were always going to be available i wouldn't really obsess about them but to me what makes me nervous is the idea that they're going to disappear you know they're going to go out of print and then i won't be won't be able to get them and then you know so a little while ago i got like really panicky and so i i bought uh two books to finish my andre franquin collection of uh spiru and, and fantasio and so, you know, now I have like up to book eight of that Integral. Oh, you're being really loud with your typing. Sorry about that. And then... Um, Trying to get ahead of the game. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just so, so yeah, like whenever... So it's just this weird feeling that, oh, they're just going to stop publishing them. And I think more it's Amazon is going to stop carrying them because I can't find them in the Amazon. Before, as I used to be able to find them, they, they would always have them available and now they don't. So I had to buy, like I got a bunch of... Uh, Benoit Bissifay by Peyo. I bought three volumes, but I had to bring them in from France through the French Amazon. And that was quite expensive because you're paying in euros and then you're paying for, for the, basically they only ship it by air. So you're paying for that as well. So it really racks up the cost, but there's no other way to get them. And I just love them so much because they're just such a wonderful, wonderfully put together uh, collection. You know, they have the they have like about 20 pages of historical information at the beginning of every book, uh, like essays and descriptions of things that were happening at the time, discussions of like the various people that they, that say Andre Frankheim worked with or Peyo worked with when they were putting together their books. They'll have like rough sketches, they'll have the pencils, they'll have like just the pages with just the inks, you know, and they're often photostats, so you can see like the corrections and stuff like that. And then they'll have you know, uh, contemporary ads for the comics that were coming out in Spir- in uh, Spiru or whatever, and yeah, I just I just love them so much, and so I I just want to I just want to own them all, but I don't want to like, and I and I have no like urge to buy them all at once, but I just then I start worrying that they're not going to be available. So if I have like, you know, like I had five or I had six of the the Franquin, and so I just I just had to get seven and eight just out of the blue. I was just like, oh man, I got to get those because they're they're not going to have them anymore, and I and I can't not own those because then my collection wouldn't be complete <gasps> order yeah so it's um yeah it's it's an illness that's what i'm saying anyway <laughs> let's go on all right uh thank you very much gavin uh our friend uh netty uh Thibault, uh writes what is your fondest childhood memory uh for me it would be um going to my grandparents place on christmas afternoon and my grandfather uh, gave us a series of clues to work our way to our presence. Mm. And so it would be rhyming couplets, and we'd read them and then try to figure out the mystery. It was, I think, a one-bedroom apartment, so there's not too much hiding spots. Yeah. But I, I remember it feeling very large. And, uh, and you know, I, I got, like, a pinball machine, like a little toy pinball machine that was 
just the best thing uh, when I was when I was a kid. I got like Maskatron, which was uh, incredible to me. Uh, I got a magic kit. I remember that was just incredible to me. And my grandparents' place was always like the place where I was safe and I could do my creative things, you know, on Fridays. And so it was already like one of my favorite places. But on Christmas afternoon, it was there. It, it just was. It was the best. It was the best because it was like Christmas morning was good, uh, but everyone was cranky. <laughs> uh, but by the afternoon, everything was all right yeah. and uh, relaxed and fun, and uh, and yeah, I'd say that was that's my that's my fondest childhood memory. Hmm. That's nice, very nice. Uh, mine, I think, are more travel related. Uh, when I loved going to a Soyuz when when I was a kid, I loved to go. We stayed in the same hotel every year. We went for about four years in a row, and we had so we had friends there that so there was kids there that I would see every summer. And, you know, we just sort of pick up where we left off as if we'd never been away from each other. And, you know, so I, we went swimming in the lake, which I love swimming in lakes. I learned to water ski. I could walk down the road in the, in the in a, sorry, just so people know, is the only desert in Canada. So it's desert like, you know, it's this desert like heat. So I remember like walking, and this is a long time ago. So, you know, as a kid, you could just go walking away from the motel where you're staying with your parents and walk, you know, half a mile down the road to a corner store and, and buy wacky packages there and your mom's not going to get mad at you, you know, for, for disappearing. And so I would go down there, I'd buy, yes, wacky packages and then also Richie Rich Digests <laughs> and I would bring those back and read them. It's also where I first saw Woody Allen. I first saw Take the Money and Run while sitting because uh, I'm an introvert so even though I enjoy playing with my friends, I would need to go inside for a while and just be by myself. And so I would often just go inside and watch television. Just, for, you know, just, because I need to get away from people, right? Here's 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 the stupidest thing in the world. Okay. I was just thinking it was just like uh, an introvert sounds like a pervert who can only do it when he's inside. Yep, that's me. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so you know, I just so those sort of things I just discover little little kind of like that's a real touchstone moment for my life because you know I'm such a big fan of those movies, so oh. you know, and that's where I first discovered them. And then, yeah, just having friends and stuff like that, and those are very important. Another one is we traveled down to Port, Port or down to Oregon one year. We went to um, the coast, uh, kind of near Tillamook, uh, where the cheese is made, and we got there, and it was just a terrible, terrible first few days that we were there. It just rained the whole time we were there, and we had uh, borrowed my grandma's motorhome. But there was only room for, for three to sleep in there comfortably. And so two of us were, had to sleep in the tent. And so the two that slept in the tent just got soaking wet. And I remember like our first few days there, every night we basically had to go to the, the laundromat and wash our clothes because we, we hadn't brought that much with us and everything was soaked. And But it, somehow it was very nice at the same time. It was just sort of a, a weird experience. And then... Because it was so bad, no one was there. So we had like the perfect parking spot, right? <laughs> we had this great campground right by the beach. Like we just walked like out of our motorhome or out of our tent up this dune. And then we're at the beach. There is a beach right there. And it was so nice. And then like a couple days into our trip, the sun came out and it just was sunny the rest of the time we were there. And it was just like we had the best spot in the place. And it was just fantastic. So I always remember that as well. Those are really, really key memories for me to trips and stuff like that. Cool. Number two, what's your favorite joke? Such a tough question to, to answer. Uh, my favorite joke is a favorite joke because it's a reference I like to make a lot. I can't not tell the joke on a family podcast like ours, 
but it's umbogo if you know the umbogo joke understood yes yeah i'm not going to tell it but it's one of my favorite things to say is when when in a situation i just go what can you do it's an umbogo situation so that's why it's that's why it's one of my favorite jokes but i will tell you another favorite joke of mine which Please is do. one i thought of today when when i was talking to someone which oh was, you thought you thought no oh, no i didn't oh, think of this did. joke it's this one that occurred to me today okay. when i was talking to someone and uh because oh anyway so it was uh the joke is the the guys at the bar and uh he has to go to the bathroom and but he's afraid to leave his beer unattended so he writes a little note that says i spat in my beer and he just leans it up against the mug and he goes to the bathroom and then he comes back and he looks at his note and someone's written on it so did i oh i always like that joke that's a good joke yeah i'd say um my favorite joke that's too long to tell here but you can look it up online (laughs) is uh norm mcdonald telling the moth joke ah yes excellent joke excellent punchline it's all about the delivery it is Uh, and if i was just to do a one-off joke uh roman legionnaire walks into a bar and holds up two fingers and says five beers please (laughs) that's good yeah I like it. Uh, everyone, uh, you know, there you go. Also, this one uh, broke my finger last week. On the other hand, I'm okay. <laughs> there we go. It's all nice jokes. Everyone can enjoy. Uh, fries or tater tots? Uh, fries, of course. I'm gonna go fries unless I'm in a Mexican uh, cheap restaurant, and then I'm gonna go uh, tater tots because they're gonna call them Mexi fries, and they're gonna be great. Okay, I, if I was in a Mexican restaurant, I would not get fries, but. Fries with um, with hamburgers like at McDonald's, or fries with like chips with uh, fish and chips, and basically what, the reason I like them is because I love the combination of of uh, vinegar and ketchup. Mm. Just love it. My fr- my friend Bruce used to mix vinegar, ketchup, and mayonnaise every time we went to the cafeteria, mm. and uh, uh, disgusted me to no end. But uh, <laughs> you know, hey man, such is life. Well, that's an interesting because it is interesting though because you get like. The, the of course you get the the vinegar the as, as, acidity of the vinegar sure. the sweetness of the ketchup and then it's sort of softened by the by the cream creaminess of the mayonnaise and then we're getting into Big Mac sauce which is the greatest sauce in the world which is basically yeah ketchup mustard mayonnaise and then it's dill pickle uh, juice with yeah. maybe a little bit of or chopped some, dill and some pickle relish. in there some relish in there yeah right the now. relish in there mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit of onion a little onion juice so yeah I mean it's all the things that you just go ew if someone was doing <laughs> it but it's like no it's great. Yeah. Uh, best yeah. Uh, crappy breakfast cereal. If by I'm assuming by crappy crappy Nettie means unhealthy unhealthy sugar one is Fruit Loops is is it for me? Fruit Loops. Uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go Captain Crunch. Nice ideally. choice. The peanut butter, ideally, but how about uh, Crunch Berries? How about Crunch Berries? Yeah, Crunch Berries are okay. Oh, you don't like them. Um, like but uh, they seem like you've just thrown some tricks in there, <laughs> and you're not tricksing me, man. <laughs> Uh, um, Fruit Loops. Best... Is, that's the thing. Fruit Loops. We weren't allowed to eat sugar cereals when I was a kid. We weren't allowed. Yeah. We never would have them in the house. But when we went on a trip, like say to a Soyuz, then my mom would say, "You're allowed to get one sugar cereal." And so, all, my brothers and I, we all agreed Fruit Loops. So we would always get a box of Fruit Loops when we went on our trips. Best song for a road trip. Hmm. I am going to have to look up something on here. So apologies for the uh clicking there we go uh probably if you're on a road trip the best song would be uh jonathan richmond's roadrunner okay uh the most fun we've had on a or road bo trip. diddley's road, roadrunner very good uh the uh my friend um chris we were on tour together and he brought along uh the album if i were a carpenter which is covers of carpenter songs okay and Odd. uh top of the world by shonen knife uh we all sang along to that very loudly every time that came on like you could not <laughs> Not sing uh, loudly to that song. It's uh, pretty pretty great. Um, best personal story about cats. 
Nothing horrible, please. Uh, personal story about cats is not a horrible story. Uh, we started uh, after... Now, this is going to start with the death of one cat. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, when our cat August passed away, we decided to uh, take our cat Charlie for walks um, just so he wouldn't be bored since he was uh, missing uh, his, uh, you know, uh, friend. Uh, so uh, one of the things we did was we take him to Stanley Park. And uh, something I, I remember doing, which was delightful, was we were walking along the seawall and the uh, horse carriage came by mm. and he had never seen horses before. And seeing his reaction to horses was amazing. <laughs> like he just saw the horses, was stunned, <laughs> couldn't believe them. And then like they were across the street. They yeah. weren't coming close to touching him. But he just got down low. Like he didn't run away. He just got low and flat, flattened himself out as flat as could be so that no one could see him. And I know he was saying to us, get down, you fools. They're monsters. <laughs> but like, they, I, and I was like, well, yeah, there'd be no occasion where he'd have seen another animal that would have been this big, let alone a couple of them, you know? So this was crazy yeah. to him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just seeing his reaction was uh, just uh, delightful. And like afterwards, he seemed to just be looking at us and shaking his head and going, you saw that, right? That wasn't me. <laughs> what was that about? Why are we here? Yeah. So that would be uh, my cat story. Nice. Um, well, Nettie, I have a cat now a cat named Risa Bisa meow 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 as you know but I never really I didn't grow up with cats I grew up with dogs I, we had two cats when I was a kid and as you do not want horrible stories I will leave out those cats so my whole cat experience is with Risa and my favorite story about Risa is that when we got her we got her, she was adopted by us because she had been abandoned by her original owners boo Yes, uh, there were a couple that went on a honeymoon and they left the cat with their mum. And when they returned, they didn't want the cat back. They didn't want Risa back, which is crazy because Risa is the most beautiful cat in the world. Like, literally. And she's like a dog. She's more like a dog than a cat. She just, like, she, you know, like when I come home from work, she runs up to me, you know, and comes over for uh, for pets. And, you know, she's not aloof at all. She's just really this loving cat. And she's super gorgeous. Like, you know, you have, like, this idea of, like, the stereotypical cat profile and when you look at Risa like her face is just that perfect cat profile like this perfect and I just can't understand why someone would 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 like give her up and so this mother who was looking after the cat looking after Risa suddenly she found herself uh you know with with Risa and she didn't but she didn't want her like she was just looking after her so she she was a teacher in the school system with at least in, and in those days they had like kind of a, a bulletin, like a chat area. And so she wrote in there and she said, you know, I have this cat. I, you know, I would wish I could keep her, but I don't, I don't want her. So, so if I'm hoping someone out there could adopt her. And so Lisa, of course, I know immediately wanted to do it, but she was too late. And another lady adopted her. Fortunately for us, Risa uh, and this lady's other cat didn't get along with each other, which is what she had wanted, like a companion for her cat. But they didn't. They were at odds with each other. And so she offered her to Lisa, and so Lisa gladly took her. And I guess by this point, Risa was really confused and, and you know, didn't know what was going on because she just kept going from place to place. Yeah. And had no, had no sense of, of you, know, look, you know, belonging or anything. And so when we got her, she just hid downstairs and just hid behind our toilet downstairs and so i would go in and i would sit on the floor in the bathroom and i would just pet her and she would eventually she came up from by the toilet and it sat on my lap and i would just pet her in there 
and then uh slowly she started like coming farther and farther out until you know she she kind of owned the house to a degree and 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 yeah we still she still i think i'm i think somehow like she kind of imprinted on me and i'm like i'm her favorite or as lisa calls her my other wife you know so when when lisa comes in she says oh your other wife is here because as soon as she comes in the house she'll hop up on my lap and and she'll for pets and when i go to bed at night she'll immediately jump up on jump up on my chest and lay there so I can pet her a little bit before before I go to sleep. And yeah, so we just have this kind of weird relationship that just kind of came out of the fact that when she came here, she's just terrified and had no idea what was going on. But uh, we made a home for her and she knows she knows that we're her family. Here's a here's a sneak preview of um, uh, the upcoming uh, Sparks Double Dog Dare available August 4th. Uh, you will get an origin story for uh, the character of Charlie in that book. That is the true story, basically, of uh, us adopting Charlie. Oh, but yeah. we're not part of we're not part of it. But yeah, it, it yeah. is really his uh, his origin story mm. told through the lens of this world that we've created yeah, for yeah. the Sparks characters. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so there, there's a thing. So if you want to know what that's about, go get that book. Um, <laughs> what or who inspires you? Uh, well, this is going to sound kind of corny in show but i'm gonna say that you inspire me i've always looked up to you as a creative person and i've always admired your how hard you work at what you love to do like uh, when we were younger and i was struggling to finish one comic you did 15 you know like you've always been incredibly prolific but not just you know you're not just like throwing them out there they're skillfully done they're you know they have all of your creative ability and your love of, of creation and your funniness and everything are all inside those those comics you know they're just like little jewels each one of them and yeah i just i've always just uh, i've always looked up to you as like a creative person and someone to imitate as as you know how like a, a work ethic and and just you know just putting yourself out there and doing stuff you know well, that's uh, very, thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, I'll throw a compliment back at you, and then I'll I'll take it a uh, different place that's and uh, leave you behind. Um, uh, you've uh, you've got a couple of very uh, happy kids, and that's amazing. That's amazing. Like the, your kids. Whenever I see you with your kids, as I've said before, I have never thought that you were thinking that your kids were a pain in the ass. And it's <laughs> very when I think back on like my childhood and like parents. It was always like parents thought their kids were a pain in the ass. They liked them. They loved them. But they yeah. were annoying. And they, it wasn't like the idea that like a parent would go, boy, I'd like to hang out with my kid. <laughs> like, boy, if I have a chance, I'd really like to go spend a lot of time with my kid. It's like, no, not at all. You know, it was like the, the parent would go do the parent thing and the kid would do the kid thing until the parent went, get back here. And then they'd uh, come back and they maybe share a bit of what they did, but probably not. You know, I did a little bit of stuff with my dad where we he took me to rehearsals for plays, but then he would just sit off to the side and read a book mm -hmm. or, you know, it was he'd do his own thing because yeah. that was who he was. Yeah. But definitely whenever you're around your kids, you care about what they're doing and they care about you and you have genuine laughs together, which is amazing. That's amazing. And, mm -hmm. so, and so and so rare. It really, really is rare. Huh. Like I see it again in friends of ours like David and Allison with their daughter, Lily. Yeah. Like, um but but then you step away from that circle and it is very very rare <laughs> you know um but the, but they they like you uh you know really like spending time and i think i think that's such a big thing for for a person to have the people that are there 
you know, world, yeah. uh, care about them, not just the amount that they have to, or just the generic love you, mm-hmm. love you. Yeah, yeah. But it's in like, uh, what have you got to say? Oh, that's interesting. Well, tell me more. Oh, okay. Well, that's hilarious what you do. All right. Well, do you want to do something? Well, let's do that. Let's go hang out. Like it, it just gives such value. It just builds them up. And I can see now as they are adults, you know, everything that you've done, uh, to again, you know, from a distance, I see this, but like, I can see definitely that they're the people that they are because of the love and care and, uh, interest that you have in them. And the interest is the, um, it's the really unique part, uh, mm. compared to parents when I was, uh, again, a young person. <laughs> so good on you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good, good kid raising. Well done to make the world <laughs> a better place and all. Um, yes. And to the point where I like hanging out with your kids and I uh, like hang, hanging out with like Lily and I, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's just fun to hang out with these. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, that's neat. Oh, well, let's talk more. <laughs> um, yes. But who's really inspiring me right now are people that are kind of calling out, uh, things in, in, uh, in my, in my industries like comics and, uh, and, um, comedy and going, uh, yeah, that's enough of that. And like, uh, kind of putting themselves on the line and, uh, and calling out creeps and calling out racism and sexism and 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 actually legitimately making things better by bringing things up and putting themselves at risk um those those folks have been a big inspiration to me and i've been writing a lot of essays on like my no end book about things lately to do with improv but it's also very much the comic the comics industry uh and uh yeah i just see these these people you know, uh, revealing so much and taking such risks and that pushes me forward as well and makes, uh, makes me hopeful about all the crafts that I've got and the things that I'm part of and, and that things can actually get better. I find that all uh, incredibly inspiring and I'm trying to encourage them as, as much as I can. So, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really brave, you know, uh, because you have you, everyone, all these people doing this always run the risk of, of alienating themselves from, from what they love to do. Yeah, you could you could easily easily, especially like all of these jobs are ones that someone else will jump in and take your place in less than a heartbeat. In yeah. less than a heartbeat. Yeah. So it's like what? Yeah, you you are taking a big a big risk, and uh, and so when I see people actually doing that and actually having an impact, it's like wow, good uh, good on you. There's still a, I put a thing up today where I was saying like in almost all the industries. Uh, I would like to see uh, less creeps and more weirdos. <laughs> more weirdos, less creeps. Yeah, to yeah. The point yeah. I think P is making up a shirt now about that. Mm, nice. Um, number like eight, it. Dave. Dave. Yes. Hey, Dave. What? What? what have I do? you been to thebookshop.com uh, from Diary of a Bookseller? I have not. I went to that site to see, and it's a bookshop bookshop in Edinburgh, I believe. Okay. And it is uh, a huge bookstore. Like it just looks fantastic. And no, I've never. I didn't even know it was there. I have been to Edinburgh a few times. I've been lost in Edinburgh. <laughs> I've probably driven past it like seven times trying to find my way out of Edinburgh. Because how you get out of Edinburgh is you turn on a road that you shouldn't turn on. It looks like, like you you look you look at you look at it and you go. Oh, do you drive down this alley to get to the major freeway? No, that would be stupid. Who would design a city like that? Ha ha ha. Let's find this actual road we get out. Where'd the road? Where do we go? Where do we go? Turn, 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 turn. Then finally you go, all right, we have no choice. We have to go down this alley because we've tried every other way. Go down the alley, come to the freeway. Who designed this? But anyway, no, I have not been there. I've been to Hay on Wye, which is 
uh, full of bookshops. It's not like a, one big bookshop. It's like a, a town of bookstores, which is really, really fantastic. I've been there as well, and it is very cool. And if you like damp book covers, it's your town. <laughs> well, because, yeah, they do have some outdoor stuff as well. They as do. Indoor. Uh, but you know what? In I think in two years, I think that's the timeline now, we are going to be traveling to England. Ooh. And so I... Well, for sure, we'll be going up north because we have family to go visit up there. And we want to see Lisa's older relatives before they leave us forever. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, highly likely that I will fit that into the, uh, fit that into the uh, what's it called? Your little itinerary for the tra- our travel itinerary. So there you Sounds go. Sounds good. So not, not yet is what I'm saying, but desperately looking forward to it. Okay. And now we are back over to you for the questions. And, okay. Uh, ha- Matt Smith. So this is Matt Smith. Matt is writing. And I'm going to guess from his first question that Matt is a fan of Completely Beatles, one of the entry entry drugs to uh, Sneaky Dragon. Mm-hmm. Entryway drugs. So number one is when you a were... A lot of people, let me just say, a lot yeah. of people took some of our entryway drugs and just jumped off a roof. And I apologize. <laughs> to that. So those people, they got in a fight with a horse. When yes. you were younger and when mm-hmm. they were all sl- still alive, did you wish for a Beatles reunion? Or do you think they broke up at the right time and glad they never got back together and possibly marred their legacy? This is a question for you, Dave. I guess. I've never even thought about this. So you're, you are going, you. you're going to recuse yourself? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I don't really have an opinion on that because okay. I never, I've never, i never thought about this and I don't really have an opinion on it. I'll just say right now, je recuse. Uh, <laughs> when, when you were younger... Uh, so... John Lennon died when I was in grade eight. That was in 1980. And I think at that point... So you've got an alibi is what you're saying. Yes. I I could not travel to New York at that time by myself. It's possible my father and I travel there together to do this dirty deed, but no. Uh, I remember actually, I remember where I was when I heard that John Lennon died. I was actually laying in front of our stereo. We had a large cabinet stereo in our living room that had a FM, AM, FM radio in it, and then a a uh, record player that played 78, 45, and 33 and one-third speed, and also had a uh, a um, record stacker, so he could stack records on on it, and it would play automatically, f- the, each record would automatically drop when its turn came. But uh, at that time, I was listening to Fox, the station that rocks here in Vancouver, and in the middle, I was doing some homework. This was grade eight, and the uh, DJ came on and announced the death of John Lennon, which is very, of course, very stunning at the time. But in grade eight, I wasn't really that up on the Beatles at that point in my life. I, I knew who they were, but I wasn't like a big fan. Like I became a really big fan of the Beatles when the CD started coming out because that's when I the albums were more available to me. Whereas when I was a kid, it felt confusing to buy Beatles albums because they were all the weird American ones. And they were like Beatles 4 and, you know, Meet meet the Beatles and With the Beatles. And it, it just it was all over the place, right? It's, you know, something by the Beatles, all this stuff. And it's, yeah. you know, because everything was repackaged and it was all, it was just a mess, right? When you look through the Beatles thing and you're just kind of like, what do I get? Where do I start? I don't know. So, uh, so yeah, I wouldn't really have been thinking about the Beatles that much. In fact, let me just shock everyone by saying that actually my first like major introduction to the Beatles was signing out Beatlemania, the imitation of the Beatles from the library. I, oh, okay. That's what I first heard. Like a lot of Beatles songs that I'd never heard before was in the Be- in the Beatlemania version before I had actually heard the records, just because they weren't that accessible to me. My dad was not a Beatles fan. He was a little too old for the Beatles. 
And it wasn't until I think I was in grade nine that I, my friend uh, moved back from Ontario and his mom's boyfriend, later his stepdad, was a British guy who had been actually been a Bobby in England, but he had some Beatles albums. And that's where I first like heard Sgt. Pepper and stuff like that. And that was a bit later. So, so yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it, but to go on to like the part of, do I, do I think they broke up at the right time? I do think they broke up at the right time. And here's the reason why I think they broke up at the right time is that the Beatles were in their, in their greatest phase were a pop band. They weren't really a rock band. They weren't, they weren't like, like, we don't look at the Beatles and go, man, I sure wish they had played 20-minute-long songs on stage like <laughs> like Cream, right? Like, you don't think that about the Beatles. Like, they didn't really suit that era of music, like the late 60s, where everything started to stretch out and it got really heavy. And, you know, Black Sabbath and and uh, Led Zeppelin and all, all that kind of music that's very heavy, you know, and all the kind of heavy rock sounds of that time period. And and then kind of country rock and things like the, the Beatles weren't really about that kind of stuff, you know. So it's hard to it's hard to see where they would have fit in the landscape. Now it's possible that if they'd continued on past Abbey Road, each album they did would have continued to be, you know, a kind of culture changing thing. The way that Sgt. Pepper was a culture changing thing, and the way that Abbey Road was a culture changing album. But you know, it's also possible that you know once they stopped cooperating the way they did as as the organism of the Beatles and became more independent of each other in the seventies, that the band wouldn't have worked the same way anymore. And they wouldn't have had that kind of cultural effect because, because before they were like this sort of synthesis, this cohesive one unit thing, you know, there's that famous story of something, someone asking George Harrison, if he believed in God and him answering in the Royal we for the Beatles saying, we're not really sure about that yet. No, not, he didn't answer, I'm not sure what they had. He answered in the sense of, of him being part of this organism of the Beatles. That's how the way they worked at that time in their, in their lives. And so it's hard to see them, but as they grew older, having that kind of cohesion, you know, you can see them growing apart as, as we, as the end of the sixties come. And so, yeah, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like they broke up at the right time. I mean, they could have carried on, and, and it's hard to know exactly, of course. We just, you can't read. And as to their, like, getting back together, like, I think it would have been wonderful if John Don Lennon had lived into the 90s, and maybe at some point they they all could have buried the hatchet and kind of put their egos aside and tried to... They could never recapture their youth, but they could have some fun with their legacy and play some shows and be the Beatles for a little bit and then go back to not being the Beatles. You know, that, that, that was an option for them that didn't seem like an option in the, in, in the late sixties for them, you know, like at that time there was no sense because no one had been who they were before and no one had been, no one had grown old as a rock star before, you know, like all the early rock stars of the fifties had all burned out very early in their careers. You know, the, the Beatles were the ones that kind of like took it to the, the end you know what do you do at the end will you break up you know and and so but they never had that chance of where someone said to them listen guys you've been through a grueling seven years you need to like take a break take a break from each other just don't break up don't think of ending this right now but just go do your own thing for a while and then when you feel like it come back together and think about what you want to do you know like but take some time away from this don't think that you have to keep being Beatles all the time uh, but there was no one to say that because no one had ever thought of that before because no one had ever experienced what they were going through before. Mm. So, 
Yeah, it's uh, that's my answer. I'm all over the place as usual. No, it's a good answer. Number two, it's it's an easy one, Dave. Is rock and roll dead? <laughs> Number two. Hey, I'm reading these. Okay. <laughs> Number two is rock, rock and roll dead. My answer hey, to this it? is a very quick yes. Is it? Mm, I think so. What counts as rock and roll? Well, exactly. Okay, there you go. I just think as like an org- organic, what we once thought of as rock and roll is doesn't really doesn't really around anymore. Like there's still some trace elements of it, but I think the way the music industry works now, I think the way that music is produced and recorded, Pro Tools and you know, kind of plug and play element, you know, it's just different now. And what we have is is not is not any less valid than rock and roll was, but it's just different. And so I think you can you can like honestly like move on you know like like you can move on and, and be something different we don't have to be rock and roll we can be whatever fair. you know fair enough I, I don't think that's a i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i just because i think that i think you know is you know is trad jazz dead is dixieland jazz dead yeah it's dead it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it it doesn't mean that people can't play it still it doesn't even mean that someone could like create a new dixieland jazz album of covers of radiohead or something but it's dead, you know, and you're just having fun with the form. And I feel like rock and roll is dead, but we can have fun with the form and, and kind of play with it. But it's not the same as it once was because... Are the, are the people performing then necromancers? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> they're, just having, they're just having fun with, with, the, with the elements of rock and roll. Sure, necromancers have fun too. Sure. I'm you can, sure they do. You can call them necromancers. It's a good name for a band. Mm, that's a good point. Number three. Yes. What it, what's involved in starting a podcast? The process, equipment, cost, etc. What's what is all okay. that in? I think uh, the most important thing is uh, your friend Dave has to like uh, contact you and go, "Do you want to do a podcast?" <laughs> that's a, that's a help. Next thing you do is you say yes. Yeah. Then you let Dave figure it out. That's true. And then yeah, I mean, this is me being a dum dum. Is like I've I know we actually even did like a video that we haven't put up yet mm-hmm. about how to do a podcast. Yeah. But it's still confusing to me. Yeah. Like the whole process is still confusing to me. On my end of things, um, it's just it's it's trying to it, it, when we when we started this, it was like, what's the reason that we're doing this? Uh-huh. Because it's not just uh, two guys talking about pop culture because there's infinite ones of that. So. <laughs> yeah. What's the point? What's the point of doing this? And my my feeling was we had both, as you mentioned, uh, kind of done mini comics and uh, self published comics. Yep. And I was thinking of that same aesthetic, and the do do it yourself aesthetic uh, kind of is now uh, part of podcasting as it was when we were like hitting up the Xerox uh, places to do up our comics. Yep. And, uh, and 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 in those cases, I was thinking like uh, try to make it as funny as possible in the comics. And try to make it as true as possible in the mm-hmm. comics, mm-hmm. because the only thing that we have that's unique is ourselves. So uh, our dumb kind of relationship, uh, back and forth, our lives, uh, merging those together, listening to each other—that's uh, that's what this should be about. Uh, and uh, and then I try to take away all the elements from other podcasts that were successful, such as um, segments. And, uh, you know, anything, anything that I heard, especially in the local podcast yeah. where I'm like, well, this is already being done. So yeah. I don't want to like we're a copycat because I heard too many copycat podcasts of other podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just tried to make it sincere. And then when we spun off into other po- like our sidecast, it was like, what's something Dave's passionate about, uh, that I could just have a conversation with him about and then picking those topics and then building, building on there. Not because they would be, uh, successful. We had no idea 
anything was going to be successful. It was just, I know this will sound like Dave is sincerely interested in this because I know he sincerely is interested in this. So that I think will come across uh, well uh, as a podcast. Um, and yeah, so that's, I guess, my side of things. Well, yeah, that's all, that's all true. Like when we started the podcast, my feeling was, when I asked you, I just thought, this is something that we would be really good at because we are really good talkers. And I like the idea of us just having a free flowing show that we just started and we had no plan. Like whenever we start a show, whether it's this show or we I mean, we, this show has a bit of a format because we have questions, but in the sense of, do we know what we're answering? In most cases, no, we just are reading the questions and kind of talking off the top of our head, which is what I like about what we do is we, we are strangely good at talking extemporaneously and bringing in meaning and kind of bringing it back around just to, you know, a beginning point and things like that. We do that very well. And I just thought we could really apply that to, to like the podcast, you know, format. Now, the practical parts of it, this is what I would recommend, like where, where we are now, what I would recommend is, um, first thing I would recommend is if you're going to do a podcast, do it with a partner, do it together. Don't do it via Skype or, or whatever. Ian and I are doing that for reasons of safety and and, and of caution. There's a global pandemic. That's right. Recording this. I know when you listen to this in the future, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, well, trust us, yeah. 2020 for a period of time, there was a global pandemic, which That's... is why TV got weird for a short period of time. <laughs> exactly. And But normally, what's wonderful is us together in a room, sitting across from each other, just talking to each other. And, you know, telling dumb jokes but and telling stories and talking about our feelings and things like that. But we are both there experiencing it together, you know. And then, and so, but the, and the other thing I would recommend then is, is your sound. I think anything that, for me, whatever, what kills podcasts is if they sound like two people talking in a, in a hallway, you know, 50 feet away from me. Like, I just cannot enjoy, I cannot enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter what the con, the context or the con, or the, the, um, not context, the um, whatever, what am I trying to think of? The con thingy, the con contents of the show, It's if it's not presented properly, it sounds really badly. So get some pretty good mics. You can choose what you want. You can have dynamic or you can have whatever the ones we have, which aren't dynamic. They're the other kind, which means they pick up noises from everywhere. But I kind of like that element of them as well. And uh, the other thing I'd recommend is... Uh, you know, invest a little bit in what in what you're doing. So, uh, we 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 bought Ian bought and now I bought um, digital recorders because they're the they're the easiest way and also the safest way to record the shows. The problem with like I we used to record on laptops, but we've lost shows on laptops because laptops aren't perfect. You can accidentally save over things. You can have a power outage that loses your show. You know, there's lots of accidents that can happen gremlins gremlins can attack you and so i would so good mics a good recorder we have a mixer which is quite nice and that's good if we have guests because then we can have more than than two plugins and so that's helpful but those are things that you can you can introduce over time like when we started we we just recorded uh two mics into an analog converter that went ran into a laptop and then we switched to better mics same setup, got a better laptop, and then we checked the laptop and we got an Ian bought a digital recorder, and it's just been kind of like that. And then we ha always had our mixer, and then um, so now you've got your show recorded. Now you need to learn, and there's lots of videos to help you through this, but you need to learn like setting up a website. 
because you have to have a website to host your show. And when you first start, it's easy to just post your show on your website because you're not going to have enough listeners who are going to kill your website when you every time you, you put a new show up. But so you can just, I use WordPress and WordPress has a plugin called Blueberry. And it's just great because it's, you just, it's free. You, you know, you just add it to your WordPress site and it automatically gives you a container that you can put your, you can, you know, press upload and it uploads the show into, into their server and then, or onto your website or whatever. And then you have your, you have your show there. And then, uh, and then you got to learn. Then you got to learn how to get to iTunes and stuff like that. But all of those are really kind of easy to do, and Blueberry will help you with that as well. It has like step by step things to fill out and ways to, to to enter them, and these are all very easy to do. And there's lots of of lots of things out there. So the first the first thing to do is want to do it. The second thing to do is learn to do it, and the third thing to do is to continue to do it and enjoy it. And and if you really want to do it, you will learn all those things. Honestly, like the first one we did. Our mics didn't work. We had to like yell into uh, one microphone. It sounds like you know we're talking through cotton. And then I took the show home, and then I, I didn't know what I was doing. I you know I put it onto the website, and then I like figured out how to you know go to to go to iTunes and, and submit it to iTunes. But all those things were easy to figure out. You know, it just took a little bit of of trying, and then we got accepted right away. So, you know, it's not. It's not rocket science, and it's it's fun to do, and it's easy. I recommend that you do it. Yeah, give it a try. Uh, I and and try experiment with it, and do little videos, and do little <laughs> side things. Yeah, yeah. But 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 I, my big advice is just do stuff that you uh, care about. Like, don't do stuff because you go like, this will be a good idea. This will be popular. <laughs> this will be a thing. Because don't worry about that. Just yeah. do something that you care about, and sure. I think the sincerity. I, find, I think like there's some people who just like listening to us because it's comforting to listen to two friends talk. There's yeah. something that's just genuinely soothing about that. And the and if I was to, when we were starting this, go like, hey, what's your target audience? It would in no way be the target audience that we ended up with. You know, it just happened to appeal to some people that was like, oh, that's nice. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have thought uh, that someone wanted to spend their 16th birthday uh, coming to visit us at a comic con, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but they did. And it, it, that just meant the world, but yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's people who, I mean, we, we, we have a bucket full of really sincere, sweet stories. People have shared with us about things the show's meant to us, uh, meant to them. them yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and what they have said is meant to us. So mm. it's a, it's also a nice way of connecting with people that you never would uh, otherwise. And if you do that, it helps starting, uh, with being yourself, because <laughs> yes. then you won't have to like get to yourself later on. <laughs> well, that's something that I, if someone asks me like for advice, like any part of their life, anything they're going to do is yeah, just be yourself. Don't don't put on an act as someone else because everyone knows you're that you're doing an act. Yeah, it's tough sometimes when people say that because it's like, well, what's myself? Because <laughs> you see yourself as like, am I myself at work? Am I myself yeah. at home? Yeah. Is myself at work and at home the same as when I'm in a store? And it's and so I always go with, you know, yes, be yourself. But I also go with be talking about things that you care about. Yeah. Don't don't feign interest, you know, in something because you think you should. So yeah, that's well, uh, that's fine. Well, let me just tell you, <laughs> I am exactly the same at work as I am on the podcast here, or <laughs> I am at home. I am, okay. I act the same way. I I have talk the same way. I make the same dumb jokes. I make I make the same uh, tell the same stories. Uh, you know, and as you everyone listens, they know I have the same stories I tell over and over again. So, uh, people at work have heard these stories over and over again as well. Like I don't, 
I don't uh, try to hide who I am. I think that that's, you know, like, I, I feel like, you know, that's the only way that you can be genuinely liked is if you're genuinely there, you know? I think so much of what I do is, um, is almost like applying for jobs, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm always like doing new projects. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're yourself, but you're not the same self that you would be in a job interview. You know, it's that kind. Of, it's that kind of thing. So sometimes, and maybe you would, maybe you are the same at a job interview. You come and you start telling a story about your life. Um, <laughs> I am. I am the same at a job interview. That's well. That's fine and fine. <laughs> I am exactly right. the same. Uh, okay. So number four is this a very common question we're asking, and this is right. any which th- came first, the chicken or the egg? And you know, because you've got chickens and eggs. Yep. Which came first? The chicken. Very good. Okay, moving on. Question number four. And a half. <clears throat> any thoughts? Of continuing completely Beatles with programs on random solo albums. So I've answered this before and I'll answer it again, which is that, I mean, I'm not opposed to doing like podcasts about the solo albums and stuff like that. Here's the thing, though. It's not the Beatles. The solo albums by Paul McCartney are not the Beatles. Solo albums by George Harrison are not the Beatles. Those are them working by themselves or with people helping them making albums that reflect them. They do not in any way reflect what the Beatles were because the Beatles were a synthesis of four people that came together, miraculously came together, and created this organism that was the Beatles. And they worked together in this amazing way for a long time, a long time for young men to work together and to be in this real pressure thing, fighting all the way to, to, to you know, be who they were and to create and to explore and to further themselves. And, you know, they just... They wore themselves out, and then they went away from each other, and they they lived their own lives, and they put the Beatles behind them. You know, it took Paul McCartney a long time to perform Beatles songs live. He just he just put that part of his life behind him for a long time, and same with John Lennon, and same with George Harrison, and same with Ringo Starr. And you know, if I was going to do those albums, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting in a way, but it's not what I'm passionate about. You know, I love the Beatles. I think Paul McCartney's solo albums are okay. Uh, some are better than others, but you know, no one's going to convince me that you know "Band on the Run" or "London Town" or whatever are better than a Beatles album or better. You know, they all had great albums. They all had great solo albums. But do any of do they were they great all the way through the seventies? Do Do you feel like if you're honestly looking or listening to their albums that there was like a drop off in quality over time? You know, like do you want to hear a show where it gets just goes downhill? Like when you listen to the Beatles, like completely Beatles, every it's 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 a up, right? It starts off simply with "Please Please Me," and it goes up. It keeps going up. It goes up all the way to Abbey Road. Maybe there's a little bit of a downer with 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 uh you know attempting to record "Get Back" the "Get Back" sessions and let it, what it became "Let It Be," but even that is kind of a triumph in a way as well because they overcome all the all the garbage and all the problems they're having to produce a, to me a great film a really interesting film with a fantastic ending with the rooftop concert. And then they, they, you know, they, they finished their career with Abbey Road, which is a great album and has like one of the best endings of any album you'll ever hear in your life. And it's all up. But if I'm going to do like the solo albums for any one of those artists, it's goes downhill. It starts off pretty good. You know, you can start off with all things must pass or the, um, plastic Ono band or, um, I don't know if you'd call the first McCartney album a real great one, but you know, like Ram and stuff like that are fantastic. But you know, when you start getting to like uh, Walls and Bridges and 
Double Fantasy and things like that. Like those albums are they're okay, but you know you're kind of losing your enthusiasm. I would anyway. I'd be kind of like, well, this is pretty good. You know, it's all right. They're trying, I guess. Pipes of Peace, like okay, <laughs> like I just would be hard. I would just be a real slog to me. So, so I don't know. I don't know. There's the elements of it that's sort of appealing, but at the same time, come on, guys, the Beatles. Well, that, it feels that's to what me, we gave feels... you. It's called yeah. the completely Beatles. Yeah, it does kind of the name. Yeah, it would be like the never-ending story, too. It would be ridiculous. You couldn't have that. Wait a second. They did. Um, uh, and three. Holy cow. Uh, I would say, you know, if you want that kind of thing, uh, there's, there's, there's a couple ways of going about it. One, invite Dave on your show. And, you know, uh, he will talk about the Beatles on your show. He will talk about solo albums on your show, probably. Yep. And give you some nice detail and whatever. So if this is what you want, get him on your show. <laughs> Two, he's got a, another podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party that he does and uh, and talks about music on there. And many of the songs that you'd be interested in uh, appear on that show I, or might or could. Maybe yeah. a theme. So, you know, <laughs> there is a there is definitely a way of those being talked about. So sure. there's no shortage in these thoughts coming out. Uh, just like invite him on your show. Listen to that podcast. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Well, here, well, here's the thing. Like we have, uh, I invited people to send in their top five lists. Send in your top five favorite solo album songs. I'll talk about them. I'll play oh. them, and I'll talk about them. So, you know, if that's what you want to hear, send them in. All right, number five. Because I do love the Beatles, but and I do love their solo albums. It's just not something that I want to like dedicate. You know, like when we're doing like completely Beatles, I think I spent on average ten to twelve hours a week doing research for those shows. Um, I shouldn't say a week, uh, episode, 10 to 12 hours an episode doing research for, for, for the shows. And the Beatles one was a little easier because I already had like a lot at hand. It was just more just firming up some of the details and things like that. But, but you know, like if I'm going to put in that kind of labor, I, you know, I, I want to pay off. And so that's, that's part of it too. Um, number five, name a movie or more than one that should have won the best picture Academy award, but didn't Ian, do you have um, an idea? Well, Star Wars. There's one. I mean, I liked uh, I liked Danny Hall, uh, and uh, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, Star Wars. Hmm. It changed it changed everything. So uh, yeah, let's go Star Wars. Sure, sure. I could see that. I mean, I really like Danny Hall a lot. I do too. I'm but... not sure if it's the uh, best picture of the year. Maybe it is. I mean, it's. Uh, I I don't object to it. Yeah. I just uh, I just think like when you look at a movie that again had such a huge influence. And was kind of you know perfect little movie there, uh, you know hell I would have liked to seen Jaws win, you know <laughs> right? It's like there's a there's a movie with no fat on it, mm. just a just a just a beautiful film, the the horrible things in it, but uh, great great acting and uh, the plot is like tight as a drum, and uh, not a not a move not a move in it that goes wrong. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I'm gonna go uh, Star Wars and Jaws. Um, I wrote in a couple of films that I like a lot that I don't think won the Oscar. I could be okay. wrong, and if people if people want to tell me I'm wrong, that's okay. Um, one is one I wrote down was the conversation, the Francis Ford Coppola film, which I think is a great movie. I'm not too sure what won uh, that year. That was 1974. That film came out, I believe. Let me just put in 1974. Yeah, Oscar winners. What won? What? Oh boy. What are they telling me? Who won the Lou Wasserman Award? Good Lord. Um, best movie. Come on, guys. 
Best Picture, The Sting. See, I f- The Sting is an enjoyable film, but I feel like sometimes the Oscars should reward like a really good film <laughs> rather than a really popular <laughs> film. And uh, I think nowadays the conversation has more to more to say about the times it lived in and the times we live in than the Sting does. I, but I enjoy I do enjoy the Sting. I'm not angry that it won. But I also put The Departed, the the uh, Martin Scorsese film. I really like that movie a lot. I rate it very highly. Uh, I do wish that the Marx Brothers had been recognized by the Acad- mm. by the Academy, whether it was a Lifetime Achievement Award. But I really think that A Night of the Opera should have won a a uh, an Oscar for as a, as Best Picture. I'm not too sure. Once again, I'm not too sure what won that year. But you know, I don't think there was like a better movie that came out at that time. And I feel like sometimes the Oscars do recognize like overall career. You know, and if you like add up their Paramount films, which are like all great, and then you have, and then you know, you have this kind of capper with this really fantastic A Night of the Opera. You know, they were outsiders, and maybe they would never like they could never really fit into the like the Academy in that way. But but it would have been nice if if they'd won it. Another movie that I thought would have been great would would have been W. C. Fields Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, which is a fantastic comedy as well. And I think that he also deserved kind of a lifetime achievement award for for the great comedies that he did. Um, that would have been nice. And I don't think Charlie Chaplin ever won, mostly because, you know, the main part of his career was over by the time they were, they were doing, uh, the Oscars. I mean, he was just basically releasing one movie every five years or whatever after that. But Modern Times certainly should have won an Oscar. And yeah, so I, you know, I wouldn't say, but I would, you know, obviously I really love Buster Keaton, but there's just no movie that would fit that criteria because I don't think the Oscars started till... 29, I think. 27, 29, somewhere around there anyway. So yeah, so there you go. Is that a good answer? Cool. Is that a good answer? That's a, that's a fine answer. All right, you take over the next one. Ben V writes, uh, will you do a continuation of your, I got another continuation question, <laughs> of your podcast, Totally Tintin. Instead of reading Tintin, you could read a series called Josette and Jocko by Hergé. We did mention that on Totally Tintin. We did. There are five books in total. The first two you can buy in English online. The other three are harder to get in English. You can order them online in French. Here is the book list. Mr. Pump's Legacy, Destination, New York. Le Manitoba ne répond plus. Uh, <laughs> Le Rapchon de Caramaco. Le Valley de Cobras. Are we going to be doing uh, a continuation of Totally Tintin? Probably not. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe someday in the future we will do something more about random comics uh, include some European comics from the past. That is a possibility. And yet again, let me say what I just said about Completely Beatles. If you want Dave to talk about these books, <laughs> have him on your podcast, and you will get a real good conversation out of him because he has. Have you read all of these books? I have not read all of them. I have Mr. Pump's Legacy. Okay. I have Destination New York. I have The Valley of the Cobras. Those were all translated and uh, released here in, in North America. But... Uh, the Manitoba, uh, the Manitoba doesn't answer. However, you want to say it, uh, which is, it, I think it's a plane in okay. the story. I can't remember exactly what. I've not read it, or maybe I did read it, but I read part of it when I was doing completely Beatles. I found part of it online and I, I read a bit of it, but I've never read the eruption of Karamako, and that would be that would be interesting. Um, yeah, those were just um, side characters that Hergé drew for, um, you know, uh, probably for his original, the one he wrote the. What was it called now? The the Setien something or other. The Setien. I can't remember what it's called now. The Nouveau. I can't remember. Sorry, <laughs> it's gone from my mind. But you know, like the the his little uh, 
supplement kid supplement for in the in the French Catholic newspaper. Right. Uh, he just you know this was another series that he did, but I think a lot of it was done later on was redrawn by like Jacques Martin and stuff like that. Like a lot of the assistants worked on it to to get them to like into album format. But they're 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 good. They're not Tintin, but they're they're good. Like they're really appealingly drawn and stuff. And Joe's that Jocko. Jocko's a monkey, and Joe's that a brother and sister. Their father's a, an engineer. So like the Valley of the Cobras, he's building a bridge over a, a a valley in in India. And so you get like you know the kind of local stuff. There's a conflict between between uh, the people building the bridge. Like the government wants to build this bridge, and and the the dad is there as an engineer helping out and and then there's some kind of local swami who's trying to like uh you know get it stopped because it's going to affect his uh his you know his his uh money making opportunities so yeah it's you know they're fine but i I don't know if they're like worth once again are they worth doing a a podcast about i don't know well here's here's the other thing is like uh one again invite dave on your show give him the book he'll talk about it i will two Two, uh, when we uh, release our new book, uh, Sparks, Double Dog Dare, uh, in Belgium. Hi, you're out there, Belgium. How you doing? <laughs> um, fly uh, Dave, me, and Nina out to Belgium when things settle down and we yeah. can fly. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're Canadian, so we can all fly. We're not, you know, we're, we're cool. Um, but we got to be cool as well. Um, <laughs> flies there. We'll go to the Hergé Museum. We'll do a little bit on that. And uh, we'll do an extra totally Tintin uh, about the Hergé Museum. How about that? That's the deal. If you fly us to Belgium, <laughs> uh, we will do a bit on the Hergé Museum and you get an extra episode of, of Totally Tintin. So there you go. Boom. Done. Could be easier. Nice. Uh, all right. Love back it. to you, Dave. Love it. All right, uh, we've got a couple questions from Scott McGinnis. Scott says, I've been listening to you from around episode 390. Me I- too. <laughs> I initially found you through your excellent Beatles series. I love the back and forth between Dave's in-depth knowledge and Ian's everyman questioning. <laughs> when I finished that, what do you mean? When I finished that, I started on the rest of your shows. I especially enjoy Fansplainers and, of course, Sneaky Dragon. Yay. So on to my question for episode 450. Oh, good. I'm always intrigued and amazed when you discuss food. Mm. The sheer amount of different hot dogs that you, <laughs> that you Ian, and Three Dog yeah. Dedrick talk about is amazing. It is The true. different sauces and mayos, the oh, countless Lord. versions of mac and cheese. Indeed. I love hearing about them. I've heard you both say you visited the UK, I think. Y- yes. What do you think of our food? Compared mm-hmm. to what I hear from you guys, it seems we have hardly any british food and what we have is bland stodgy and bloody expensive are there any particularly british food or meals that you really enjoyed and can't get in canada well the one thing that disappoints me about british food now is like when i go to a pub is all the pubs have the same menu like exactly the same menu because so many of them order from the same uh company or or are owned by the same company yeah that's this is true so what used to be a thing that I would especially like would be going to a pub and getting, you know, nice uh, pub food. Um, when I make the mistake of having something like pizza, oopsie doodle. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> what, you do you like Pizza Express? Yeah. You do Indian food very, very well. Mm-hmm. Like much better uh, than uh, most places in Canada uh, do. So that's always – it's always enjoyable. So when someone goes, you want to go get a curry, yes – immediately yes the chinese food uh, is really good there too and it's different and really yeah. good there as well 
it is very different, and uh, and it sounds it sounds stereotypical, but fish and chips, of course. Um, your your pub scene, uh, Dave is not a drinker, and I apologize to Dave every time I mention alcohol. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but, but okay. You're able to, for the most part, have like kind of a drinking environment that isn't. Uh, I'll show you and uh, just pound you, pound them back until you get like completely faced, which we have really here. Um, unfortunately, we don't know how to drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's our we don't know how to drink fairies yeah, uh, right. with us um so i do very much enjoy the pub scene i enjoy pub food uh i enjoy uh, your curries i enjoy your fish and chips what i love uh is uh oh what's that sandwich place uh the the petite oh what's it, what is it it's everywhere it's owned by mcdonald's i'm sorry but they have a sandwich there that's just like everywhere that's like a crayfish sandwich with rocket now listen we have arugula here but our arugula is so bitter compared to your arugula your arugula rules uh and uh you know what i'm talking about the sandwich place it's everywhere of course you do um and uh i love going there you got great sandwiches uh so you know i enjoy uh, british food and yeah i've spent quite a bit of time there cool yeah um well I just gonna I'll say one thing a couple things that I had in England when I when I first went there that I loved that I did not have here in Canada. One was uh, fresh bottled milk delivered to the house where I was staying. I was staying with Lisa's aunt and uncle, and they would get milk delivered in the morning. And I loved the milk that they got. I just loved it so much. My aunt, not my aunt. I wish she was my aunt. She's so such a wonderful lady, Lisa's aunt Evelyn. But um, she couldn't believe the amount of milk I went through because I'm a real milk drinker. I love cold milk. Cold, the colder the better. And yeah, it would come in this glass jar. And you know, glass always feels colder. You know, like we got ours in plastic jugs and like those glass jars, just they felt like it was much colder than, than, uh, right. than the plastic. And then it had this like little layer of cream at the top. So yes. you'd like shake it up to get that cream mi- kind of mixed into the milk. And oh, it was so good. And the other thing I love that I never had here... It was scampi. I have no idea what scampi is. Like shrimp scampi? Okay, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she okay. would just deep fry it for us. Like the first time, yeah. the very first night we got there, like she's like, do you want some food? And I was like, aces. So she like fried up some fries and scampi. And I, I just thought oh, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. delicious. I loved it. So yeah, I know. I think, uh, and I, I'm not a snob for food. So like, you know, like we've been in Orkney's where I've had uh, like a mince, you know, like this mince meat. Uh, with carrots and stuff in it. I thought that was really good. So I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of like like meat and potatoes and stuff like that. So if that's what you're going to serve me, I've never had, I've really never had like a, a bad meal there. I even like Pizza Express. So, you know, I don't know. Ian, uh, Ian's going to turn his nose up at that. But, you know, when you're... No, when you're it's, it's, it's fine. You get the four cheese pizza. It's fine. When you're... It's fine. You do that again. Do that for... Do it's that for fine. <laughs> but when you, when you travel... I don't know when you travel. I, you just, I just, I just enjoy what what's available. You know, I'm. And let me say, uh, Pret a Manger, was the sandwich place I'm talking about. And I know it's so basic, but you mm. get the cheddar and pickle there, and you're thinking, oh, you mean like a pickle? No, not like a pickle. Pickle, different thing. Uh, it's like a Branston pickle. Is that what you call it? Anyway, it's uh, incredibly delicious. I would never have it here. I've tried to make it here. I can sort of make it here, but you make it right. And uh, the, uh, the the oh man the the crayfish goddamn sandwich it's like the second I'm in England I go for that one so immediately and I've seen Pret-a-Manger's in New York and I'm like oh all right here we go ah, nah it's just you got normal U S bullshit it's just uh, ugh but yeah I'd get like an Italian prosciutto sandwich 
uh, get the avocado and olive and tomato sandwich. Oh my god, so good! No, I really want these. Feeling oh yeah, the ham and butter sandwich. Oh my gosh, so uh, delicious. You got good sandwiches. Everything's fine. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I think uh, wherever you are, you'll find something you like. True. All right. So um, now I don't know if Scott forgot that he wrote to us because then he sent us a different email and he said, "Hi, David and Ian. Congratulations on the big 450." I have only one question. So here's his one question. Oh, well, that's a lie. Which is, which is actually, a dirty, stinking lie. <laughs> it's his second question, but that's okay. He says, does time work differently in Canada? Hmm. You both do a two-ish hour sneaky uh, podcast and mm-hmm. a two-ish hour fansplainers pod. Yeah. Ian manages to also write books and comics right. and perform and write comedy. Yeah. David does another two-ish hour music podcast. Sure. Has man. a full-time job. And uh-huh. has a gaggle flock herd of chickens to look after. Don't forget, I have two dogs and a cat and two horses. I assume you both also find time to poop, shower, shave, shop, socialize, and sleep. You know, the first oh. one actually had an S and an H so that it all was alliterative, <laughs> but yes. How is that possible? Has Canada adopted your new counting method? I think that's the only way to explain it. An extra few hours a day would cover it. Deco clock and Elo clock. Oh, Deck Ellen, oh, Joel Clark. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, then he says, sorry, uh, so finished. Sorry. Good luck on your next 450 shows. I'll think of another few questions for your for you for show 900 in 2025, but that would be 950, actually. Okay, so, yeah, that's true. 900, come to our live show, please. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it does take a bit of time. You're not wrong, but, you know, you got to decide what's important to you, and then you do that, and that's mm-hmm. what you do. Uh, it's time I could be spent like going through Netflix going, no, no, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Or I could be on uh, the uh, Animal Crossing Island. I could be fishing yeah. uh, there. I could be decorating my house. Uh, or I could be, you know, learning how to make a different type of bread. It's true. Uh, this is a this is a good way to yeah do things. I, 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 we, have the, we have the time. Yeah. I know so many other podcasters that I feel – put in so much time into their podcasts that I'm like, I feel, I feel like lazy bones, McGillicuddy, even though we do have multiple podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I think that, um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, well, obviously I've given up sleep as part of my part of the thing. I don't get, I don't get mm-hmm. a lot of sleep. I usually get six to five hours sleep a, a day. So that's part of it. You know, I've kind of cut, cut that, but also, you know, I don't, I used to do title cards. I don't have time to do that anymore. I mean, I did do one last week, but I actually really backed myself up. So I had like a really busy rest of the week because I had, I had sacrificed so much time on Saturday to, to drawing that one title card. And then I really put myself behind the eight ball. Uh, so that, you know, you, you, you do pay for what, you, you know, so I, you know, I have to, I have to be thinking about this, you know, cause I also like to read, you know, I also like to watch TV too. So and go to movies and stuff. So, and go to concerts and things. So, you know, you just have to learn, like, how to manage your time and, and you know, just make sure that everything's sort of ticking along, you know. So, you know, like, I, you know, I needed to make buttons for this episode. And so I had those in the, in the go. I, put, I made some stickers and had those printed up, you know. So you're just kind of always keeping your, your ducks in order and stuff like that. I have my little day planner and I write in the things I need to do and just keep it all Tickety-boo, as long as you're Now organized. you've got ducks as well. <laughs> I should have said chickens in, in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep it all together. Yeah, it's all good. Agreed. Okay, thank you so much uh, for your question, Scott. For your one question, Scott. Um, 
All right, uh, so now we move on to Jada Jackman, who has three questions. Uh, you were talking about how much you've changed from your 20s on episode 442. We've changed a lot since episode 442 as well. Yeah, was... And it got me thinking about how much uh, people can change in a short period of time, like between now and 442. Um, <laughs> what are some significant personal changes since the start of the podcast, uh, both due to the podcast and outside of it? Uh, I became a children's author. Uh, with the uh, Sparks books, I've started uh, the Exorcisters comic book. Uh, my wife and I uh, started working for Mad Magazine and doing um, New Yorker cartoons together. And uh, I started, I think, about the same time, or maybe it was a little bit after, I started doing the Critical Hit show, which is the Dungeons & Dragons type show that uh, that I do. So those are professional differences. And also uh, moved a couple of times uh, since then, and I'm now in... Uh, quite a nice place mm -hmm. uh, that we may or may not be able to afford. <laughs> um, so that's pleasant. We can play the TV late at night loud, which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, we've got porches to sit on and look out at comets when there's comets. So that has been uh, very, very nice. How about you, Dave? Uh, well, significant personal changes would be when I first started doing the show. Of course, I was working for Sunburst Medical. Uh, I worked there for about 10 years until the company closed down. And then I was set loose into the world, and then I ended up working for Steelcraft Door. So that's been sort of like, you know, a change in my life in that sense. I think in terms of changes in, like, doing the show, I really do think that the show really kind of um, gave me more courage to express myself, to be creative. Like, I think, I don't think I ever would have done, like, the that amazingly long title card project for, you know, I, I would never have done something like that before. You know, my I was a per, I'm a perfectionist and but in a negative way, it's a mm -hmm. really a way to not do things, you know, it's it's a way to it's an excuse to not to not finish things, it's an excuse to put things off. And do you know, doing the show, like I was saying when we were talking uh with Matt's question about doing a podcast, you know, that's something there where like, you know, we did it and I just kind of pushed through all all the thing, all my kind of character characteristic problems I would have with a project like that, we just pushed through and got it out there. You know, like just got it. You know, I didn't procrastinate. I didn't get worried about stuff. I didn't get bogged down in minor details. I just did it. You know, and and it was the same when I started doing the title cards, which you know originally were started as a very small idea. I had no intention to make it into as elaborate as it became. But as it did become more elaborate. You know, it became more elaborate because that's what I wanted, and I was comfortable doing that. You know, and I, and I learned my art mantra, which is, uh, "It's not just good; it's good enough," which, <laughs> is, which is a really important thing to yeah. to come to if you're someone like me who suffers from, you know, that, uh, you know, a picky perfectionism that really gets in your way and really can make you really hang you up. You know, and and so those those are really those are really important, I think. Um, and also, you know, I be. Uh, I colored sparks, which I don't know if I would have had the courage to do that before starting Sneaky Dragon and doing the title cards and stuff like that. I don't think I would have had the trust in myself as an artist to, to do that. And and I think, you know, I did a pretty good job of it too, you know. So I, I took a lot of skills that I, I developed doing the title cards and, and brought them into doing, coloring the book. And then I've also really uh, developed a real courage with like being uh, in public and doing things publicly, you know, like I don't, 
I used to be very nervous about doing anything on stage. I used to suffer terribly from stage fright. And it was a real like act of will to get me up, up in front of an audience. Not so much when I was in high school, but when I left high school and became more self-conscious for whatever reason. Uh, I think maybe not having people around me that we we're all together in our, you know, not having people around me that kind of gave me courage doing, you know, doing stuff by myself on stage. I got, I would get really nervous and would have a hard time with it and would be very ner you know, just be really ill at ease and, and unhappy and crabby and, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and I, you know, doing the show, like when we do like live shows now, it's really like no big deal. Like I never feel any kind of nervousness or any sort of apprehension or, or any kind of, any worry at all like i just feel really comfortable in front of a mic and in front of people now it's it's interesting so those are some of the changes anyway cool uh i feel nervous before our live shows all right are there any episodes you think you'll listen back to maybe not now but in the future um i'd say uh, there i've listened to uh the michael roberts episodes uh just because, you know, kind of missing the guy. Yeah. And so I uh, listened back to that and just hear kind of happy times mm -hmm. with him uh, yapping about, uh, you know, uh, everything and anything with us. So uh, yeah. I've listened to those. But for the most part, I kind of move forward and don't listen to the past episodes unless someone comments on something and I go, what? And I have to go back and, and, and listen. It is interesting sometimes to go back and listen just to see if our vocal patterns have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's sometimes I go like, hmm, you know, uh, do I sound different than I used to? Let's listen back. No, no, I always sounded like this. That all makes sense. I, I find it a real double-edged sword because I I think to myself, we're much better now. And so I kind of dismiss our stuff we did when we started as, as being not very good. And then if I listen to it, I think, oh, man, we are so good then and we're so bad now. And so, yeah, this doesn't work for me at all. I, I very rarely listen to stuff that we do. And I don't know if there's any shows that, besides, as you say, I have listened to the Mike, Mike Roberts ones. Mm -hmm. I don't really know if there's any shows that are super meaningful to me that I can think of off the top of my head where I would want to, like, relive them. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe one, you know, maybe we, have, I'm, I assume we will eventually stop doing this. And maybe, like, 10 years later or whatever, I would want to revisit and to sort of relive nostalgically us talking like this. And I could see that being a pleasant thing to do. But right now, I find it very painful to, to listen to my own, to me speaking. Like sure. I, and I'd always just think I sound like the dumbest guy in the world. <laughs> like I listen, The whole time I'll be listening, I'll just be like, oh, 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 I sound so stupid. Why did I, why did I even say that? Oh. It's an odd thing, too, if you listen to old, old episodes. Yeah. Because you got to listen to yourself. Yeah. And it's weird how much you do remember and go like, oh, yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> but but sometimes you don't. And it's weird listening to yourself talk. Yeah. And say things you don't remember. <laughs> That's a creepy feeling. You go like, oh, how much more of this will be in my future? Yeah. A lot, you say? Mm. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's rough. Interesting. Uh, as a bonus question, since I just reread Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, why is a raven like a writing desk? which was the question the Mad Hatter asked at the Mad Tea Party. Now, listen, I've got Carol's, Lewis Carroll's answer to that. I've got a separate answer that was in a comic called The Oz Wonderland Wars, and I've got my own answer to that question. Huh. Do you have any answers to this question? Why is a raven like a writing desk? Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, so E. Nelson Bridgewell in um, the Oz Wonderland Wars, which was a DC comic that also starred uh, the Zoo Crew, uh, created by Scott Shaw and uh, Roy Thomas. Uh, someone asked that question, 
And the answer to why is a raven like a writing guest was because Poe wrote on both. So there's that. That's ah, winning. that's good. That's a good one. Lewis Carroll's answer to why is a raven like a writing desk was because it can produce a few notes, though they are very flat, and it is never put with the wrong end in front. And my huh. okay, now now you ask me, and I'll answer as uh, as myself. So uh, ask me right. why is a raven like a writing desk. Uh, Ian. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what, David? What's up? I have I'm just qu- finishing my tea at this party. One second. Sip, sip. Put this down. Yes, <laughs> I, David. I, I what? got a question for you. Oh, please. I love to answer questions. Sure. Well, here, here's it. Here it is. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Well, just cause. <laughs> That's the second time you've used that joke. Yeah, but it works. You can't. Just you can't cause. do that. <laughs> just cause. Uh, it's it's now back to you because oh. it's now time for uh, Rich Lewin's All questions. Right. Some questions from Rich Lewin. Uh, Rich, is, his first question is, I have recently been rereading 1960s Superman comics. I noticed that both he and Batman often exclaim, Great Scott, when surprised. Why? What is the origin of this phrase? Well, they're both fans of Scott of the Antarctic. Of course. The uh, Monty Python episode. <laughs> well, that's one of the best episodes. Yeah, we, we don't know. Yeah, I don't, We don't know any more than know. you could look that one up. So I'm just going to make up a thing and just go. <laughs> yeah, um... Great Scott was a reference to Sir Walter Scott, the oh, author, uh, best known, I guess, for Ivanhoe. And he uh, he was considered one of the greatest authors of the Victorian era, fabulously famous, fabulously wealthy, owned a castle. And he became the uh, just one of those people that were so well known that you that you, you just sort of his name became a byword. And so you know, Great Scott, rather than Great God, which the, they sound very similar, Great Scott became the, the uh, kind of go-to phrase in the, in the Victorian era. Oh, very nice. Okay, it makes sense. And Superman and Batman were very interchangeable back then. If you took the mask off of Batman quite often, he'd look just like Superman, like ridiculously so. I remember like in the 70s when there was a Batman-Superman team up and they'd just be both standing there with, the you know, Batman have his mask off and just be, who's who? <laughs> exactly the same. So yeah. they have the same expressions. They both have moms named Martha. They're the same. They're the same characters. So you probably find that out in the future that, you know, Batman grows old and then you know, Superman, some, someone does something which de-ages him, turns him into a baby. They send him back to Krypton, you know, and now, and now he's the baby on Krypton and then becomes Superman. That's probably the case. They're the same character. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, number two. Also, several characters express emotions by adding ulp or gasp, or if really moved, joke. What is the origin of the phrase? Or what are the origins of the phrases? What are the subtle differences between them? Well, ulp is uh, like basically you're pulling your collar and going, taking a good hard swallow. (laughs) Gasp is you're inhaling air in shock of, (gasps) and uh, choke is, uh, you know, you are just completely so shocked that you're choked, choked up about it, I would assume. I think that's correct. I think there are subtle differences between them. I don't think you would use them interchangeably. The other subtle difference is that they're almost like um, companies. Like if you work for EC, you are more likely to use choke than you were to use gasp. But if if you were a DC artist or DC writer, you were more likely to use gasp than you were to use choke. I think that there's some, like in the, I think maybe because the EC comics, there were more situations where choke was suitable as a reaction to what was happening than gasp. 
you know, like because mm. there's you know those are more like horrible, horrifying stories, and so a more extreme reaction is more more natural, right? Um, number three. Okay. Do you still use these exclamations in your recent comic writing? Um, I will move. It depends how uh, comedy ish. Like I would say, gasp. I would use in a in a Sparks comic. Uh, choke, probably not. Uh, oh, um, no, because none of the characters have collars. Well, they have no. None of them actually do have collars, even if they're cats. Uh, to <laughs> tug on and go. Oh. So uh, I would say no, but I would use gasp uh, possibly. I uh, would not use it in a more realistic comic like Extra Sisters. Yeah. Um, no. In fact, I, I one of the hardest things for me is coming up with uh, onomatopoeia. You know, uh, just uh, any word like kaboom, blam. Why? Well, like it all just seems so generic. Yeah. And yeah. When, but then you make up a word. And you go like, well, this is distracting. Uh, so the generic word carries you through, but a but a new word, while original, slows the story down and takes you out of it. Yeah. So it's a tough decision to make, and uh, sometimes you just don't use the sound effect and go like, they know a thing blowing up is blowing up. I don't need to say boom, <laughs> right? We get it. Yeah, I guess that's true. And sometimes, I mean, sound effects are sound effects because they represent the sound of things. You know what I mean? Like in a movie, they don't change the sound of an explosion. All explosions basically sound the same in most films. And I don't think anyone complains and goes, gee, that sound effect was unoriginal in that movie. I mean, you just accept that that's the sound of a sound. Uh, you know what I mean? Like no one says, oh, that guy was just using normal words. Why wasn't he making up new words when he was talking to that person in this comic book? So I don't think there's any problem with like reusing common common uh, sound effects and, and, and things like that. Sometimes, you know, and I think you're right. Like when you read like a Don Martin comic where there is a lot of like new sound effects it's almost like jokingly there because it is so distracting that someone's kerfledling and things like that while he's walking and you know making all these very strange sound effects uh yeah i think i think more interesting to me as a disappearance in comics is the thought balloon Mm. like i think the thought balloon is a very interesting um it's a very interesting use because i like the idea of of introducing the idea of a Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. The limited omnis- limited omniscient narrator into a comic, because mm-hmm. that's basically what it is, especially if you only have the thoughts of one character. Right. You know, it's like reading a book where you only get the thoughts of one character in the book. And so the other people are kind of blanks to you, but you really understand that one protagonist. But everyone else, because you can't read their thoughts, you don't really know them as well. You know, and I think the same in comics, if you have a thought balloon, it kind of int- gives you more insight into that character. Not everything they do is like always a monologue, but sometimes it's their, in their own private thoughts. And I kind of like that. But I can also see why it sort of disappeared, because then you have the narration above has also become very common. So I guess they can kind it of... Also fe- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go in. It's fine. I was just going to say, I think it... Uh... I think we went into a gritty period and I think of the gritty period, it weakens the character to see their thoughts. Like uh, you get a Rorschach's journal or a Punisher's war journal. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they're telling you their story, but they're telling you the story they want to tell you. Yeah. And they're narrating their own life, but it's different from if you then saw inside their head and just went, I'm scared. Like it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't work. Right. Yeah. It's too, it's too vulnerable to see these characters. No, you're right. It, right. It's basically it's mm-hmm. it's basically when you're doing that, you're doing Rorschach, you're doing Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the narration, but you're hearing the narration that he wants you to hear. If you heard inside his noodle, it would it would be hot garbage. It would just be Whoa. and also if it was too linear, it wouldn't make sense either. You're like this guy's messed up in the head. 
You yeah, know, you are yeah. seeing what he's writing, but only seeing that after he's put his uh, business down in the way he wants to. Like if you saw if you saw inside, it would ruin it. It's a secret. You can't yeah. you can't do that. And uh, you know, you get a character like Spider Man. It kind of it's very basic, but but also his actions should be able to tell you what he's doing rather than him going. I'm really worried about Aunt May. It's like, yeah, you're going to see Aunt May. We know you're worried about her. You just heard she's sick. We get it. You don't need to go, oh, no, Aunt May. Yeah, right. We get it. We're already on board with this. For yeah. sure. I'm worried. It's things are, oh, this is hard. Ouch, that hurt. Yeah, we get it. Shake your hand. Yeah, you don't, I don't think, yeah, I think that's a bit redundant to use it like that. You know, it's sort of as redundant as having like a description of the scenery when you're looking at the drawing of the, by the artist. Yeah. Uh, so some you know maybe maybe the thought balloon is is a kind of a crutch for the writer that or not necessarily a crutch but this sort of something that's interrupting what the artist should be doing you know like sometimes you you just have to kind of let the artist have the have part of the part of the storytelling and as as their job as well not yeah. just not just always recreating what the author is stating but just you know also have a have a part to play in the act the acting of the of the of the story yeah agreed okay all right number 4 Number four is a real about turn here. After some comic book questions, we come to how many of Miles Davis's sidemen went on to front their own bands? Did all of them eventually at least lead sessions? That's a good question. And I'm going to turn that over to Ian. Okay. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And um, of course, in Canada, he's known as Kilometers Davis. That's <laughs> exactly right. So I, I looked up because I, I I know some of some of his session people like my favorite time period for Miles Davis is the '60s and I love my favorite album by him is La Fita Kilimanjaro and I love the people on that you know Wayne Shorter and and uh, Wayne Shorter, um, Herbie Hancock, Tony Williams, and I can't remember who played bass Ron Carter maybe but but I was just looking at it's pretty it's pretty interesting because Miles Davis was apparently an incredibly brave artist you know like some people would be i'm the front guy in this band i'm going to i don't want to hire a bunch of people who are better than me who make me you know who are going to outshine me on stage no no he was up for the challenge you know like he had some damn good people that that uh played for him and who also went on to lead their own sessions. And mostly in the 50s and 60s, as jazz kind of dried up in the 70s and definitely in the 80s, it became harder for, for people. Like it became, the, the pool became smaller of, you know, who could perform and stuff. But when you look at like, okay, so 44 to 49, the beginning of his career. Do you know that Miles Davis' father was a dentist, by the way? No. Nope. He was. Uh, so he, on alto sax, he had Charlie Parker, like Bird, like the Charlie Parker, like one of the greatest sax players of all time, one of the like innovators, one of the, you know, played with him. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so yes, Charlie Parker led his own sessions. Benny Carter also led his own sessions. Sonny Stitt once again did stuff on his own. Lee Connitz, yes, again. On tenor sax, Coleman Hawkins, yes. Lucky Thompson, I don't know. Sonny Rollins, definitely one of the great all-time great saxophone players, still playing today. An amazing, a giant, a jazz giant, as um. And then Gene Gene Amons, yes, once again, led his own sessions and stuff like that. On trombone, Henry Coker, I have a couple of his albums. Yes, he did. J.J. Johnson, I don't really know for sure, but I'm going to say yes. Uh, on miscellaneous instruments, baritone sax, Jerry, Jerry Mulligan, for sure. Like one of the great L.A. guys, like West Coast jazz guys. Right there you go. 
Uh, guitar, Arv Garrison, don't know for sure. Keyboards, L. Haig, mm, I think so. Sir Charles Thompson, I don't know. Duke Jordan, I don't know. Bud Powell, definitely. Bud Powell, around midnight, around midnight, I should say. Great guy. Bass, Charles Mingus. Charles Mingus backed up Miles Davis. Yes, Charles Mingus went on. was one of the great jazz legends. You know, it's fantastic. Curly Russell, not sure. Nelson Boyd, not sure. Tommy Potter, I'm not sure there either. Drums, Max Roach. Yes, Max Roach, definitely. Art Blakey, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Of course he did. Uh, Kenny Clark, I don't know. And Roy Haynes. Yes, Roy Haynes for sure. The 60s. Um, oh, sorry, 50s. 50s is crazy. John Coltrane. John Coltrane played with uh, a <laughs> sideman for Miles Davis. Like... Nuts. Yes, definitely. Jackie McLean. Yes, definitely. Jimmy Heath. Not sure. Davy Schildkraut. Not sure. Julian Cannonball Adderley. Yes, definitely. We still have Sonny Rollins playing with him. Yes, Stan Getz for sure. Stan Getz, like you know, he like brought the, like the all the bossa nova stuff in the sixties. Elcon. Not sure. Zoot Sims. I think so. Lucky Thompson. Not sure again. John Gilmer. Not sure. Uh, John Coltrane also doing. Uh, Benny Green. Yes, for sure. J.J. Johnson. I think so. Curtis Fuller. Yes, definitely. Uh, trombone and Sonny Truett, I'm not sure there. Milt Jackson on Vibes, definitely once again. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing, all of them. Uh, so, piano, let me just look through here quickly. Horace Silver, for sure. Uh, Thelonious Monk, apparently. Red Garland, yes, for sure. And Bill Evans, yes, definitely. Amazing guitar player, or amazing sorry, pianist. Um, Oscar Pettiford, yep. Paul Chambers, I believe so. And then we got Elvin Jones. I don't know if Elvin Jones actually did his own stuff. I, I couldn't imagine that he didn't, but he certainly like backed a lot of great people. Philly Joe Jones, once again, Jimmy Cobb. All oh, these guys are so great. Art Taylor. And then the 60s, we've got uh, Hank Mobley, for sure. Joe Henderson, yes. And he stit, yes. Uh, Sam Rivers, yes. And Wayne Shorter, for sure. Fabulous. Also played uh, the solo on Steely Dan's uh, Asia. Fantastic bit oh, there. Oh, cool. And then uh, George Benson on guitar. Yes, we, he was like in the seventies. Like was played on AM radio, you know. Like didn't he do on Broadway and stuff like that on Broadway? And then, um, uh, let's see, on keyboards, Herbie, <laughs> Herbie Hancock. You ever heard of Herbie Hancock? Uh huh. And his headhunters. <laughs> What's wrong? I'm just laughing at the amount of questions we've got to go and oh, like okay. how long this one is. It's uh, insane. It is insane. This is insane. We're gonna have to really pick up space. Uh, I'm sure okay. we will. I'm sure we will. Okay. Uh, drums. Oh, Tony. Yeah, Tony. Ron Carter on bass has had that. Richard Davis. Man, geez, all these people. This is fantastic. Jack DeJohnette. Man, it's amazing. Amazing. I'm gonna stop there because I don't really know the '70s as well. So I yeah. can't. I don't because I don't. I don't really like um, jazz fusion as much. So I don't. I'm not a, like a fan of On the Corner or or uh, Bitches Brew and stuff like that. So I don't really know that period as well. But Chick Corea. Yeah. Geez. Jo- Joe Zoe and all. Gee whiz. Oh, I guess this is. 70s? Wasn't Joe Zobanol in the 60s? You're Keith, asking the wrong guy. Keith Jarrett. Oh, man. This is amazing. The amount of, the amount of people that... Billy Collum. The amount of people that went through Miles Davis's um, bands. It's just... It's incredible. Like, I mean, it just shows the courage of someone. Like, it's... You know, it's pretty hard. Like, when you think about being a jazz player, you know, and being a, a front person, you know, you want to shine. You know, but it really shows someone who wants to elevate themselves that they would bring, like, the best of the best and bring them into their own group and then... You know, build on that talent and 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 also shine with them. Like it's pretty incredible. Uh, he's he's a he's a real great, real great. I love uh, I love Miles Davis. Uh, number five. Okay, let's try. Yeah, we gotta we gotta boot through these because uh, this is uh, this is crazy. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay. Why is there not enough squash and stretch in most computer animation? 
because the way computer animation is built, they're almost built like puppets. Okay. Uh, and so it's uh, you could squash them and stress them, but you wouldn't get the same effect. Traditionally, uh, they like when when I was working on something like a Casper's Haunted Christmas, it was very much the same as like uh, doing things with puppets. And you could you could pull them, you know, you could do that, but it wouldn't have the same uh, wouldn't have the same effect. And it it was hard to convey the weight of them, and without weight with with squash and stretch, it doesn't really work. Yeah. So um, I mean, I think some. I think some uh, do now. Uh, you look at um, Into the Spider-Verse, there's quite a bit of squash and stretch and not just with um, uh, Spider-Ham. Yeah. You know, but there, there's definitely squash and stretch with uh, uh, Dr. Octopus's arms, you know, and uh, and just their bodies are much more cartoony and flexible mm. in, a, in a way that uh, old CGI wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the question is, is there a Tex Avery-style director needed to push this envelope? Yeah, Lord and Miller and uh, Into the Spider-Verse, they did it. Yeah, it's been done. Yes. Lots of different types of animation in that and uh, including that, yes. But I'm thinking about that uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon that opened uh, opened Frozen. Get a Horse? Get a Horse, which was done in computer animation, but was done, sure. in, done in a real squash and st- stretch kind of old style that felt very very organic. So I think, you know, I think, I think it's still there. I just think it's just an aesthetic choice as well, right? And I'd say, like, in um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, there's a, a bit of that in there. Okay. For sure. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Let's say, I'd say I'm going to go Lord and Miller are doing it. I, I might even think, like, that they did it in uh, Clone High, now that I'm thinking about it. Go back and <laughs> look. But that wasn't, uh, that was not uh, CG. So, yeah, fair enough. Yes. Is it due to the technology or the animators? Is it, as always, follow the money? I think it's a new it's a new type of animation, so it's learn the technology mm. and then expand upon it, and then uh, bring past influences into it. And and again, Lord and Miller. <laughs> All right. So Rich tells us I was a student in a cartoon a cartooning class taught by this is unbelievable taught by Charles Schultz at Santa Rosa Junior College in 1974. I don't mean and unbelievable the, that I don't believe yeah, it. I just mean it's it's so great. It's amazing. Yeah. But here's what the class sounded like. Before you get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> he told me, I guess in that voice, he told me to draw my cartoons larger and not so realistic. I have a sketchbook with his pencil drawing of Snoopy playing bongo drums alongside my drawing of my own cartoon character from the, from the time named Bongo the Aardvark. Bongo was cool, in my opinion, and based on the anteater in BC and the Pink Panther artwork that talked like Dean Martin. Or was that the ant? The ant talked like Dean Martin. That's right. The uh, Aardvark talked like Jackie Mason. Like, like, like Jackie Mason. That's right. While, stud- get that While studying at Sheridan College Animation School in Ontario in the summer of 1983, I attended a history of animation class taught by Zach Schwartz, who was the art director on the Sorcerer's Apprentice section of Fantasia. I remember he said that the effects guys got carried away with the water. It dripped away too slowly and that he was never satisfied with the look look of Mickey's mountaintop. I have a cassette tape recording of a lecture given by Chuck Jones for that class. He says, I still love to draw. So he asks these questions. What was the best art drawing advice you ever received or can give? Keep drawing. Keep drawing. The the 10,000 drawing thing, I think. I think that's very true. You got 10,000 bad drawings in you. The sooner you get them out of your system, (laughs) the better. Go. And my mantra of it's not just good, it's good enough is also very important. Absolutely. You've got to like reach a point where you have to be happy with what you do and and and, and acknowledge yourself your that you're a your worst critic and let things go sometimes when you're when you're drawing. Did you ever have a famous person as a teacher? 
I, I never did, Ian? No, uh, not as a teacher, but I worked for Matt uh, Groening's company, and so he was kind of the boss boss. Uh, and uh, underneath him was Bill Morrison, was the art who I consider famous just because I know like the stuff that he did. Yeah, like not yeah. famous, famous, but like anyone who knows anything about cartooning knows how good Bill Morrison is. Sure. So I consider my time working in Bongo, especially the early years, to have been an education, and uh, Bill Morrison uh, was a good teacher. Cool. That's really good. Yeah. Um, the third question is, or not third, but the next question is, what is what is it that makes Back to the Egg by Wings such a bad album? Over to you, Dave. Well, here's a simple no, here's a simple answer. Weak songs, but I think the I think the like kind of larger answer is money. Money makes that album bad because you know like when Paul McCartney started the seventies, he had something to prove. He was coming out of the you know the greatest band of the time, and he needed to separate himself from his bandmates and prove his metal. You know, so there was like a challenge there for him, but. There was nothing, no need for him to continue being an artist if, if he didn't want to do it because he had lots of money. He could just have lived on a farm and been perfectly happy if that's what he wanted. But, you know, he is a performer and so that's what he wanted to do. But he also wanted to prove himself to his to his bandmates and to the public at large that he wasn't just, you know, a Beatle. He was also a Paul McCartney. But by the time you get to Back to the Egg, which is the last Wings album, you know, he there's nothing pushing him anymore. You know, like he's got lots of money, you know, but the thing about the thing about Wings is that he wanted Wings to be a real band like the Beatles. That's what he want. That's what he wanted from Wings. You know, when he first started playing with them, he got a band together, a bunch of guys that he liked. And, you know, he had his wife in the band so he could travel with her. And they played universities in England. They went around and played. They didn't play giant stadiums. They played in small universities and stuff like that. You know, kind of in a way, in Paul McCartney's eyes, I guess, kind of paying their dues. But the thing is, is that he was paying his bandmates very little money, you know, so he was this really wealthy guy and but not paying his bandmates very much money. So he's he's fine. He's OK. If they're not touring and not making money, he's OK. He's got money in the bank. They don't. They need to earn. So he never had like a settled group because he never like properly paid anyone any real money, except maybe um, Denny Lane, who stayed with him for a long time, all the way up to Back to the Egg. You know, when everyone else quit, and it was just three of them in in uh, in Lagos uh, recording back uh, Band on the Run. It was just you know Linda, Paul, and Denny Lane. You know that was that was the Wings by that point. But you know, like he never had like a because of whatever you know some kind of I don't know what what he was thinking, but he just you know everyone kind of left because they couldn't afford to be in Wings. They just weren't making enough money, and so he never had like a long term band. So. It's money because he was cheap, and it's money because he was too wealthy to care, eventually. And you just get a kind of lazy end of the 70s. And also, I kind of think drugs. I think, uh, you know, he smoked a lot of marijuana at that point, and probably not the greatest marijuana. You know, like, marijuana is a lot different now than it was in the 70s. And, you know, a lot of people who worked with him at the time as producers and stuff like that complained that he was very lethargic in the studio, that it was hard to get him to do stuff. He was, wasn't focused near that, you know, in those at the times and, you know, it was hard to motivate and that's might be why, but also money. So there you go. Is that a good answer? That's a great Sounds answer. Sounds good. All right. All now right. we're getting to, to a very hard bunch of questions. Yes. This is from uh, Kanan. This is really hard. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe bail on some of these. We'll try our best. Okay. Kanan, uh, all our friend Kanan says, Hey hosts. Hey Kanan. Uh, 
these are more creative exercises than questions, I guess. What Peanuts character would you single out for a standalone movie to make a movie about them as an adult, and what would their story be? Who would play them? Marcy, played by Janine Garofalo. Dave? I like it. Uh, I'm going to say one that Lisa suggested, which was Peppermint Patty, uh, played by Charlize Theron. And then mine was uh, mine was Linus, played by Ryan Gosling. And I, I would, what I would want to do with that story is that Linus is has lost connection to his friends because he got kind of taken out of the neighborhood. He got sent to a like gifted, it. he got sent to a gifted school. Yeah. Like it. And he kind of lost contact with his friends, but also went through a very kind of depressing experience of not being the special one. Cause suddenly he was like with a bunch of other smart kids who some were smarter than him. He wasn't like the, the, you know, kid who could quote the Bible at the drop of a hat or had philosophical ponderings like all of them did. And so, you know, he's like a young adult and he's kind of trying to find himself. And uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Love it. Uh, they've imagined Tintin as a procedural for TV. It's just called Tin, where he works as a PI specializing in ancient treasures. Who did he cast as Tintin and his salty old partner Haddock? For me, I'm going to go. Um, I'm gonna, there are two people who are actually in the Tintin animated film. I'm going to go with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as a, in an aged-up version. I like the idea of Simon Pegg with a little uh, lip lick, lick of his hair going up. <laughs> and I can definitely see uh, Nick Frost as a salty Captain Haddock type. Huh, that's fun. I went with um, a more, a little bit more obscure than yours. I mm-hmm. went with an actor whose name is Skylar Gizondo, or Gizondo mm-hmm. uh, who, if you watched uh, that, whatever it's called, Santa Rosita Diet... On, yes. on Netflix, he played the friend of the daughter of, of Drew Barrymore, and, and he was also in Booksmart. He played the, the boy who had the, the fancy like Camaro or Trans Am or whatever, the kind of rich boy who was trying to make friends by buying people. Sure. I would really, I love his kind of expansiveness, and I would really like to see him sort of kind of tone that down a little bit as Tintin, but also have, kind of have that in, in reserve for like when he gets excited about an adventure. And then for Captain Haddock, I think like someone like, um, Dominic, whatever his name was, who played, um, he was in like, uh, what's, um, what was that show called with, uh, Agent, um, the Agent of Peggy S.H.I.E.L.D. Peggy Carter? But, yeah, Peggy Carter, but he played, he played, um, um, Iron Man's dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he'd make like a good, he was also a preacher, he was also, yeah. Yeah, he'd make a good, he'd make a good, uh, Haddock, I think. Uh, agreed. Love it. Uh, they're making a new Muppet movie, and the structure of it goes against all that is holy and splits the Muppets up. They always do. Good Lord. <laughs> and tries to pair them with their perfect human foils. So, uh, for for the most part, it's a movie about the main Muppets getting back to each other. Uh, it always is. Accompanied by a human actor. Uh, so, who is paired with who for maximum comedic effect? Kermit Ann, Piggy Ann, Fozzie Ann, Gosno Ann, the entire Electric Mayhem, and they're a package deal. Let's face it. Working our way backwards. Uh, Electric Mayhem, what band, uh, who should they team up with? Okay, I decided to go in the opposite direction of what they were, but Mm because I think it would make an interesting mix is the Electric Mayhem with the classical Kronos Quartet. So they're like a string quartet, but also known for being very brave and doing like a lot of uh, modern pieces, but also kind of incorporating um, popular music into their their sound. So I think that would be a fun mix for them in the movie. Um, I want... Piggy to be teamed with Nathan Lane. Okay. Uh, I want Gonzo to be teamed with Jason Bateman. Okay. I just like the I like in both cases I like the the uh, contrast of the characters in those in those those things. Fozzie, I would like to be teamed with. Um, I'm not sure. 
I would like it to be a, a comedian or like a female comedian. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, um, I don't know. I was thinking like, um, like some Amber Ruffin or someone like that. Yeah, like it. Okay. And then for Kermit, once again, I would like I would like a woman, maybe like someone like Kirsten Wig or someone who could play, or maybe someone who could play like a really straight, like almost like an an official, maybe like maybe Charlize Theron again, someone who was like a super straight, like no joke, no like all serious, yeah, kind of thing. And I, what I'd want the movie to be is like a great race. And so they're trying to like get from one place to the other, but they all have different motives for why they're they're getting involved in this, and and they're all accidentally in it. So there's already like a great race happening, like a race across America or whatever. And then for whatever reason, they kind of fall into the situation where they're all involved in this race, and sort of like even if they're not meaning to be involved in it, they find themselves constantly somehow in it and part of it. And when they branch off, they still end up coming back into it again. And so all of them have like sort of side adventures, but then end up back in in this great race. And then it ends in the end of it. Whoever doesn't want to win wins. Like it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw uh, as a, as a person Piggy should be teamed up with because I second I second your emotions. <laughs> but Piggy should definitely be teamed up with in all ways and uh, for all reasons that will become apparent immediately after I say the name. <laughs> John Hamm. <laughs> Right, it works on every level. Sure it's does. Comedically great. Mm-hmm. The name Ham is great with Piggy. Yeah, and she'll be uh, flirting with him ridiculously through the whole thing. Uh, he's also a good uh, comedy comedy guy for physical business as well as uh, wit, and he can also do kind of a straight thing while she's just freaking out around him. So there, there you go. Um, number four, your job is to cast Acme, a new sitcom based. Are you just pitching TV shows? Okay. <laughs> Uh, a, a new sit- this doesn't count as copywriting your idea, by the way, by putting them on our podcast. Um, in a wacky, uh, a new sitcom based in a wacky inventions factory, where all the main characters are based on Looney Tune archetypes. The main greedy boss is based on Daffy Duck, uh, tempered by his underling Porky Pig, who only pretends to play dumb. Uh, there's the underhanded employee, always stealing the inventions uh, to use at home, based on Wile E. Coyote. He has a, a will they, won't they, with his neighbor. Uh, based on the Roadrunner, male or female, caster's choice. And then there's the comedically evil inventor uh, based on Marvin the Martian uh, with a co-inventor who's always changing his inventions to make them less evil based on Bugs Bunny. Okay. I think Bugs you Bugs I think you answered your own question. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Are we supposed to, like... Your job is to cast... So we're supposed to, like, find, like... Actors for all of this. Like the human actors for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 madness. All right. Um, All right. So we we need someone who's like choleric to be to be uh, Daffy Duck. So someone who's like can do good anger, but comedy anger. Right. So that would be like a a rain a rain Wilson type guy. Sure. Like from the office. Yeah, he'd be good there. Yeah, Porky Pig. Who only? I know. uh, You know what? I actually think Rain Wilson would be better as Marvin the Martian. Okay, like it. Uh, then, how about uh, if we, how about if I go back to Nathan Lane for Duffy Duck? <laughs> love it, I love it. Okay. Or, oh no 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 no. Uh, that guy uh, who's in like um, what's his name? He's uh he's in he's in the uh the the Hunger Games movies and stuff like that. He plays the the announcer, the kind of like the Stanley Tucci. Yes, he'd be great. He'd yeah, be he'd be Duffy nice... Duck. He's doing a nice job on uh, the Central Park anime thing. Uh, Porky Pig, Ron Funches. Um, nice. Oh, that's great. Uh, underhanded employee, always stealing the inventions to use at home, based on Wild E. Coyote. Can I say Richard E. Grant? Love it. Uh, who's the Roadrunner? Uh, it has to be a has to be a woman. 
yeah of, of that of that era um let's go with um jennifer saunders yeah I, that's the first person i thought of is that right? That is actually the first person I thought of. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, okay, uh, Marvin the Martian, you've already cast. Yes, and Bugs Bunny, I would cast as um, uh, John Mulaney. Nice, I like it. I okay, like it. back to you for Jake Schultz. Thank you, Kanan. Those are really good. Um, so Jake writes, "What are your favorite and least favorite books of the Bible, and why?" Ian, do you have a, a horse in this race? Sure. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, Genesis is your uh, meat and potatoes. Like, that's uh, that's so fun. Like, mm-hmm. all the stuff happens. Yeah. You got creation. You got Noah's Ark. Oh, my gosh. You got action. You got uh, smiting. You got begotting. <laughs> you got the first murder. Uh, you got expulsion from the Garden of Eden. You and I did a comic uh, once called Adam and Steve based in that era. Yeah, that's fine. About, uh, uh, Steve was the snake who was the best friend of Adam and didn't like uh, that uh, he was like seeing someone now. And so tried <laughs> to like put the kibosh on the relationship. And that was just a fun world to play around in. So I'm going to go Genesis. Least favorite uh, book of the Bible, um, uh, Psalms, just because I don't know anything about it. Okay, well, um, I'm going to go with, I'll go with two favorites. I'm going to go one Old okay. Testament, one New Testament. I'm going to agree with you, Genesis. Genesis is a wonderful, I love the creation myth in Genesis. I think if you look at other creation myths in that area where a lot of the myths are violent, you know, like the Babylonian one where the gods are fighting in the sky and, and they cut each other and blood drips to the earth and that's where people come from. Whereas the Jewish one is God creating us as an act of love and breathing mm-hmm. life into us. I think that's a really interesting and you know, it's as a psychology, it's really, it's really, really fascinating. You know, like the idea of how you view yourself is so important. You know, and I think it's better to view yourself as something that was created out of love than something that was created out of violence and accident. Uh, my uh, my favorite other favorite book would be Acts. I love the story of what happens after. You know, and I just love. I love like the disciples all kind of like, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> you know, and that's basically what Acts is. It's like, we don't know. We don't know what to do. We got to figure this out. Cause you know, we were following this guy and he was like giving us guidance, but you know, a lot of it was parables and we're not really too sure what he meant by them. And we don't know what to do now because he's gone and we're left with this, you know, he's given us a mission, but now we have to like complete it. And we're really just a bunch, bunch of dumb hicks. And we really got to, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and figure out what to do. I really enjoy that part of it. Least favorite books of the Old Testament would be Joshua, the books where the Jews just decide, you know, they're given, they're granted the, the uh, land of the Canaanites by God, apparently by God. And basically it's just an excuse for genocide and mass slaughter of people. And you get terrible things, which, which once you celebrated as a kid, you know, the walls of Jericho, that's so great. You know, they blew the horns and the walls came tumbling down. But they don't tell you that after that followed horrible genocide, not just of people, not just of men, but also women and children and animals and also burning of all, everything they owned. You know, like, so um, it's really terrible. It's just, uh, it's just like a, uh, a, it's like God endorsed, uh, you know, horrors, which we see all the time. And, and to have it kind of framed in the Bible is really awful. And it, it's valuable in the sense that it's a, it's a learning thing, but I think it's, it's, it's terrible if people take it literally and don't look at it as like a lesson of how not to be. And then in the, in the new Testament revelation, it shouldn't have been in the Bible. It was put in there under pressure. It was put in there with the understanding that it was post, it was uh, not meant to be used for prophecy, 
That was the, that was what was agreed to. But where are we now? People use it for prophecy. People read it and try to extrapolate from it as if we could understand what this gobbledygook actually means. And it's just a real it's it's a real mess at the end of the Bible, and it shouldn't be in there. There we go. There you go. Uh, right. Number two, where in the world would you most like to visit that you haven't been to already? I would like to go to Australia. That's a that's a good choice. Uh, me, Belgium. I would love to go to Belgium just because mm. it is the home of so much of art that I love. The Franco-Belgian comics, obviously, Tintin being the, the, the obvious one, but also Peyo, creator of, of Johan and Pierre-Louis and Benoit Bricifay, and of course the Smurfs or Strumpfs as they're known in, in Europe. And then also Franquin, André Franquin, creator of Gaston Legaffe and the Marsupilami and uh, did, you know, years and years of great work with, with Spiro and Fantasio and on and on he's just a they're all all of them morris you know lucky luke obviously uderzo with with asterix all that stuff i would just love to be there i'd love to like go see about it just i just like it so much that i just would love to to experience where so invite us everybody invite us Belgium. <laughs> and also i'm going to do a strong second to japan would also like very much to go to yeah japan. i would like to go to japan as well yeah i would only like to go to japan though if i went with nina yeah i, I would want to i would want to experience it through through her eyes and through her experience I think that would really like wanna, open it up. I want to experience it through her ears. And through, I don't want her to look at anything. I want to blindfold her, <laughs> and I want to walk around and want through her, her nose, her nose and ears. Yeah, but not a sense of touch. I want her to cover oh, okay. all to, of her fingertips with wax. She has to she wear. She can't actually touch anything. She has to wear oven mitts the whole time. Yes, through there. the whole thing, and then yeah. be blindfolded. I don't think that'll be creepy. In fact, I think there's a manga <laughs> based on that. I think so, but it's by that Ito guy. And oh dear. Yeah, it's midi. It's midi blind blind. <laughs> What yeah. uh, number three is? What is something book, movie, whatever that you would recommend which you haven't yet mentioned on the show? Is that possible at episode yeah. four fifty? I'd say to uh, say if I haven't mentioned it before, uh, the book "Something Wonderful Right Away" by Jeffrey Sweet, which is a series of interviews uh, with the Second City and Compass players from like the fifties and sixties. So you're getting interviews with Robert Klein, Joan Rivers, Nichols and May, uh, Shelley Berman. It's uh, it's a it was a book that I found many many years ago and uh, and loved just devoured just the idea that uh, this craft that I cared about had been around for so long and just hearing people be people not like they're famous people but they're not being interviewed like they're famous they're just telling their stories and especially hearing about Nichols and May who I had not been aware of until I read this book was, oh uh, really wow was something wow. yeah that's a, that's I a bought discovery. the book many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. I have. Uh, so I've given it away many times. I, I don't know. I like, like I say, I'm not sure. So I'm going to recommend. This is a um, a mystery writer. Mm-hmm. His uh, real name was Bruce Montgomery, and he did he did film scores for for movies in England. But he was also known as Edmund Crispin, and under that name, he wrote a series of of mysteries that are quite amusing. They're uh, with an eccentric. A detective called Gervais Fenn, who was a, a, a professor of some Oxford University-like university, and he also solved mysteries. And uh, when I was working on the fishing boat, after the sockeye salmon run, we stopped in Port Hardy, which is at the very tip-top of Vancouver Island off the coast of British Columbia. And we offloaded all the sockeye there. And well, we stayed overnight there. And in the morning, I went for a walk around town, and I just happened to walk into a weird store that was like part used bookstore part, convenience store part, whatever. It was just like kind of, kind of a whatever. And I found this book there called Holy Disorders. And it was a penguin 
mystery book, so it had the classic green cover. Right. And that's kind of what made me buy it because I, you know, automatic. I was looking for a book, and I automatically knew that it was probably pretty good because you know it was through Penguin and it was British and up my alley. And I read it and I just loved it because it was just so silly and so much fun. There was a great sequence where they talk to this author who uh, un- unwittingly has all this kind of Poe references in his life. And the, the detective and his partner in this book, they cannot believe it. And they're just having so much fun with it. And there's a section where like he, there's a mysterious knot that is tied that the author has to explain underneath this as, as you know, basically just imagine if this was a real knot and it worked like this, wouldn't that be great? And then just stuff like that, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And I just read it. Like I just, I just uh, devoured it on the trip back down the Strait of Juan de Fuca on the boat. So uh, I would recommend if, if you enjoy humor and you like mysteries and you like, and you're a bit of a Anglophile like me, Edmund Crispin. He wrote about seven novels. All of them are very good. Holy Disorders is my favorite. Our friend Louise Moon writes us and says, as the tip of the hat to Sneaky Dragon listening party, I'm sending you uh, my entries for the big prize draw in the form of a mini playlist. I'm calling Pop the Question. <laughs> uh, these are six of my favorite uh, pop songs from the 60s and 70s that have a question for a title. Please pick whatever songs speak to you the most and answer the questions in any way you see fit. Here we go. Number, number one, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? Uh, by the Shirelles from 1960. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're a friend. We're gonna love you tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, what do you say? And, we're, and I'm gonna see you tomorrow, literally. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, she's asking specifically about tomorrow. I don't oh, know. Okay. But... <laughs> right. uh, do you want to know a secret by the Beatles, 1963? Yeah. Uh, no. You know what? Uh, you're gonna bring something uh, probably to uh, to this thing. And I don't want to know what it is. I want to be surprised because you always bring things <laughs> that are a delightful surprise. Yes. So let's. I don't want to know a secret. I'm good. Um, do you know the way to San Jose uh, by Dijon uh, Warwick? Uh, do you, Dave? Have you been to San Jose? Yes, we both went there together in, uh, I guess, in '93, '94, '93. And that's where, yeah, I got tired for uh, Bongo Comics. That's right. And you and me and uh, Dave Sim. Well, when that was a good thing. Uh, all sang the national with, with Colin Upton. Colin Upton was there as well. Colin Upton national anthem together, and uh, we uh, you showed your comic to uh, Ed Brubaker, who thought it would look great, mm. and then he went and he uh, created the Winter Soldier. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. That was a real. I wish that I hadn't felt like such an imposter the whole time I was there, but it was fun. You were not. Uh, could you ever love me again by Gary and Dave? What the hell happened? We're going to love you tomorrow. Now you got to love me. Again. <laughs> well, let's take it. We... Let's take it broader than that. Cause I, I'm okay. thinking of that song as a song of forgiveness. Oh, I see. And I'm going to say, say it like this. Are you a person that holds grudges or do you find it easy to forgive people for past wrongs? Um, as long as they did not hurt other people with the things that they have done. That's my one flaw is like, if someone did something that uh, was an attack on someone else that I know, yeah. I feel I have the right to forgive them for a harm they did to someone else. Hmm. Uh, for someone that they did to me, uh, I, I prefer to. I, 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 you know, There's people who I have strongly had disagreements with that I am close with now. And sadly, there's people who I was incredibly close with, who have, uh, I, I am not close to now. So mm. both, uh, fortunately are true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a grudge holder. I, I, I will, I will love you again if we fight or if, if, uh, you do something, uh, do something to harm, not necessarily to harm me, but if you do, you know, if you sort of crossed me in some way or whatever, you know, black yeah. backstab so, me or whatever, I will, 
you know, obviously we'll never be the same. Our relationship will never be the same, but I will, I will not hold it against you for very long. Very good. Uh, when will I be loved by Linda Ronstadt? Tomorrow. Good God. It's like, we've already set this up. Uh, it's going to be tomorrow. I, uh, Do you I, see a bigger question to this one? Yep. I, I'll answer it in that we all live uh, with God's grace. So of course we're all loved at all times. There we go. And do you know where you're going to? Do you know where you're going to? Uh, theme, theme from, from Mahog Mahogany. Um, it's a theme from Mahogany. That's <laughs> where we're going to. Um, do I know where we're going to? Definitely not. No, Don't, I have no idea no. what what life holds in store for I, me. I, I had no idea anything would be like this four months ago. <laughs> Last year, here's the here's the thing. Last year, uh, we got set into a bit of a spin. Um, whereas like just shortly before that, we kind of got kicked out of the house we were living in and it was yeah. like, Oh my God. And then we had a, a bit of a health scare and it was like, Oh my God. Then we had a bit of a tax scare and it was like, Oh my God, are we going to get kicked out of this house? And then it was like, okay, you know, uh, everything was like, Oh, uh, who knows? Nothing settled. And I was like, you know what? I think things, I think we know. Yeah. You know what? Things are settling down. It's about one week before uh PSTV show starts. Uh, I think we really got what COVID. And then uh, flip, 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 and then everything flipped over. But as we say, both me and Pia, it's like it feels like we're going through things that we went through last year, but we're not going through them alone, which makes it very different. Like it feels like the yeah, world is yeah. going through the things we went through. They're going through a health scare, mm. and they're going through a financial scare, which is both <laughs> the things we went through. Yeah. But we went through it uh, by ourselves. Yeah. And now everyone is, and it's it's interesting, and it feels less bad, which feels odd because it's a global pandemic, yeah. but it really does feel that way. It's on the plus side that you did go through that together rather than by yes, yourself. Absolutely. Which is which is something that's helpful. But have, wait. Just... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You 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 react to that. I was going to continue uh, with what Louise said. But wait, here's a bonus track. It's The Weekend in New England by Barry Manilow from 1976. Oh, the bicentennial, eh? Mm. Um, technically, there's no questions in the title, but there are four questions in the chorus. The song is dedicated to all the people who are still physically separated by the pandemic. So uh, we are, um, yeah, I guess we are physically separated. Mm -hmm. And this could be friendship as well, but this is more towards people who, you know, otherwise. But uh, here we go. Uh, you know what? Let's go back and forth and let's just sing a line each. How about I don't, that? I don't know the song, but we, we can sing. Oh, sure. okay. All right. Do you know this when, song? Yeah, of course. Oh. Uh, I'm a human being. Um, <laughs> when will our eyes meet? When, when can I touch you? When will this strong yearning end? And when will I hold you again? Tomorrow, tomorrow at the. <laughs> well, we will be holding each other, but we, no, we certainly will. Sure. We certainly will be in spirit holding each other. And looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. Whoops. My phone is talking to me now. Boy. I hope that's not a spider. I think. I think. <laughs> An electronic spider. Somehow my phone thought I was calling it when I said, "When will I hold you again?" It said something. <laughs> I know that. I don't know. Anyway. Interesting. Go away, phone. Um, Laurel Robertson says right. some things. How about you go and talk, sure. talk about her? I will, I will be Laurel Roberts, Robertson's voice for, t for tonight. Sounds great. She says, I have been thinking on this for weeks. Seems oh, dear. Like, seems like most of the questions I come up with are kind of dopey. There's so no, are there are no dopey questions. But I've got to do it. So here goes, dot, dot, dot. One, do you feel you have gone through a midlife crisis or maybe are currently in one? I think I might have gone through one 20 years ago. 
And now, because I feel like things change so much, I think part of a midlife crisis is feeling somewhat stagnant. I'm doing different things all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel like I've uh, gone through a midlife crisis when I'm actually now in midlife. <laughs> well, I can, I consider myself past midlife now, but um, yes, I went through midlife crisis in my, I guess in my mid, my mid thirties. I, I, um, I was a farrier for a while. But I suffered terribly from imposter sy syndrome, which is a terrible thing to to do. I feel in a job where it's very personal, when you're dealing with people's pets and with their loved creatures, and you don't feel like you're the real thing working on these these. You know, it's just a really it was a really bad place for me, and I got really depressed, and I was really unhappy. I was suicidal, and and I started um, for the first time in my life. I started uh, being aware of my mortality. Like even when I was sick with cancer, I was, you know, very positive that I was going to like survive it. It seemed impossible to me that I wouldn't, you know, because I was young and I shouldn't, I shouldn't leave the world at this time because that would be unfair. So, you know, like I just did not, you couldn't see myself as, as dying, you know. But when I reached my, when I reached my mid thirties, I suddenly had this like, real fear in this kind of those kind of weird panic attacks you can sometimes get when you think of like uh oblivion sure and uh and so i, I just kind of changed my life i like i quit being a farrier i took a job that maybe was kind of beneath me in a way like beneath who i you know who i am as a you know as an intelligent person as a person who maybe could achieve more in life but i just wanted to do a job where it was a nothing job and there was nothing on me in the job. I would didn't. I, no, no one relied on me. No one was waiting for me. No one wanted me to do difficult things on their animals. And so I just started working in a warehouse. And I actually really enjoyed doing that. I really enjoyed that job. Like I enjoyed all the nuts and bolts of it. I enjoyed, you know, I took on more and more responsibilities in the company. I pretty much became office manager. I ordered product. I did packaging designs. I did flyers. I put together proposals. I did all, I just did everything there, you know? And so I really enjoyed that job. And, uh, and that was a big, big change. And it kind of, it kind of uh, took me out of that bad p patch I was in, I guess. I also sold my truck and bought a little car, you know, and just kind of like changed, changed everything for myself. But I kept my family. That's the important part. Better to, okay. better to keep your family and make, make changes around what's making you unhappy. I, I would agree with that. And I'm gonna say I think you're you're still gonna uh, live an extra uh, 53 years because 100. Everyone's <laughs> living everyone, everyone's living to 100 and change now, so don't worry about it. You're fine. All right, sure. You're not a drinker either. Crying out loud, you don't smoke, you don't drink. <laughs> what do you do? Um, go ahead. Uh, number th number two, sorry, is uh, a good a good uh, job interview question here. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I never do that. You never look never, ahead. Never do that. The only thing I know is I'm gonna. Do my best to be uh, with Pia. That's all. Yeah. And e everything else. No, I don't read. A, I don't read horoscopes. If someone <laughs> goes, let me read your palm. Yeah. I won't let them. Yeah. I don't. I don't uh, look to the future. I just. Uh, I live in. I live in the now. And the only time I. <laughs> it's funny when you're going like the only time I worry about your health. The only time I worry about my health is if I stupidly, stupidly, stupidly go to WebMD. <laughs> stupidly look up one symptom. Stupidly, and it's like, oh, you dumb son of a bitch! You've just looked up. Hey, my feet are swollen. Mm -hmm. Well. Looks like you're exploding any time now. I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, I, I don't, I don't uh, try to think of the future. I try to think of it right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm a very much of a now person. I don't, I don't, 
I'm a bit of a grasshopper too, though. So, you know, I'm a very optimistic person. So I don't really like worry about things. I have, I've never in my life looked anything up on WebMD, for instance. <laughs> this is not, it's not the way my mind goes. You know, I don't, I don't think of things that way. So, yeah. so, um, you know, when I look ahead, if I'm being optimistic, you know, 10 years from now, I'm very near retirement age. I'm, I'll be 64 and, uh, hopefully still healthy and hopefully, you know, ready to, to, uh, spend some restful years, maybe do some traveling, maybe, you know, just hanging around with Lisa in the house. That would be very nice. And you poor son of a bitch, the amount of people that are going to play that song, right? Like, because you're a Beatles guy too, right? So double down with that nonsense. Double down. Like, everyone's going to send it to you, right? In whatever form, probably telepathic by that point, just a chip in your head, they'll just send it right through you. Oh, my God. Awful. Okay, but no, it's good. The rest of the stuff is good. But, like, just that you have to hear that song all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, that's not so bad. It's not so bad to have to pay to pay to you gotta pay to play sure uh, do what is the most spontaneous thing you've ever done uh proposed to my wife i was gonna say the same thing yep yeah for sure she was we were in the, we were in the office and um she was having an online argument about same-sex marriage and um and uh it was it was it, the the argument kind of got went to the you know the person saying how um because we had it in Canada and they did not have it in the States, yeah. how it doesn't matter that the word marriage and, and she was arguing like, no, but it does, it does matter. You know, even though you're, I mean, there is something to that, you know, to be able to say that. And I thought to myself, you know, even though I had been thinking about, you know, proposing to her, uh, I thought at the time, like, yeah, it does matter. Oh, I've got to propose to her now. And so I, I asked her, would you like to get married? Which stunned her. Um, and, uh, and she didn't say yes then she said yes that night. And it was like, Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) And it was like in a course. And then, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very, um, it was very, very nice, but it was uh, spontaneous and so scary. So, 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 so scary. Cause I felt like, you know, if I, if I say this and she doesn't want to, what if she agrees to it, but she doesn't really want to like just to, you know, uh, cause what are you going to do? Or what if that's now, oh, well, you went too far and now mm, you blew it. And, uh, you know, yeah, spooky. Uh, but how about you? Well, I wouldn't say the same. Uh, Lisa was not arguing online. But um, no, we... What if she was arguing with my wife online about it? <laughs> she was just so anti-same-sex marriage. I just, um, you know, I just realized that how much I loved her and that I wanted to, I wanted to be with her forever. And I just said, you know, I... Th- I wasn't really very romantic about it because I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm kind of a shy person. So I have a hard time being showy like that, you know, but I said, um, I just said, you know, how about, I think we should get married. I think we should live together and spend the rest of our lives together. And she said, sure. And then her dad said, no. <laughs> and so, and so Lisa, as much as, you know, she wanted to be independent and stuff like that, she's, she's was at that time still very much, you know, kind of intimidated by her dad. And, and so we, we put it off, but it turned out, you know, it, it would have got canceled by cancer anyway, because when we were supposed to get married was the day I had my, my first stomach operation. And so it would have not turned out anyway. So it's kind of, it's in a way it was kind of lucky that it, it went the way it did anyhow. You know, we were still together then just, we weren't married. Also uh, bad judgment there, dad. Boo. <laughs> yes, Boo indeed. I think he knows that now he does. Good. He does like me a lot now at that time. He didn't like me very much. Once again, swing and a miss there, Pops. Okay. <laughs> who is the person who has made the most positive influence on your life? Oh, my, my Pia. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, Lisa, Lisa yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, who's the person who's closest to you that, you know, that you, you've shaped yourself around, you know, because there is that, there is that element of, of back and forth of, of, you know, of compromise and, 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 and not in a bad way of compromise, just that you fact that you have to live together and fit together like puzzle pieces. And, you know, and you sort of shape yourself to this other person. And, and Lisa has been that person and, you know, the girl's second for sure, you know, very good. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, I mean, they, I yeah. Look at the things I've done in the last 20 years, the places I've gone in the world, mm-hmm. the things I've seen, the love I've felt. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. That, yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's yeah it's it's I'm head over heels. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have done half of the things I've done in my life if Lisa hadn't been there to say, "Let's do this. Let's go there. Let's yeah. let's drive twelve hours to see salmon." You know, like that wouldn't occur to me to be honest with you. you then know, you knocked on the salmon's door. You opened it. It's like it's three in the morning. <laughs> Sorry, it was a long drive. Oh, okay. Listen, I just got to get up early to spawn. <laughs> <laughs> what the Tom McFarlane comic? Yeah, I gotta read Spawn. I gotta read all of them. <laughs> Even the spin-off books? Yes, yeah, so the spin-off books. Okay, let's keep going. Uh number five, what would be your perfect day? Uh perfect day would be one where uh probably P and I are in uh somewhere in the world we're exploring and mm. uh maybe we hit, we're at a con. But like we uh, were kind of taken around uh, by the, the the host of the con, uh, so you know we learn where you can eat. Uh, but then there's enough time that we can explore on our own as well. That mm. would probably be a perfect day. I, lo- I love those days. That's nice. Mine would be more homey. I would lo- I just a day where I'm not. I have no real obligations. Yeah. And just kind of get up. You know, it has to be a weekend, obviously. Just kind of get up at my own time and and. Uh, do a little, you know, do a little this, do a little that, sit outside, read for a while, maybe do some, some work, you know, podcast related or whatever, and then mow the lawn, you know, just stuff like that. This is one of those sort of days where it's just, I, you know, those are all things I enjoy doing. So none of those are chores yeah. or things I have to do. They're just things I, I like to do and I like to be busy. So, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy those sort of, that sort of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, that to me, and then Lisa's home too. So, you know, just, we, this kind of share our day our day kind of is we're in and out of each other's you know things that we're doing and and yeah that would be wonderful nice and then later on we have sex um okay, okay. brown chicken brown cow <laughs> uh number six do you have a worst pet ever story i liked uh, i liked all my pets but i lived with someone who had a pet and it was named after a racial slur so let's go that's a that was the rough rough one <laughs> not the pet's fault <laughs> I loved my dog. And I didn't Oops. name it. Let me say I oh. did not name it. Uh, sure, sure. Okay. Um, and, ma- and a bad one, too. Okay, go ahead. Wait, a bad pet? No. A bad name? Yeah. Was was it? Did it no. Start? Okay, I guess no, I, don't okay. forget it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Keep moving. All right. Keep the car moving. Uh, I loved my dog growing up. I had a dog named Scamp, Scampers, who I love so much. And uh, But one thing he did that killed me was he would attack our mail. And I used to get magazines in the mail and he would just turn them into to snowflakes because he would tear chunks out of them and I would try to read them. And, you know, then they, they would come maybe with special things inside, like a poster or something like that. Like one came with like a star field that was glow in the dark. But mm-hmm. my star field that was glow in the dark had a chomp taken out of each section of it when I unfolded it. 
because my dog had attacked the magazine. So that would be the dog star. That would be the dog star. I wish I thought of that joke at the time. It would have made it less bitter. But no, that that. But he wasn't the worst pet, really. Like that was just bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I I love that guy. I don't know. Like all pets can be jerky. L is a real jerk. Like he is a whining, <laughs> pushy, you know, a demanding dog. He, you know, you have to put a blanket on him. He has he starts whining to be fed. Uh, two hours before feeding time, he whines and kicks his bowl around, you know, to get your attention. Um, he, you know, he's he's a he's a jerk, but you know, I love him because he's my dog. Yay! Um, Ian. Yeah. And me, I guess, by asking you this question: If you were writing a memoir, what would the title be? Uh, okay. My, would the... Mine would be all about Dave. That's nice. Uh, mine would be Who Wants to Know. <laughs> good. That's good. Uh, eight. Approximately how many books are stacked up on your side of the bed? Only one, the Bible. And that actually is true. <laughs> because it is a it is a um ask how many are stacked all around everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. We get stacks and stacks and stacks. Yeah. But I do have this Bible that uh, we're kind of uh fixing that was my grandfather's Bible. So oh, that's nice. like right now just there because it's it's where I'm keeping it to keep it safe. Nice, nice. How about you? Uh over a hundred. I'm not, I'm not joking. I've got three piles. I've got, okay, I've got a, I've got a, a little table beside my bed that's like a rectangular box that has our, my reading lamp on it. Uh, it's like a nice rectangular box, but uh, it's full of books. So th- those are stacked there. Then beside that, there are three full stacks of books piled up to about <laughs> hip height in my room. All books that I've either read or I'm intending to read, but they've all, they're, or to read, but they're all, they're all mixed together, so it's a real dog's breakfast. And then in the living room beside my chair where I sit, there is another pile of more books and magazines that are all mm-hmm. piled up there. It's I have a lot of books, I must admit. It's maybe out of control. But to be honest with you, I would like more. Number nine, do you have a favorite family photo from when you were a kid? Yeah, it's one where it's uh, my grandparents were sitting on their laps, me and my sister Lee. I have Lego, Lee doesn't, and she's clearly mad that I have Lego. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I do not have a favorite family photo from when I was a kid because I have no photos from when I was a kid. My dad uh, was a amateur photographer. He liked to take photos. and But all the photos that he took, he had made into slides. And so all the photos that I have of myself from when I was a kid are all sitting in his closet, my mom and dad's closet, in little canisters with slides. And a long time ago, he gave away his projector, his slide projector. And so we have no real like way to watch them. And I guess I could go and pay to get some sort of a device that scans photos. You can put the slides and they scan yeah, photos into your computer. Not, it's not too expensive. Yeah, yeah. And one day, also, I, I've got, one day I will. Oh, go ahead. But yeah, we did yet. that with uh, some of my dad's slides. By the way, you ever want to look at those slides? I got a slide projector. Oh, okay. okay. I would have to. I have to pry them out of my dad's hand, so as well, because he's very. You know, these are my pictures. I took these pictures. Yeah, but you're stronger than him, so it's okay. Uh, number. He'll respect you. He'll respect you. (laughs) Is that right? If I'm really demanding. Number ten. What do you do if you have a mouse in your house? You let the cat have it, and uh, the cat takes care of it. That's uh, the cat's job. Is that right? So yeah. Okay. Uh, We have had mice in the house because our cat. I uh, used to bring them in the house, Risa, when oh, she was younger. That's the opposite of what they should do. <laughs> uh, and what I do then is I catch them in a glass and I take them outside and let them go. Because I, uh, Lisa does not. Lisa jumps up on the couch and holds her her skirt up in the air and 
screeches as if a mouse is in the house. Yeah. Because she does not like mice or rats. She finds them completely disgusting, which is weird because she grew up on a farm with a barn, with a horse barn, and I imagine there were mice and rats around. I imagine that was part part of the deal, but she does not like them at all. But that's okay. I'm perfectly fine, and I will catch them, and I will let them go because I do not like to kill things. Um, Make sure you don't touch them because uh, full of disease, bad disease, well, very bad. Yeah, disease. hantavirus and stuff. But uh, you know, you just you know, you yeah. wash your hands after you deal with them. Yep. Uh, number te- number eleven, hot air balloon ride. Yes or no? No. No, really? I would like to do that. <laughs> but what I would like to do more than a hot air balloon ride, because I think a hot air balloon is a little dangerous. Because once it goes, it's done. What I would like to do is go in a in a in a glider. You know what I mean, like those kind of planes, but they just glide down. Okay. Because I think that those are a little safer because uh, they're gliders, so they're kind of made to like glide. And so even That's if you what a glider does, yeah, yeah, okay. even if you have like a moment of like where you reach like kind of a air pocket and you might not have like you know support for the wings, you will you will come into it again and continue down, and you can kind of follow the thermal patterns or whatever along the cliff faces and stuff where people tend to do that sort of thing and i would really like to try gl- a glider that w- that's one thing i'd like not me piloting it obviously but just me as a passenger i love the idea of being in the air in total silence you know like it'd be so weird because i've flown in a small plane i've flown in a few small planes but i've never but you know it's noisy and you know and so it's not there's no sense you know so you're in the air but there's no sense of like like nature supporting you because it feels like it's doing all the work, even if nature is still supporting you. The plane is making so much noise and demanding so much of your attention and basically being a big show off that it's hard to feel that it's the magic of what you're in. And I think a glider, you get a real sense of the wonder of, of the, like the solidity of air and the feeling of like floating. I just think it'd be a really magical experience. Sounds good. You disagree. <laughs> I'm uh, heights and me. That's a great. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Uh, yeah, Laurel I, says, I, I "Write a blimp like a blimp." Sure, I'll do that. Blimp it, blimp it up. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Laurel says, "Okay, I'll stop there. I may have asked some of these before. I should keep a list. It's all right." Well, as always, I really appreciate the sneaky dragon and you two fellows. Thanks for all these 450 episodes and dot 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 beyond. Smiley face. Thanks. Brent Tannehill writes, Dave, since you're known all over the world as Three Dog Dedrick, what's your recommendation for store-bought hot dogs? What do you buy when you're buying dogs at home? Well, Brent, here's the thing. I do not like gourmet anything. I don't want gourmet marmalade. I don't want gourmet ketchup. I don't want gourmet hot dogs. I want hot dogs that are made to be eaten by regular dumb Joes like me. And my favorite hot dogs are those kind of like largish, maybe barbecue hot dogs that come in the plastic wrapper. Do you know the kind I mean, Ian? They're like kind of like yeah. a coil. Often they don't I come. Totally co- know what you're talking they used about, to come yeah. coiled together. Now they often just break it apart, and you just have them separately in the package. But they're still in the plastic wrapper. Those are my those are my favorites. I, I'm not a fancy person. Like I don't. I find like if you get something that says gourmet on it, it's going to be sour, or it's going to be weird. It's going to have like a really hard casing. It's just something weird about it, you know, like like a little while ago, I asked Lisa to get me some marmalade, and what I asked for was Smucker's mar- Marmalade. It's sweet, mm-hmm. but it, and it's got mm-hmm. lots of orange rind in it. That's what I want. Yeah, name like Smucker's, it's got to be good. Exactly. You know, if you're going to call yourself a ridiculous name like that, you better be good. But instead, she bought me, um, it was like this British Seville Oranges Marmalade, 
you know, and it, it was all fancy looking and small, smaller than the Smucker's one. But I'm thinking to myself, I bet you this cost more. And it didn't have enough sugar in it. It was kind of sour. And it didn't have mm-hmm. like lots of orange rind like the Smucker's one does. And I just felt like, you know, you're paying a lot of money. I guess it's fancier, but why? Who cares? I just want normal. I'm like that with hot dogs. I just want regular old hot dogs. The same kind I had when I was a kid. Those are the kind of like, and I just had some. Oh, I didn't have some tonight. I had I had Smokies tonight for dinner, actually. But they were barbecued, <laughs> barbecued, nummy, nummy, nummy. Uh, so yeah, Three Dog Dedrick is answered the question. Nice. All right. Uh, why don't you guys have commercials on your podcast? Let me turn this uh, around. Let me turn this around and ask Brent a question. Sure. Do you want commercials on our podcast? Like, I don't think people, like, I don't really like commercials and podcasts. I know that they're there and I know people have to make a living and stuff like that. But I don't know. That's not, that's not our, that's not really the raisin detra of this show really, right? So we don't, we don't need them. I guess if nice ones came along, but. Yeah, we do Patreon. So uh, that's really the angle that we take on this. Yeah. Um, if there was another podcast we were doing that it would fit, then uh, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just doesn't really seem to fit. Also, because listen, this is all rambly nonsense that we do. Yeah. So how do we sell that to, uh, you know, to an advertiser and just go, hey, mm-hmm. me undies, you know, what are you going to talk about anything that connects with it? And no, we don't know. And we might uh, cry. Who knows? <laughs> we've um, We've had... We've had commercials op- offered to, like commercial opportunities to be, uh, to do little spots or whatever, but it doesn't pay very much, and it's really invasive. So I don't like why. And I always skip it when I uh, listen to a podcast. I'm always fast forward, fast forward. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Uh, who wrote the opening music to your podcast? Oh well, the opening music to the podcast is a song by Bella and Sebastian called "I Love My Car," and I also wittily turned that into the theme song for Listening Party. Because the song has different sections. There's that kind of weird harpsichord at the beginning of the song, that little kind of loping harpsichord bit. Then it goes into this, um, it goes into this song, uh, it goes into this um, weird kind of Dixieland jazz part. And then it goes into the sung song part of the song, which is different. And then the end of the show has another kind of weird Dixieland part to it, however you want to describe that part of the the. Uh, listening party theme so that's that's where it comes from i really we when we decided we we're going to do this show i was driving to the office uh, to ian's office one day and this song came on in my in my shuffle and i was like oh that's the theme that's the theme right there and i played it for Ian, and he said sounds good and then we did and we didn't pay anyone for it and so please don't tell bell and sebastian that we use it because i don't think they would like it there you go uh, you often talk about whose turn it is to host the show. I take it that you have some policy and how this works, but honestly, they seem the same to me. It never feels like one person or the other is steering the conversation. What do you mean when you say this? Well, <laughs> uh, David hosts the odd-numbered podcast. I hope uh, host the even-numbered ones, but he tricked me, that son of a bitch, <laughs> uh, because that means that I host all the anniversary ones. Yeah. So, like, you know, for the 400th episode or 450th episode, hey, who's the guy who's doing that. But it basically means is I open the show if I'm doing uh, an even number one and I close the show and give the information about like how you contact us. That's really all it comes it, down to. It's kind of, it's um, a little bit more than that because when you... Okay, in- it's not at all that then, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say when you introduce the show, uh, there's also kind of an assumption that you're going to lead into the conversation. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, you know, you say hello, I'm, like, say, you know, hello, welcome to Sinky Dragon, my name is David Dedrick, you say, I'm Ian Boothby, and then I would say, oh, hey, Ian, blah, 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 and then I might have an idea of where where to start our conversation, and then we'll kind of, we'll go from there. Or, I might have an idea to say something, but Ian will, like, have something of his own to do, and he will interrupt me, and then 
he will start something and that will completely make me forget what I was going to do. And then we just c- carry on from there. And, Always. and that's how basically it goes. And yeah, but really it's just, it's just a way for us to kind of share the, the beginning and end of the show rather than one person do it every time both of us get to do it. Uh, and it was just the easiest way to do it was, f- and uh, f- you know, I started the very first episode and then that's been the way it has ever since then. So I always do the odd and Ian does the even. <laughs> and, and of course I had no, no idea when we started how long we're going to do this. I didn't know we'd be doing anniversary shows 450 shows later, but it's worked out for me, didn't it? There you go. Uh, Dave, you've said that you play the trombone. Someone once told me the moving the slide doesn't change the notes. Uh, something else does. Is that true? And if so, what does moving the slide actually do? Okay, well, let me correct you. I didn't. I never played the trombone. I played the trumpet in band. And the trombone and the trumpet are similar in this way, that with the trumpet, you do not... You do pick notes with the with the valves in the trumpet. You have the you have the keys where you the, you depress uh, different barrels, and they have valves inside them that alter how the sound travels in the trumpet. So it tra- alters where it travels. The sound travels through. But what you do when you're blowing into a trombone or a trumpet is you control you control the pitch. I guess was what you control. So so basically, when you're blowing through a, a mouthpiece on a trombone or a trumpet or a, a tuba or a or the baritone whatever you um you're basically going like this and and that weird buzzing noise goes through the instrument and it comes out with this rather nice mellow sound whether it's a trumpet or whatever and so but when you're doing that you when you want the note to be a high note you have to like uh purse your lips more and 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 sort of make a higher pitched buzzing so you go like that and so then you change that and so you do make notes by moving the slide up and down on the trombone but what you're doing with your embouchure with your buzzing through the through the the uh, mouthpiece is you are changing how high or low the notes are so you can go through the scale so like on a trumpet you only have three keys so if you weren't also controlling sound with your with the way you're blowing your mouth you would you'd be very limited in what um how many you know noise you only make three sounds but with making your mouth do part of the you know part of the work you then can make infinitely more not infinitely more but many more you can go lower or higher and same with the trombone so with the slide you are you're choosing different notes depending where you are pitching the sound as it comes through so the as you change the length of the of the of the slide you are affecting the note but with your embouchure you are giving yourself more notes that you could play by by altering that sliding sound so with the trombone for instance there are fixed points in the slide where you're making pleasing notes and if you're missing them you're not playing the trombone properly and then you know with your you know you know what i mean so there you go does that make Ta-da! it clear was that clear ian i don't know very clear clear cl- crystal trombone clear, <laughs> clear, uh, clear as a trombone. phrase makes you instantly not like a person uh, uh you do the math oh really pitching me on something and then goes but yay you do the math okay then i know i'm gonna lose money (laughs) mine is if i'm talking to a person and they tell me they don't like the sound of children playing because that's a sound i love even as a teenager i love to hear the kids in the playground near my house i love if the wind was blowing the right direction i could hear the kids playing and i always love that sound and even now as an ad as a you know a middle-aged man with grown-up daughters i i love it now that we have new families in our block 
who have young kids who are outside playing because I just love to hear them riding up and down the street and yelling and shouting and crying and fighting and all the rest of it and laughing and whatever. I just love it all. I just love that sound of kids playing. And when I hear someone say to me, I hate the sound of kids playing, it just, it's, it feels like you've just, you've cut off, you know, all of your life from yourself. You know, it's like you're forbidding yourself from being a child. Like you didn't love your, you didn't love playing as a child. Like, didn't you love going outside and playing with your friends? Didn't you love recess at school or lunchtime at school when you could run out into the fields and play with your friends and have imaginary games and, and have fun? Didn't you love when summer came and you could go and roam and romp and play and, and enjoy your life? Like, what, what do you hate about that? Like, what is there to hate about any of those things? It's like people who want to like, you know, who say things like, oh, they should have school in summertime too. Well, fuck that. Like you got to go to school and have two months off. Why shouldn't kids for the rest of the, the, the history of the world have that opportunity for play and fun when it's not all work and just all, you know, horrible labor and grueling, boring math and science and all the rest of that garbage. Why can't we have fun for two months? We did. Why can't they? End of rent. There you go. Well, well, well said, well spoken. I asked this question at the last question show, but time has passed and things change. What are your favorite podcasts? Mm. Uh, I'm really enjoying this Mike Berbiglia one uh, where he's developing material with comedians right now. Uh, I enjoy that one quite a bit. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. I don't know. But look up Mike Berbiglia and uh, see what he's doing podcast-wise. Enjoying that one a lot. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I've, I think since... since um, um, we got this before Brendan asked this question last time. Uh, I, I started listening to the Flop House, which I'm still listening to. Um, I'm kind of choo- I kind of choosy though because I don't like to listen to ones about movies I haven't seen for the most part. Sometimes there's movies sure. I have no intention of ever seeing, and I just I'll just listen and let let them spoil it for me. Other times, you know, I kind of want to see the movie, even if I think it's going to be bad. There's movies like say Bloodshot that I still want to see because I'm just curious about them. And I don't want them to spoil it for me. After I've seen it, then I will listen to the make fun of it quite gladly. Um, I've also been enjoying, I enjoy the Word podcast, which is a couple of old British guys who who spent a long time in the British music press. And they're a lot of fun to listen to, for me anyway, just because it's something that I, I immersed myself in as a teenager and I still, I still enjoy that kind of stuff. And then one more, uh, just trying to think through what I've been listening to. There's a podcast called... Um, the Bible for Normal People, and I quite enjoy that show. It's hosted by a couple of, of I guess they're ex-evangelicals, but they still have a bit of evangelical in them, but they've kind of grown out of that as well. And they have a very open show. They have a lot of people on uh, who come on and talk about, you know, maybe aspects of the Bible, or, or they'll kind of go through and do do books of the Bible, you know, just kind of do like a quick kind of overview of different parts of the Bible, which, you know, for me personally, I as you know, I enjoy those sort of things. So, and if you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's a, it's a very good show. One, they're both um, one's one's a university teacher, you know, is a the- theologian, and the other one is uh, not necessarily a theologian, maybe more of a historian of the Bible, and the other one is um, kind of a lay minister. And he, and they're both very interesting though, and they have lots of good guests on. Cool, including a local a local um, minister. He's an Orthodox minister or priest who um, came to our church. Uh, not the most recent, not this Easter, obviously, but last year came and did a whole week of sermons from the Orthodox uh, point of view. And it was really interesting and enlightening. And then he was on, on this show and, and he was really good. I really liked what he had to say. So yeah, it's quite a, quite a good show. 
Nice. Uh, my favorite simile for a Canadian describing what it's like to live next to the United States is saying it's like living uh, next to a neighbor whose car alarm is on all the time. And then the American says, yeah, imagine being locked in that car. So my question <laughs> to you guys is, what do you think of the United States, the people, the government, the laws, etc.? Be honest. We won't be offended. Uh, we know we are rude and unruly. I think we covered this already uh, earlier on in this episode. A little bit, but I just yeah. want, let me just let me just um, kind of add to this, which is All that right. um, you know I've gone down to the states a lot, and I have to say that I have never had like a a rude person or had a bad experience in a restaurant or a store. I always find people are really friendly in stores, are super helpful. I always I always love the waiters and waitresses that we have or whatever servers are called now uh, that we have. Sorry to sound old. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, you know, there's differences between us. We talked about that philosophically, obviously. And I think, I personally think parliamentary government is better than, than the kind of, I guess, Republican model that, that America uses and France uses. But that's just a matter of taste, you know, like, but I think that, you know, like, I think anyone who's like dealt with Americans on one to one, you know, like, I'm not talking about everybody, but I just mean the people, you know, people that you might work with or or meet or or have like a professional dealings with. They're so always so nice and so and so uh, willing to help you and, and work with you and stuff like that. We used to deal with a couple of companies down in California. And I had very good relationships with with the people of those companies, and we always always got along great. I always had you know lots of fun talks. I remember the one lady I talked to all the time. She she's uh, one of the shipments. She sent up seized candies for me, or seized you know, seized chocolates. You know, and like, you know, just wonderful people. You know, you can't always you can't always judge people by the by the by the jerks, the the loud voices. You know, there's tons of wonderful people that are just underneath that surface that are keeping things ticking along despite all the jerks that are trying to ruin it for people you know yeah i i think when you when you talk about americans as individuals everyone's great i just think that there's a structural uh problem that's there where you feel like you're on your own like should have come down to it you know and uh you've got to rely on yourself and yeah. that individualism uh leads to it sounds like freedom but it's not really because what happens is that leads to fear and 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 you get things like people feeling oh the government's trying to get me sometimes they are um so i'm not going to wear a mask and yeah. because you don't wear a mask all of a sudden you're florida yeah. and then you know uh you're you're not free yeah. you know there's you look at like new zealand and go like oh but you don't have the freedoms that america has yeah but they did a lockdown for a short period of time uh, for the greater good of everybody, mm-hmm. and now they are free to go to movies and to sporting events and walk around. And it's like what seems like freedom isn't freedom. It really isn't. There's an illusion of freedom. And there's also a thing where, uh, you know, and we, we have this, of course, so many countries do, where historically, you know, you look at the surface and go like, ah, it's this. But, of course, it's built on something, and you don't want to talk about the things it's built on. Yeah. But the things that it's built on are going to come up at some point. Mm-hmm. They're going to. Uh, because it's built on that. So, and then when it, that comes up, it's something you gotta, you gotta deal with. And, and, and if you've like, uh, created this kind of illusion of, uh, you know, things around you mm-hmm. yeah, then it's a struggle. And so all this is happening at once, but we, we love you and we want you to be well. And we really want you to know that other countries are here for you. We're here for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. And here's just one other thing. 
stop calling yourself the greatest country in the world. Okay, it's like someone, it's like someone, it's like someone saying I'm the prettiest boy at this party. Yeah, you know, let someone else say that. That's the kind of thing you gotta let someone else say. Yeah, and then yeah. you can you can casually mention, did you hear what like France said about me? That's a nice thing. But if you say it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. It, yeah, it, you, it has the same impact as a world's greatest grandpa mug. You know, mm. but that's bought by grandpa for himself. You know, you got to let someone else buy you the mug. Yeah, you can't self-gloss. That's a fact. You can't self-gloss. That's right. Okay. And now back to you, Dave. All right. So we have... We're going to uh... get all this done in an hour now. I, I knock on wood. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> all right. This is from Amy Bryson. Hi, Amy. I love to hear new names, by the way. We've had a few new names in this in these lists, and I, I'm okay, just happy. Okay, how about Sandra Trickleson? How about that? I just made no, I didn't name. mean make made up names. I mean real people that wrote into oh, us, people. Ian. Very good. All right. Uh, Amy says, hi, Ian and Dave. Hi. I've been listening to Sneaky Dragon for about two years now, ever since I found you via Full Marks. That was two years ago? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember what podcast... All time is wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> I can't remember what podcast I was listening to that recommended Full Marks, but it was my luck that I checked it out. After it was over, I found myself really missing you two, and so I ultimately became a regular listener. I never thought I'd enjoy my drive to work via two guys in Canada talking about dot, 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 whatever you guys talk about. Now that I've been working from home since March, I've had to find other ways to listen. Your recent three-ish hour podcasts have caused me to get a little behind. So I've got Same to... here. <laughs> so I've got to get more creative to be able to f- listen to the 450th the week it's released. Don't Good worry, luck. it'll be short. It'll be real short. It might take me a few weeks to finish it if it's if it's as long as you've been threatening it to be. I'm so no, sorry. It was very short. It was for it was a half an hour, it turned out. There is a question I've been curious to ask Dave for a while. How many cavities has Dave had? I've got a bit of a sweet tooth myself, and it seems both of you do too. But Dave's regular consumption of Slurpees and various other candies is way beyond my sugar threshold. So I'm just curious if he's got those rare genes that are impervious to cavities or what. Thanks for the podcast. I truly appreciate them. Well, Amy, I have to sadly say that as a child, I did get cavities. And I'll, I'll also say that I didn't my parents were very strict about my sugar intake as a kid. Like, I did not get much in the way of candies or Slurpees and things like that. In fact, my first Slurpee I got by sneaking away. I, I pretended that I wanted to go to a ball game my brother was playing. Ha! As if I want to go see my brother play baseball? What the heck? <laughs> my mom fell for this ruse. So I went with my mom to this baseball game. But the only reason I went was because we would be close to the only 7-Eleven in Coquitlam. And so during the game... I snuck off. I took my money I'd earned from delivering flyers. Oh, that was hard-earned money, believe me. I went up the road, and I bought a, a Slurpee at 7-Eleven. And this was in the days when you had to buy, like, a famous monster cup. You couldn't just get, like, a regular Slurpee plastic cup or whatever. No, you had to get, like, a cup that had an image of the, a monster, the Wolfman or Frankenstein or whatever. And so the shop guy, you know, he didn't, he didn't even ask me. He just randomly grabbed a... This is when they filled it for you. He filled it... And he gave it to me, and I paid him, and I drank it, and it was pure heaven. Oh, my God, it was so good. And then when I finished it, I had to throw away the glass. My mom didn't know that I had a Slurpee. So what I'm saying is I was I didn't have that much sugar, but I did have cavities as a kid. I probably in my life had about seven cavities. I don't know if that's a lot or, or not very much. As an adult, though, I've, n- I've not had any any cavities at all. Um, it's probably genetic. Um, Lisa... 
has never had a cavity. She had one cavity in all the time I've known her. And I actually think that she got that cavity as a fake out from a dentist that he didn't, she didn't have a, actually have a cavity. This dentist just had, just had like his Porsche payments were due or whatever. So he needed to do a cavity because she from babyhood on, like even as a baby teeth, no cavities, no cavities as a, as a young girl, no cavities in her teens. And my wife likes chocolate and she ate a lot of chocolate growing up and, and even when we were together, she's never had a cavity besides this one fake cavity. So, yeah, um, it doesn't seem to affect me very much. I don't suffer sugar rushes or sugar crashes. It doesn't really affect me that much, no matter what I, no matter how much I have. So there. Cool. That's the answer. There we are. Ian, have uh, you had a lot of cavities? Yep. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, I didn't have them for a long, long time, and then... Uh, that I had a couple mm. and uh, yeah. And I got them filled with this stuff that doesn't look like the stuff and it's nice and they're white and it's all good. Mm. I mm. really got to go to the dentist now though. I got like a swollen gum thing going on that I got to take care of. Uh, yeah. Ah, annoying. Annoying. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for the podcast. I truly appreciate them. Well, we appreciate you, Amy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And uh, over today for Chris Roberts. No, no, I just did Amy. You get to do Chris Roberts. I get to do Chris Roberts with uh, things. It's This is going real long. Hi, Ian and David. David and Ian, and congratulations on reaching episode 450. I'm so impressed by how the two of you produce such a great show every week and have been doing so since September, December 2011. The funny thing would be if we'd been doing it for a year earlier. That would have been great. Um, when you were a mere boy and beardless youth. Ha-ha. It's true. Uh, other podcasts come and go for, for me. Sneaky Dragon is forever. Thanks, Chris. That means a lot. Yes, it does. Uh, as well as both of you being incredibly funny and quick-witted, I love the respect you have for one another, the way you listen and support each other when the subject turns serious and deep, and your empathy for other people. We need more empathy in this world, and if you disagree, you're a stupid jerk. Right on. <laughs> so true. Yeah, the true, hell with those people that words. aren't empathetic. I hope they die. <laughs> true words have never been spoken in anger. Number one question. So, first question has to be, what makes you do it? What does Sneaky Dragon give to you both uh, to make you want to put in the work to engage, delight, and um, inspire uh, sneakers every week? Uh, an object uh, in movement tends to stay in movement. That's basically <laughs> it. Doing it so we keep doing it. What started me, Dave asked me. I said yes. That's why it started, because Dave asked me, and I said yes. Really, for no reason, I said yes. I said yes because... Hey, it sounds like something he wants to do. I'll do it. Sure, let's try this out. I keep doing it. We keep doing it. I keep doing it. We're doing it more. We've done more of them. We keep doing it. That's me. Dave? Um, well, I, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, that's part of why it started. But I think I think if in the first year, if we hadn't got, um, you know, there was a while when we started the show where we got no feedback. There was no reaction to anything that we did. And that's kind of disheartening after a while. And then... You were on Caustic Soda, and that brought a, a lot of attention. We had like uh, this one episode that had like fifteen hundred listens, and then it went back down to normal for the, for us at that time. And but some of the people that came from there stuck with us and have been with us ever since then. There's a few I would name them, but I don't want to embarrass people. But you know, I still think I, you know, I honestly, I really like our listeners. Like I, I really like them. I don't want to say I love you because I don't know you, but I. I, I like I like all of you a lot and I love you in a way you know like I just I love the the communication like I love the contact that we have within this show like when you write to us comments when you send us things when Chris who wrote these wrote this these questions when he writes songs for us when you when Chris writes in comments the listening party for instance I love 
I love that kind of feeling of, of connectedness to the people, to our listeners. And I think if we hadn't had that ever, we wouldn't be here at 450 now. For me, it's it's the relationship between the back and forth we've had with, with the sneakers over, over time. And I love that there's people writing to us, writing questions to us that have been listening to the show since episode 30 or even earlier than that, you know? That's just wonderful. So you've heard it. It's your fault. <laughs> Number two, have the two of you ever sung as a duo outside uh, Sneaky Dragon? Or would you consider doing so? I always enjoy those spontaneous moments when you sing together on the show. Your voices blend very nicely. As we've mentioned, we did start off in choir together. Yes, we did sing And choir. I'm not sure when we were doing sketches if we ever sang together in a sketch or not. We did, a couple, we did a couple little songs. Um, you had a monkey, monkey Tree uh, song, but that was a solo, I think. We yeah. we did more um, interstitial kind of things as, as song bits and some of the stage things that we did, but but yeah, no, we've never really sang seriously together. I don't. I think both of us. I don't think. I think both of us. Would, if we're singing together, we sing in a kind of ironic way rather than a sincere way. It was nice. You know, one of the things I enjoyed the most was when we were with David M. and uh, and he somehow uh, hoodwinked us <laughs> into doing um, uh, the whatever the Christmas song of the Chipmunks. Okay, yeah. And it was yeah, like it was like, true. oh, this is not bad. Yeah. This is not yeah. bad. I was singing in chipmunks' voices and I was like, hmm, it's all right. It's yeah, all right. Was, that was fun. And, and it was fun because we were also in the uh, old offices, so you knew people outside were hearing, you know, <laughs> I wanna Like what the hell is this? I want a hula hoop. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's fun to <laughs> sing and we will spontaneously sing. And uh, you can't make us sing uh, by telling us to, unless you do, and then give us a song and we'll sing it together. <laughs> um, what was the first comic book you remember reading or owning, and what memories are associated with it? Like, where were you? Uh, who were you with? What was it that captured your imagination? First one I bought was a was a Mickey Mouse comic book. Uh, there was a reprint, it turned out, I found out later on, about a, um, a painting called The Moaning Lisa. And The Moaning <laughs> Lisa painting... Uh, made Goofy cry. And uh, someone stole the Moaning Lisa and replaced it with a fake. And you knew it was a fake because it did not make Goofy cry. But the comic that hooked me was a spectacular, Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man that had um, uh, Medusa on the cover. Uh, she is, uh, if you ever saw the Inhumans TV series, oh, I'm so sorry if you did. Uh, she's uh, tearing up a roller coaster and Spider-Man's trying to save it. Went, That's pretty great. Next comic I bought, like I, the next day, was an Avengers comic with Guardians of the Galaxy in it. Uh, infinite characters, couldn't believe them, uh, how, how amazing it was. Uh, uh, Captain America punches Iron Man. What the hell? Uh, which you would later see in Civil War. Uh, and uh, I was hooked and hooked and, uh, into comics ever since. Wow. Dave? Wow, that's, that's difficult uh, for me to answer that. Actually, my first... I never... I didn't read comic books... At a young age, I I read uh, Peanuts cartoons. I had Peanuts books. Those were my my books. Like that, that's you know. But I was drawing cartoons before before I could write. Like I drew pantomime cartoons that starred a character that I called Charlie Chan. I guess because I'd heard that there was a detective called Charlie Chan, and so I drew Charlie Chan mystery cartoons on the dividers that came in in a breakfast cereal called muffets when i was a kid they were like little hockey puck shaped discs of wheat and they were in in the old days before they put them in plastic bags that they have now they would just separate them from each other with these little cardboard dividers and then for whatever reason i loved to draw on these as a kid and i would make them into little uh newspaper sized 
strips and then I would draw Charlie Chan strips in them. But I didn't write words in because I couldn't write yet, but I could draw. Uh, so I, I think I was like ready to for cartoons or comics like at a very early age. I remember a girl named Teresa Gomez who, looking back on it now, with a more mature gaze, uh, had a crush on me in elementary school. And she gave me a huge stack of comics that she had owned and had read. And they were like everything, you know, they were the kind of terrible Bugs Bunny ones and all, and Tom and Jerry, all those kind of like kind of crummy gold key comics and stuff like that. And to be honest, I didn't really like them very much. I read through them, but there's nothing in there that like made me, made my heart sore. It wasn't until I discovered Archie and Richie Rich as a kid and then Mad Magazine that really like kind of made me like interested in, in a, in a, outside of like reading because i read bc and i read read i had bc paperbacks and i had charlie brown paperbacks and stuff like that but comics were different in fact i never liked superhero comics growing up as a kid it wasn't until i met ian that i really started reading superhero comics i tried to read a spider-man spider-man versus the molten man when i was a, a kid i got a i picked up a comic just because i it, i thought spider-man that sounds great and then i got this comic and it was like dark and everything was black looking and it just looked really unappealing to me i liked like the open brightness of richie rich and archie and stuff and uh and so i didn't i never like looked at um superhero comics from that time on until until like i said i met ian and then i he would be like oh have you read this here take this giant grocery bag home of comics to read and i did and i did read them and i did quite enjoy them in that at that time cool sorry for typing that's okay something up okay that's fine all right, uh, moving on because we're doing this all in an hour. Um, <laughs> Question four: For uh, what was the first record, single, or album that you bought with your own money, and does that choice still reflect your musical taste today? I think it may have been uh, "Pipes of Peace" by uh, Paul McCartney. May have been. And are you still interested in "Pipes of Peace"? Do you still smoke a pipe? That's what I'm asking you. No, no, it was it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I liked uh, I, I liked buying uh, albums of musicals. After that kind okay. of like to yeah. that kind of stuff, and and one of the best albums I ever got was bought by a friend of mine, uh, Gina, who were in a record store together, and she bought me the Spinal Tap album. Oh, very and nice! That blew my mind. It was just like so good. Yep. Very cool. Um, well, I didn't. Okay, my first my first record that I bought, I actually bought a record before. I think before I bought a single, and I bought two at the same time because it was a two for you. If you bought two records, you could get two for eleven dollars. This was at a at a local record store in, in Delta, North Delta. Not at Scottsdale, not Alley Cat Records at Scottsdale. This one was at Kennedy Heights Mall. I can't remember what it was called. But um, it was, I bought Devo, the album that had um, Whip It on it. And then I bought Led Zeppelin Four. I bought both of those albums at the same time. So that I would say that I still kind of encompass that very broad, <laughs> very broad taste in music right there. The first single I ever bought was um, The Police Don't Stand Too Close to Me, or So Close to Me. I still have nice. that single in my collection. Uh, what? Uh, not that I want to add to your workload, but is there another side cast in the offing? Buster Keaton, maybe. Mm, I would love to do that, but I don't know if Ian, or Ian would like to do that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. That's. Well, uh, I'll put it in the old noodle. That's a what lot of. The... That's a lot of work, actually. Like, there's a lot of shorts to go through, and then then the then the features. And I don't. I kind of feel like watching Buster Keaton well watching any silent film com- I feel I feel that it's not great to watch it by yourself it's better with people yeah like it's also weird to describe comedy 
It's yeah. tough to describe in comedy. Yeah. Like you can sort of with verbal jokes a little bit, but like this was funny. That was funny. Here is this. Yeah. And then he does this like in the describing of it. I don't know if it would get across the humor. Uh, and I don't know if that's fair mm-hmm. uh, to the, to the film. So I'm not sure. I wonder I'll if it's something, I mean, about it. maybe for fans planners, we could try, try one that and feels, see what it's like. Yeah, That feels to me like it's more of a visual podcast. That's like a video podcast. Yeah. 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 And we show a clip and talk about it, show a clip, talk about it. Sure. Yeah, um, so yeah. if we ever get comfortable with our faces, we may do that. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, when was the last time you laughed uncontrollably and what was the trigger? That was yesterday. I was driving with uh, my wife and my sister-in-law yeah. and anytime we did something stupid, like for some reason we ended up uh, passing this Lutheran church and, and my, my, my wife mentioned that uh, her family were Lutherans and I went, I never knew that or there was a Lutheran background. So um, we did something, I think, with the car that was like a little bit of a dumb thing. I don't remember what it was, but I just leaned out the window and went, it's okay. We're Lutherans. And so through the through the rest of the trip, anytime anything happened, I would I would lean out the window and just go, <laughs> "It's okay, we're Lutherans," <laughs> and that would cause the car to uh, to laugh quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny, but it was. To... First uh, first church to have women priests. Hooray! Uh, the well at home here, I can't remember what it was about. It was la- uh, last night. The four of us reading at the table, and we start. We started on something, and we're all laughing so hard. And Eve is a wonderful laugh so hard because she's one of those people. I'm a little bit this way, but she's totally this way. When she gets really laughing, she goes totally silent. But she's just obviously still laughing her head off, but she just makes no noise at all. It's a wonderful thing to get her to that state. But listeners will know when I last laughed uncontrollably because it was last episode at the beginning of the episode when I accidentally stepped all over Ian at the opening of the show, and then he was. <laughs> He was giving me giving me what for. I was <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was I was completely silent because I I didn't want to interrupt you. But I was I was just I was this laugh. I couldn't stop. I couldn't talk. I was laughing so hard at your I, at your does, outrage reaction to it. It was so good. It doesn't sound classic. like me. I'm a very calm person. <laughs> was, I disagree with what you're saying. Thanks again for all moment. the hours of sneaky pleasure, guys, and a big hello to all the fantastic guests. To make up the Waters Dragon family. Others have said it before, but the show is like catching up with your sharpest, funniest, most humane friends. And that's truly something to treasure. I hope there's lots more uh, still to come. Thank you so much. That's very nice. All right. Yes, there are. All right. Next one. This is a very simple one. This is from Dale. I'm going to say Blindheim. Sorry, Dale, if I mispronounced that. Dale says, happy 450th. And he has a very simple question for us. He says, what are your favorite Bruce Coburn stories, album songs. All right. Here's my favorite Bruce Coburn story. Sure. There was a girl that I wanted to impress once. So I said to her, hey, I ran into Bruce Coburn today. <laughs> like, what? He was just on the street. And I'm like, are you Bruce Coburn? And like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's really nice to meet you. And I just used that as an icebreaker to get to know this girl. Yeah. That's it. That's my favorite Bruce Coburn story. And where did you meet him? I didn't. I was just making shit up. You were lying to her? I was just completely making shit up, yeah. And I thought, like, <laughs> this is such a weird, small... And she wasn't even a big Bruce Coburn fan. It was just like, well, this is the kind of thing that was is a semi-interesting story. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't make it up. It makes no sense to make it up. So I'm going to make it up. And so I made that up. And I didn't say, like, we got along or hung out. It was just like, I said, are you Bruce Coburn? Went, yeah, I am. Okay, that, the end. Believable story. Wasn't true. The end. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, Bruce, Bruce Coburn. You know, I don't really, I mean, I guess my only story about Bruce Coburn is for about 10 years. I thought his name was Bruce Cockburn. And then I discovered that you, it's uh, 
Scottish name that you pronounce in, uh, with as Coburn, or a British name that you pronounce as Coburn, because British people like to leave leave out letters like like Lester and uh, and whatever else. Chamondale isn't Chamondale; it's Chumley. Did you know that? Yeah, I did not know that. There you go. Now you know. Uh, second second story, real quick, is I did a play with a guy who uh, hated the bare naked ladies so <laughs> much because they remade. Lovers in a Dangerous Time, and they butchered it. They just butchered it. Oh, it's uh, it's, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. Like, Who cares? It doesn't <laughs> matter at all. But he would go on about it like at the drop of a hat anytime someone brought up bare naked ladies, and I was like, oh, they just butchered it. Butchered it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I um, I have one of his records, his album from 1970, and that that's it for me. And I, I I like it fine. I think it's quite good. But I'm more of a Gordon Lightfoot guy. Me too. All right. Uh, Ed, I'm, just gonna ask, answer, I'm just going to ask you a little quick question, Ian. Please. Are you okay continuing, continuing to read? Or would you like me to read for a while and give your voice a rest? Or are you okay? No, I'll go. I'll okay. do the back and forth. So I'll read. Sure, Ed's sure. That's fine. Thing. That's fine. Um, Edward uh, Dragansky or Ed Dragansky writes, I've been compiling these for a while now. So time to send them in. Very good. There's so much to talk about. Number one. So much to talk about popular music on Sneaky Dragon, even more on Listening Party. But do either of you have a favorite film score? Like a a favorite film score? Uh, Yeah, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I've got like both the score and the album, and I listen to that quite regularly. Dave? I am not really a soundtrack guy, to be honest with you. I don't... um, I, I mean, I like them fine, and there's soundtracks that I think are very good, but I don't think there's too many soundtracks that i can think of the sitting here that i would uh i guess one from the heart the francis Ford coppola film with okay. uh, tom waits uh, soundtrack for that film i think is very good number two i've been into film score music for 40 years by the way my voice is going to break up now forever that's why i was asking uh, if you doesn't matter to... <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> okay talking responding or saying the words doesn't matter um <laughs> again we gotta get this done in under an hour uh 40 plus years uh i've been uh into film score music i'd like to get your take on which scores make their films better uh, I would say um, one that comes to mind is Elfman's stuff on Tim Burton movies. So much of it like uh, blends into the feel and the look of the of the film that I'd say that's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, Day. Oh, and also uh, uh, Sergio Leone. Uh, yeah. The, the music. Yeah, that, for that's sure. who I was going to go with. Uh, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, those movies are definitely improved by the wonderful score by by Ennio Morricone. I think. Uh, that's this brilliant, brilliant scoring. I guess also um, a, a movie like Psycho, uh, mm. Bernard Herrmann's, I think that's his name, right? Bernard Herrmann? Um, his, um, you know, this the staccato string element, uh, you know, and all, I guess I think he also did the music for the birds and that also works incredibly well, you know, where it's just, it's improving on what's already there. I mean, the the shower sequence in Psycho, the the string section to that and the visuals are like inextricably linked in people's minds. They're the same thing. There's yeah. you know, no one thinks of that without those two together, you know, and no, that's and really do you, impressive. Do you have a favorite film score composer? Well, uh, whoever did, uh, the Sergio, uh, Leone films, who did that? Uh, Ennio Morricone. Yeah. yeah. Boom. That would be mine. How yeah, you? me too. I think he's very good. I think he's, uh, yep. Quite good. And a modern one. I really like, um, Colin Stetson and I like, the guy who did the um the soundtrack, I'm just gonna look him up because I can't remember his name. Um, for the that uh, film, the Under the Skin. Okay. Um, the one with Scarlett Johansson. Yep. I thought that was very uh 
Good. I'm just going to look up his name while we're talking. Please do. And his name is... Oh, Mikachu is the person who did the music for that film. And then there's a Canadian composer who I really like a lot. And there was a British show that came out a few years ago. I think it was called Utopia. Do you remember that one? No, sorry. Yeah, that's... And let me just look up and see if I can find... And I think this Canadian person did the music for that film. It was one where there was like some sort of um, manuscript that predicts what was going to happen. And, and there's all these people that are like getting killed and, and uh, over it. And a couple, the characters are trying to like uh, run away and, and save themselves from it all. And Okay. And I thought it was pretty uh, it was a pretty interesting show. Uh, of course, it was a British science fiction show, so it was really black and 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 gloomy. And the composer was uh, Cristobal Tapia de Ver, who I believe is a Canadian composer, uh, Chilean-born Canadian film and television. Yeah, he's done Utopia, which is really good. And then uh, what else has he done? Career, movies, and TV scoring. Let me see if I can find one here that people would know. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. No, I can't find any. Sorry. That's all right. Oh, he did the music for Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and I thought that was really good uh, uh, soundtrack for that show. And now he's working on Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, so he's done some stuff on that as well. And he's done some Black Mirror ones. He does a re- he's a really kind of spooky guy. Uh, he, his music is very... It's almost like found sound that he incorporates in, into, the, into the music. It's, it's quite good. I really, really like it. Okay, anyway. There you uh, go. I can yeah, I can easily say that the final issue of Superman, followed by Action Comics back in 1986, titled "Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow," is the best comic story I've ever read. Very good comic story, uh, at least for DC. It was the final installment of Superman before John Byrne took over. If you had to pick a favorite comic story that was so great that it uh, stuck in your mind, uh, what would it be? Uh, for me, Why I Hate Saturn by. Um, Kyle, Joe, what, who's, who am Kyle, I thinking? Kyle Baker. Kyle Baker. Uh, that was uh, that was one of my favorites that I just kept coming back to wow. uh, over wow. and over again. Um, who wrote What Happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Uh, that was Alan Moore. Oh, that was a really good story. You're right. And it was Kurt Swan doing the art. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one that's uh, stuck in my mind for a long time. I really like that one. I would choose um, Tintin's uh, The uh, uh, Casafiore Emerald. I think it's. Isn't that what it's called, right? The Bijou de Castafiore. Sure. Let me look. I I only Thanks. have the, I only have the French ones in here. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure it's called the Castafiore Emerald, isn't it? Anyway, if it's not, I apologize for. Well, for it, you name should of... really listen to this podcast. I know. I, I I hosted one. I should know these things. But that's a that's a book that I love. I love the cover of it, which invites you in, and then I just love the story as well because it's just like it's not an adventure necessarily. It's just everything that points to it being an adventure or becoming a becoming some sort of big deal. It keeps getting quashed and i really like that element of it and uh it's funny you know it's got had getting stung in the nose by a bee and <laughs> and uh and then uh Cassifiore, you know moving into into marlin spike and taking it over and calculus's demonstration of the television that gives everyone seasickness and just there's so many good things and then it's sympathetic to to gypsies you know it doesn't make them villains it kind of sets them up to be stereotypical villains but then you know, turns the turns the the tail ta- the tail and and makes it a, a magpie as the villain, and which is you know, and then of course Castafiore is there to sing the thieving magpie, so it it has these sort of little kind of fun elements to it. It's a very fun story, and and it means a lot to me. Cool. 
All right. Uh, after a long, rewarding life, you've just died. What? Oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> as a gift in the afterlife, you're treated to a film that ends that tells your entire story. What song runs during the end credits? Um, I'm going to go with the theme song from The Avengers. I just think that would be a nice swelling thing that people would have a good laugh at <laughs> the playing, and I, I would enjoy that. You? Um, I'm just... I'm wondering if I wrote down this answer on another piece of paper because I thought I, I thought I answered this question. Just one second here. I never know what's going. I I, I mixed up all the pages so I reprinted it, <laughs> thinking I would keep it in better. Oh, here we go. Uh, only the good die young. There we go. Nice. I would follow it up with uh, once in a lifetime. Ah, um, nice, nice. What would you know, what would your end credits look like? I would like them to look like 1960s style, uh, where it was like cartoon characters running around and like assembling the credits oh, okay kind of yeah yeah that's that's good that kind of that kind of style sure yeah how about you uh woody ellen yeah and i'd like a blooper white. reel yeah black on white and yeah i said like a blooper reel yeah for sure because it would be extensive uh, extensive it'd be nothing but blooper reel frankly <laughs> all right you're invited to have dinner with either the marx brothers or the beatles but you can only choose one who would it be i'm going marx brothers how about yourself oh that's a hard one for me because i feel like even though i like i love them both I feel like I wouldn't have that much in common with the Marx Brothers besides liking their movies. Like our experiences in life would be so different from each other. Like I couldn't stand them smoking cigars while I was there. Like I would just that would just drive me insane. So you'd rather smoke pot? <sighs> well, like, um, I mean, I don't have to, but um... mm-hmm. they're gonna be smoking pot. <laughs> oh man, you've thrown a wrench into this. I just feel like the Beatles and I would have more cultural connection than i would to marx brothers people who are born in the you know 20 years before the 20th century started there you go um i, I would if okay if I, I would i would go be i would go beatles and i would but i have to be during revolver because i would want to i would want to visit their sessions very good who was more powerful genie from i dream of genie or samantha stevens from bewitched genie uh samantha stevens for sure okay why do you say that G- Jeannie had to go back in the bottle. Samantha Stevens was a full person, could do whatever she wanted to. But I feel like and, I feel like in like like legend, like the sto- the legendary stories. I feel like genies have unlimited power because they grant wishes. Yeah, whereas, yeah, whereas they, a witch they, is kind of has is limited to to what power they can muster. You know what I mean? Like, so you're you're limited as a person to how much strength you have. Whereas, whereas a genie is a is a infinite being, but an is, infinite uh, bound to the wishes of another person a genie can't grant their own wishes no that's true whereas a witch can do whatever she wants but so we're asking we're asking about powerful. their we're asking about their power and i'm just saying yeah think, and if you're are I you powerful if you can if you can uh do a lot of things but you can't choose what you do yeah. or are you powerful if you can choose what you do but you have less uh, ability than another person i think the person who gets to choose what they do is uh, always going to be more powerful well, I think that that genies have volition. I think that they could trick someone into, into freeing them, for instance. Perhaps, yeah. So I think that I don't think that they have no freedom. I do think that they are bound to their bottle. Also, Samantha got curse, to have but... sex. Yeah, Samantha had sex. You don't think genie had sex? No, she had. Uh, Samantha had sex uh, at least twice. She had two kids, <laughs> so she at least had sex twice with one of each of the Darrens. Um, and then genie, no, it would be strange if like you. If you had sex with somebody and then they went back to your bottle, yeah. well, that's a weird situation. Like if that's your, you know, kink, that's huh. swell. 
but uh, if if he's really saying that, then he's a monster, and mm-hmm. uh, their relationship is terrible. Because if you asked a genie if your wish was for the universe to end, the genie could do that. Whereas I don't think Samantha could could make the universe end. I don't know. I really I, I don't know what her limits are. I never saw any limits. I never saw a thing aside from she couldn't uh, change what another witch had done. Well, there you go. Do that. Well, I don't know if genie could either. I think both of them had uh, like uh, semi-evil twins. So okay. I don't know if, if they could uh, if they could do that or not. But. To be to be honest with you, I've probably seen only about three shows of each of each uh, one. So fair enough. I don't really I don't know like the whole like m- the mythic uh, structure of the show. I'm just thinking of like genies as the beings of of, of legend. You know, gotcha. And so witches is your... as, as beings of 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 su- you know supernatural legend. I hear you. What is your favorite superhero film? You can only name one. The Incredibles. All right, I go. Uh, I don't know if you count Scott Pilgrim. I mean, it's more of a video game one, but they do have superpowers. If I have to go with uh, superhero, here's the thing: he's more of a supervillain <laughs> until the end. Yeah, that's true. Which I like. It's a tale of redemption. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would go with uh, the Avengers movie. I think that uh, that flows very, very well, and it was a joy to watch. I really enjoyed watching it with you and uh, my wife. Uh, at uh, and uh, my sister-in-law at uh, the park theater. Yeah, really good, good memories. It was much better than I thought it would be. Mm. And uh, by the end of it, you're like, yeah, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was all right. Yeah, I just, I just love the catharsis of the of the last section of of Incredibles, where they're where it's where um I can't remember the kid's name now. The 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 little the fast boy and he's running on the water and he just laughs with pleasure that he can run on the water. That is the best scene, in the and that is such a great moment of the film. But you know, I just but but it kind of enca- it kind of encapsulates that whole moment of like of 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 birth for the family is, uh, t- it, you know, suddenly now we're superheroes and it's just like it's just a great moment of that film. I really enjoy it. Agreed. I saw The Beatles' Love by Cirque du Soleil at the Mirage Casino in Las Vegas a few years ago. It was one of the most astounding performances I've ever seen. Do you both have a performance you've seen, no matter how big or small, that stands out among the rest? Uh, performance, I think you saw this as well, which was uh, Noises Off at the Vancouver Playhouse, mm. which was one of the funniest plays I've ever seen. I didn't, I didn't think a play could be that funny. And uh, it was like, oh, this really sets me, sets me back. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and we also saw... Um, uh, Colin Mockery uh, in a play called I'll Be Back Before Midnight that we talked about when he was on the show. Mm-hmm. It was the first play I saw that went, oh, you can be scary in a play. Yeah. Holy shit. So both of those... You can do like shows. kind of magical sleight of hand, like uh, distract the audience and and yeah. have have things happen on stage without you seeing it. It's quite, it's quite, it was quite yes. well done. Yeah, that was very good. I'm going to go musically just because I'm a music man and uh, I'm going to say again, I've talked about this before. The beta band sing them at a small club in Vancouver called Richards on Richards, which it was on Richard Street, and it was called Richards. That's why it was called Richards on Richards. And it was just a small nightclub. And the week before, we'd been to see a band, Lisa and I. And when we were leaving, there were little little uh, handouts on tables that said, you know, next week the beta band. And I'd read about them in Mojo magazine, and I said to Lisa, "Well, we should come next week." So I got tickets, and we went. And it was one of the greatest live shows I've ever been to in my life. It was so good in every way. They had they throughout the entire show, the two-hour show. They had like like sh- uh, little short movies, homemade movies that they'd done, uh, p- playing behind them. And the whole show was it, this was great. They all they they pl- all played different instruments. They'd move around the stage. The final part of the show was three of them drumming, and and uh, and what you know with the bass player playing, and it was. Just so great. It was just so 
uh, you know, well, I guess cathartic is another word, but uh, maybe not cathartic, but just so so enlivening. You just felt so alive watching this group, and it was just a really fun show. And I'll I'll never forget it as long as I live. I just I just I've never seen as good a concert as that. Lovely. Do you have a favorite comic book artist? The one I'm married to, Pia Guerra. Yes. Back <laughs> to you, Dave. Uh, Nina Matsumoto. She is good. She would be probably my second favorite. I feel bad because it's like I get to work with these people that are amazing, like uh, like Nina Matsumoto, Pia yeah. Guerra, Giselle Legacy. I've worked with James Lloyd. I get to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, I'm I'm really really freaking blessed. It's a uh, it's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean um, Nina is really good, but also I really like her as a person. So that she's it's her favorite. And you know what? I've spent hours staring at her work, and I. And I only appreciate it more. I never get tired of it. So I know, and you do it through her window, which is a creepy fucking thing to do. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> she she wanted me to talk to you about that. Did she? Um, uh, if you could travel uh, uh, back to any um, event in history, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, I would like to go back in time. I would like to see Animal Crackers on stage. The Mark nice. Brothers. I would like to see Mark Brothers perform it in on stage live. I would just like to see them in doing like their show as it was at that time you know i would like to see my birth parents meeting oh what was that about what was the deal who were they okay that'd be interesting uh if you guys ever visited me in texas uh what food would you want me to introduce you to first i'm buying uh oh you're buying i'm coming down there yeah i would like some of that salsa from new york city that i've heard so much about (laughs) new york city um, what food would you like me to introduce you? Well, I, I mean, we're in Texas. We gotta do barbecue, don't we? You gotta, t- you gotta, you gotta school us in the world of barbecue. Okay. We're just a couple of rubes from Canada uh, who don't know our way around. I'm gonna, rib. I'm gonna go a little different than you because I'm, okay, I'm, you. I'm, I'm so so on barbecue. I think it's okay, but oh my stars! What I would be interested in is a little bit of Tex-Mex. Okay, that's what I, that's where I would be more, more, more interested. But I would still do barbecue because it's food. But, but I would rather like I, you know, I want some like really good like Tex-Mex food, but. But barbecue is also good. I don't really, don't really know what Texas barbecue is. Is it, is it dry like, or is it wet? Is it a, like is it a, uh, is it a rub or is it a, a sauce? Why we got, well, you tell us. You tell us. I don't know. Uh, and also, you know, I sometimes like that um, uh, to barbecue that's made by witches. That uh, Tex Hex. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, congratulations on making it to four fifty. Keep sneaking, and I'll keep listening. By the way, I tried listening to that fantastic forward Baxter building hot mess of a podcast Ian suggested, and I didn't make it 10 minutes. They just weren't you. Well, you know, they were very nice. Uh, they enjoyed their podcast, and then they gave a bad review to my comic. Uh, and so, fine. I'm fine with that. I'm totally 100% fine with that. That's all fine. Good stuff. Screw right. them. Back to you, Dave. All right. Thomas Kellaway writes, Thomas has been with us a long time, and I'm I'm so happy that he wrote, he wrote in because I was worried we're getting down to the last last little bits here. These are all people that kind of showed up at the last minute. And uh, so, Thomas, good to see you. Thank you for thank you for being here. He says, uh, hopefully, hopefully I've sent this to you in time. I have waited until the last minute because after 449 episodes, you have covered every topic or answered every question that came to mind. Number one, for Dave, what question would you send into the show? My question would be, what are you guys currently obsessed with? Mm, very good. Ian, uh, answer that my, question. My, what am I obsessed with? Uh, yeah. I'm obsessed with um, find. Okay, I'm obsessed with uh, how to make videos in my basement right now. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way of doing uh, videos in my basement yeah. that hopefully can capture the feeling of improv 
in a way that uh, works. And I'm and something that's doubly interesting to me right now is that the Muppets seem to be trying this, and that's going to be coming out shortly. And oh. I'm very curious to see what they do. Nice. So I'm kind of, I'm obsessed with different ways of doing improv, including video. Hopefully in my basement because it looks like we're trapped here for a little bit longer. How about you? What are you obsessed with? Uh, I talked about it a little earlier. I'm I'm super obsessed with these Dupuis and Integrals. I just can't get enough of them, and I wish I could buy oh, more. Boom, boom. I wish I could I wish I could win a million dollars so I could just buy a, buy a bunch of them. There okay. you go. All right, number two for Ian. Yes. What is your favorite question of the show so far? I liked both of them where it was like, uh, what is the relationship between Canada and America? Uh, Because I'm married to a woman who is um, a dual citizenship. And so many of my friends right now are Americans. And I'm so worried for them Mm -hmm. that uh, I just want to be able to communicate that we love you and we're worried about you. And we hope, come on, you can do it. You can even nail this one. You can win this one. Come on, come on, come on. And also just letting them know that they're not uh, alone. Nice. Nice. Yep. I'm now, I'm now Googling really quickly the, the answer to the next question. If I can. Uh, okay. uh, I don't know. go ahead. Well, it's for you to read. Oh, it's, Oh, it's for me to read. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matthew, uh, thank you, Kit Thomas. That was a tale from the Callaway. He's here for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> Matthew Sanborn Smith writes, what is your favorite Alan Moore comic and why you can count this as one question? My favorite Alan Moore comic is a spin-off of Top 10, and I am looking for Smacks. That's the name of it. Mm. Uh, it's basically a character who is a Smurf, but he's a big, uh, muscular <laughs> Uh, policeman who is actually a Smurf, and um, and he has to go back and kind of confront his Smurfy past. And he's a real tough guy in the top ten comic, and then he has to go back to kind of the Smurf village that he. And it's it's one of these things where it's just so packed with in jokes uh, that I, I just love it, and um, I rip it off as much as possible when I uh, when I do uh, a lot of comics, just with the density of it. Cool. How about you? Uh, well, I will. It's already been said, but I really like whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Yeah, very, I think that's very, a very. I, I remember reading that story and just it blowing me away. It just felt so so allegiant. It just seemed to understand everything about Superman in one story. You know, like it really. I mean, and I don't know what you thought of John Byrne's take on Superman, but it felt very superficial after mm-hmm. you read this Alan Moore story, which seemed like so so heartfelt and and seemed to understand the character so well. But yeah. But if I was going to say like a comic book series, I really enjoyed the first series of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I thought mm-hmm. that was very, very witty and very fun. I really enjoyed his sort of take off on, on all the different characters, and and I, I enjoyed the personalities and, and you know the the friction and all and they're working together and all the rest of it. I thought it was very good. Cool. Uh, what is the best cookie you've ever had? My mom's cookies. I still love them. I still love them so much. You know what? I'm going to give it to my mom as well with her shortbread cookies. Really. Nice. My favorite cookies, yeah. My mom makes great good shortbread, but what I like more is she make. My mom makes great raisin cookies, uh, and she just really like pile, Really, I really like warm spices, like cloves and allspice and stuff like that. And and they always have them in there. She has ones that are she got called hermits, which I liked a lot. And then she had other ones which are just like regular raisin cookies, I guess. And they're just fantastic. And a little while ago, Lisa made me some because uh, she doesn't like raisins, but she made me some some oatmeal raisin cookies and they were really good as well. Cause I love raisins and, and uh, I like them more than chocolate chip cookies, which I know sounds crazy, but uh, I do. And, and yeah, those were, those were all really good. 
Your side casts so far seem to be passions of Dave that Ian goes along with. Uh, Ian, what subject are you passionate enough about to pitch a sidecast for? And when will it air? Count this as one question also. Uh, I really, that's not my thing. I prefer to do, um, to talk with Dave about something that he's passionate about. And I just yip yap. But if, I, if, you, if my back's against the wall, I'm going to go peanuts. Oh, yeah. You'd like to I, do peanuts, I could, eh? I, could, I, could, I could go, if we went decade by decade, like if we went... You know, a decade. A kind of an time. overview, an overview of peanuts. Yeah, I, I could, I could uh, probably pull that one off. How many? Be, how many shows would that be? Like, like nine? That's no, a good. That's a very good six, question. Six shows. I mean, something like that. Yeah. So you know, it's something to uh, the changes that made things that uh, spun off of peanuts maybe later on. Uh, yeah, and that kind of thing. How about every? More, how about every five years? We'll, 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 uh, hmm. I don't know. That's a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> It's interesting, too, because I'm talking now, uh, I'm working on a project with someone who knew uh, Charles Schultz okay. uh, quite well. And so it's it's weird every so often she'll uh, say something and mention Sparky. And it'll just be like, <laughs> oh, this is adorable. And I'm remembering everything. I'm remembering everything you say right now. It's like my brain just immediately turned, oh, like becomes flypaper. And just like everything sticks. Query. Do yes. You, do you think if we did a Peanuts podcast, this person would come on and talk about? It? I can't speak for them. Uh, I don't know. I'm just asking uh, you to guess. Okay. Uh, sure. All right. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> happy 450th. May the Sneaky Dragon last another 4.5 episodes at least. Uh, that was not a typo. Understood. Oh, thanks a lot. No, dear. <laughs> We're getting to the end, buddy. Let's go. Come on. All right. I still got half a voice in me. Here we I go. I haven't eaten for many hours. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't think I have a bladder anymore. Let's keep going. Let's do it. Let's get to the end. Uh, this is Sarah Walsh. Uh, Sarah, she's great. I love Sarah Walsh. Let's yes. keep going. She says 450 questions. Not no. actually 450 of them. Only three. Oh, Sarah, it just made me so scared. <laughs> One. How are all your critters doing? We hear about the chickens all the time, which is great, but I would love some feline canine updates as well, or any other species I might have missed. Okay, well, my cat, uh, Cohen, otherwise known as uh, Coco, uh, we had um, a tumor removed that uh, turned out to be okay. Uh, but in, in, in doing so, we found out that he has kidney disease, and he's got stage 2 kidney disease, um, which was, you know, you don't want to hear any of that. And my cat, August, uh, had that, and that's what, you know, um, she passed away from. So we have memories of doing the um, the fluids under the skin with the needle and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So immediately popped into mind uh but stage two uh basically means it could still be you know just the same length life as any it was weird actually how the vet put it uh she said you know but he could uh, keep going for you know another five six years until something else gets him and it was just like a weird, <laughs> a weird like until something else gets him like that's oh, not dear. How- that's not how you do it, doctor. <laughs> you don't come back and just like uh, come back. Well, we got the results. Uh, do I have cancer? Uh, no, no. Uh, all the cancer is gone. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's going to be something else that gets you. <laughs> that's not what you say. You just stop with the good news, Jen. Anyway, so yeah, he's got stage two. We've got. Uh, we're going to take him in shortly to, um, you know, get him get him checked out. He's uh, drinking a bit of water. 
uh, we got him a little fountain that he really likes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, when we're in the in the mornings, he likes to drink from the sink as well, just in the bathroom. Uh, so we're like, oh, maybe he's drinking a bit too much water. But who the heck knows? You just take it. You take it kind of one day at a time. We we when we adopted him, he was already um, like eight. So, you know, he's, he's an older cat, and we know what we're getting into. We love him like crazy. We hope for the best for him. We'll do whatever we can for him. Uh, but this is what comes along with it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but aside from that, he seems to be he, – he loves the, the house. He loves walking around the house. We take him out on a leash, and, you know, he's – I think he's happy. He's got all this space to run around. So, you know, in general, uh, he's doing uh, good. How about all of your animals? You've got many more than us. <laughs> well, um, so Archie, our thoroughbred, is fine. He's living on a. He's live. He was staying at a farm on Zero Avenue, right on the right on the border between Canada and America. But we got an offer from our the lady who where we keep him the, uh, to move him to another field. It would be it would be less there. The the drawback is that Lisa couldn't ride there, but he's. He had a he's a very clumsy uh, young horse, and so he had hurt himself trying to eat grass through the fence. Oh. So he must have had his head and neck through the fence, and then got uh, maybe another horse came up or he got spooked by something, and and he I guess he hurt himself trying to get out quickly, and so he was laid off with that, and so he's been at this place. It's a very nice field, and some other friends there, and he's been running around. He's been enjoying himself. He looks very good, but but soon he'll have to uh, get back into service. And then uh, Harris has, we had a bit of a scare. We thought he might have had um, founder or laminitis as it's called, which is when the, uh, it's called the coffin bone, which is the bone that's in the hoof itself. It, um, through some sort of um, illness, it, the uh, lamina detach and the bone sinks down in, in the, in the, in the hoof. And so we were kind of worried about that. It looks like it probably wasn't that, but it might have been just a bit of grass founder, as it's called, which because we've had so much rain this this spring and summer, the grass has been really hot, like really nutritious. And ponies who are use, you know, or who, who are from, you know, in, you know, as, as animals are from usually from places where uh, food is very scarce, they have very efficient um digestive systems and they can really extract the nutrients so if they're getting food that's really nutrient rich they can get too much and it and it kind of oh, it kind of overbalances their system and they can and sometimes get what's called grass founder yeah. so that's not good but he seems to be better now and so that's that's good, good. um boo our norwegian elk hound is um he's good but he's very old he's going to turn he's basically 14 years old now which is about the age that our last norwegian elk hound passed away misty so we're kind of looking at the last days of boo he's had okay. some he's had some issues with controlling his his bowels and stuff like that which is part of growing old for dogs unfortunately and so he has been spending some time downstairs where we have a linoleum floor where it's easier for us to clean up after him which is sad because he loves to be with us but he can't always be with us just because of the nature of his illness and albert is still albert a gigantic jerk who at the at a moment's notice will run away from us and go explore the neighborhood. Uh, likes to pull when you take him for a walk. Likes to whine to get fed. Likes to go whine to get a blanket put on him. Likes to whine for you to pet him. Likes to whine whatever. It just feels like whining. He whines. Um, and then, but otherwise he's great. And then and then Risa is also getting up there, like starting to notice her growing older as well. She can't hop the way she used to. She can't even really hop up into my lap anymore. 
So I have to kind of like lower my legs down because I, I don't like to pick up cats. I feel like cats don't really like to get picked up very much. So I'll like lower myself down so she can easily climb up into my lap and then I lift myself back up into the chair. And then, um, but she's still doing great. She's just like such a loving cat. She's the greatest. And then the chickens are still being sneaks and hiding their eggs. And so we're currently on the on the lookout for where the eggs are right now. So gosh darn chickens. But We should make that a contest on the show. <laughs> yes. So that's all the animals? Yes. Very good. Um, does right. depression... Hey, does, what are you doing? Was this you? Oh, my God. I can't remember anymore. <laughs> Go ahead. Does depression or anxiety ever get in the way of uh, your creativity? Affect your memory. Well, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And if so, what have you found that helps you continue working through it? Do you have an answer for this one? Um, I don't. Yeah, uh, depression and anxiety do affect my my working life. I do uh, suffer from it a lot, and it's very hard for me. I don't know why. I think part of it is how I was raised by parents who were very very particular about what was done around the house and that kind of created like an anxiety of like you know inadequate performance and so that's kind of not helped and then they weren't really super supportive of what my choices were as like of my life and so that also created a lot of, of anxiety and depression when I was younger I made it hard to like work and do those sort of things so I'm always like battling those what's helped me though is I don't know really what's helped me I mean part of it is both like doing this podcast where I've I've put myself in a situation where I would be letting Ian down to not do it. You know what I mean? Or coloring sparks where I would be letting Ian and Nina down if I didn't perform, you know, if I didn't get it done. Um, so those are things that have helped me, but I still have to battle through, through a lot of issues when I'm, when I'm doing stuff for sure. Ian. Yeah. For me, the, the things that I would normally do have all been taken away. It's like I would uh, I would write somewhere else, like go to the library or some other place, or you know I'd I'd exercise, go to the gym, or go for a long swim, yeah. or something like that. And this would all be stuff that would relieve the tension. Sure. And uh, all the stuff that I would do, or go for a very long walk and then just take a bus back, uh, all stuff I couldn't do. So uh, so it was all like, Ugh. yeah, it got uh, it got it got creepy how dark it kind of got. Um, but I think like the things that were helping me uh, were working with other people. So making collaborative things. So when I see like pages coming in from Nina or from Giselle or Pia, uh, it, uh, it really picks me up and I'm like, oh, I've got to do more. i got to do more because <laughs> like I'm part of a team, That's much like right. you're saying here. And yeah, yeah. of course, i got to do these podcasts like once or maybe twice a week. So it's like, OK, so I got that. And it, uh, you know, it kept some sort of sense of regularity during mm -hmm. the times of, uh, oh, my God. Uh, so so so, yeah. But, you know, the depression still comes. It's why I stopped doing the, the these daily drawings. I just like was was looking into the drawings and people were liking them. Yeah. Uh, but I was seeing things in them that other people were not seeing. And like there's at least one of them that's just me sitting at the back table, just like not able to draw because I'm just too sad. And I was like, I still got to do this drawing. And so I drew it. Um, and I can I can I can see stuff in the drawings that I'm like, mm -hmm, I should deal with this stuff. <laughs> but yeah. I probably should still be drawing. Maybe I'll get back to it at some point. I did enjoy doing them, but it was, uh, yeah. And it, but it wasn't a nice way to kind of reach out to people and, and have them uh, 
kind of go hey and i went hey and we all went hey yeah (laughs) i I did really enjoy them while you're doing them thank you i think i I think i like them all the time but uh, i was it was interesting my mother-in-law loved them and so she would always complain if the cat wasn't in them (laughs) where's the cat at or she'd just say something like oh you should really shave (laughs) <laughs> or like your shirt, your shirt's a bit messy. I'm like, well, I'm drawing it that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm trying to. Okay, I'm getting notes here, but that's adorable. That's okay, great. and uh, here we go. This um, this might actually oh, cover sorry. two faces. The next one when you wait, 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 wait. I just want to say one more thing, which uh, is um, one thing that depression. One sign I'm depressed because I often am depressed and I don't know it myself because I'm just going through it and not. You know what I mean? Like it's it's me so where i've gone i've gone there gradually it's usually not something that kind of comes on me like like you know like like a toothache or something it's just something that's gradually works its way into my life and then i know i'm feeling sad because i'll start to shop i'll start buying things and that's part of why i bought some i bought a bunch of french bandesine because i just start wanting to like have some stuff that to, that's new and interesting and that kind of elevates me a little bit you know so that's kind mm-hmm. of something that helps me a bit. It's probably not a healthy thing to like become a shopaholic because you're depressed. It's probably not good. But okay, number three. Um, will you wish my cat, Abby Luna, a happy birthday? She's six today. All okay, right. well, it looks so, like you get to hear us sing together. Yep, Here we go. We go. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy... Wait a second. No, sorry. Let's do this again. Happy birthday to Mew. Okay, 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 sorry. Okay, Are we, can we speed it up a little bit? It feels like we're going too slow. Nope. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I didn't get the mew at the end. Sorry, sorry. And many. <laughs> and many meow. Yep. Very good. Uh, now Sarah goes on to say, Now, if I really wanted to be annoying, I'd also ask each of you individually, one, what's your favorite song beginning with the letter A? All, all you need is love. All the young dudes, of course. Two, <laughs> what is your favorite song beginning with the letter B? Hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, that's when it's not so easy. Not so easy, is it? I should have. You know what I should have done is got my phone out and looked at B, B's in back my music. In, back, back in time, Huey Lewis from uh, from uh, from uh, back, to, back to the Future. Back maybe? to the Future. There you go. Back in time. <laughs> um. Oh man. Let me just say, there's something obvious, right? That I'm missing. Sure. How about? Oh, oh, the Beatles. B- Benny Lane. Okay. Number three. What is your favorite song beginning with the letter C? Canadian National Anthem, of course. <laughs> there you go. And so on. Then move into onto movies, then comics, then bands, yeah. then writers, until I had 450 questions. But I won't do that. Maybe for episode 550. Oh, to your Lord. She says, happy 450th. Thank you, Thank Sarah. You. Thank you so much. Nigel uh, Gregor E, maybe, uh, writes, <laughs> hello. Uh, before I get to the questions, I want to thank uh, say thanks for doing the show. There are weird times uh, we're in. It's uh, comforting to listen to you yammer about whatever crosses your mind, whether it be the pandemic, chickens, or ancient TV shows I've never seen. Us uh, either, probably. We're just making it up. <laughs> yeah, thank, 
Okay, questions. They're a little random, but hopefully they'll spark something, in some interesting answers. What is your favorite? Uh, what are your favorite board games? My favorite board game as a kid was one called Gambler. I loved Gambler. Oh, I, I never liked, knew that one. I also like Sorry quite a bit, and I do like Othello. Yes, uh, I would put Othello in there. I liked Stratego when I was a kid, and I also liked to play backgammon growing up and my brothers and I invented our own version of backgammon. I can't remember the rules anymore, but we had our own kind of backgammon game that we played. And then um I also is Connect Four where that can be considered a board game? Absolutely. I was also a big Connect Four fan. I hated Monopoly. I and I did enjoy Battleships. I also really enjoyed Clue. Very good. Uh do you have a system for organizing travel memorabilia? Stuff like maps, brochures, tickets whatever little things you bring back as souvenirs. Well, we write things off for tax purposes. So things get sorted as far as that goes. And then from, and the stuff then that, so a lot of the things like tickets or like seeing shows when we're there or meals, uh, those all get put into uh, a kind of our tax file anyway. But if there's other things like art or whatever we pick up along the way, uh, then I'd let Pia deal with that because she's better at that than I am. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I do not collect memorabilia from traveling. I like pictures, but I don't like pictures of things. I like pictures of people in front of things. Nice. What's a positive change you think might come out of the pandemic? I'm hoping for more bike lanes and remote work and more public space in general. Yeah, the thing that people realizing you can work remotely and you don't have to go in for every meeting is interesting. We're all going to be able to know how to work Skype and uh, you know Zoom and all these things. So yeah, that's a that's a good side of things. The biggest thing I think that's been positive is uh, all the pieces of shit that have been uh, outed uh, in in like <laughs> comics industry, in comedy industry, yeah. in wrestling, uh, like everywhere. It's just great. It's There's like there was assholes in wrestling. Oh my gosh, uh, heels, real heels, and not just <laughs> fake ones. Um, but it's been it's been nice seeing. Um, people being called out and people having enough time to uh, to to kind of like and uh, perspective, I guess, to like just to uh, you know deal with these folks. Like, there's been a lot of like in in my industries, uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's been gotten away with for too long, and it looks like hopefully, knock on wood, we we'll, we will be able to uh, fix some things. It won't be perfect, obviously, but some steps in the right direction seem to be being taken right now. So I would say that would be a positive step, hmm. and. Uh, and also, uh, Venice, it's, uh, the water's a little cleaner. It's not super clean. It's, it's a bullshit if you go like, that's eh, great. It's, it's not great, but it's better. Okay, go ahead. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I think like the remote stuff, and I think that's interesting. I, speaking for my wife, who's a school teacher, I would, I don't really, I don't really like that. I think it's too much work for teachers to have to run classes and do online sure. uh, work for students who, who aren't there. And, uh, and I mean, businesses are going to do what's cheaper, not necessarily what's better for people. So, you know, remote might seem good, but it's probably also not great because, you know, our work life and our business life are going to become more inter intermeshed and it's going to be harder for people to not work because we kind of become programmed to, to work, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes in unhealthy ways, and it's even more unhealthy if you're, you can't like leave work and and not be in your life. You have to, mm -hmm. it's, you have to bring it home with you, and it's always there. And so people are writing to you at ten o'clock at night, and they're expecting answers, and and that's that's can happen. And and you know, it's not fair, but you know, it starts to reflect on your performance because you didn't answer at ten o'clock at night. I wrote to you, where were you? You know, and stuff like that. So 
um, I think that's unfair, and I and I can easily see that happening. So I think there's some downsides to these things as well. What I would like is for people to realize how much they enjoy the company of other people, and and when it's safe again, that pe- we can go to malls and and go to shopping, go shopping and be around each other. And enjoy the experience of like being outside of ourselves and our houses and things, and not just sitting at looking at computers and at our phones and and be out in the world, you know. Go go bike riding and and go play sports. Go throw a frisbee in a field. Go have some fun out there. There you go. Yeah. What's your favorite vacation spot within BC? A uh, uh Nelson, BC. And then um, and also I love to go to. Um, my brother-in-law's cabin at Missoula Lake near Princeton. It's a real little paradise, and I love because I love to swim in lakes. Is is what it is, and uh, and and it's a beautiful lake to swim in because and it's, because it's so hard to get there. It doesn't have a lot of day trippers and stuff. It's basically the people who live in the community around the lake, and usually there's not that many people there, so it's it's uh, quite nice. It's always very nice to go swimming and do some tubing or whatever you want to do. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what were were you in town during the 2010 Olympics? If so, do you have any stories? Uh, we wa- I watched the uh, opening with my with my wife and my sister in law, and um, uh, there were four pillars that were supposed to rise up and touch each <laughs> other, and three pillars rose up. Yeah. And so we immediately r- uh, took the camera, ran out to go near the beach, and uh, shot a video. It was me and my wife, and it was like a first date we were on. And she asked, "What do you do for a living?" And I went like, "Oh, I'm. Uh, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm working on the Olympic opening show." I was like, "Oh, what do you do?" Uh, I uh, push up one of the pillars. I'm in charge of it, and really looking forward to it next week. She's like, "It's tonight." <laughs> I think I know <laughs> when, when the Olympics is. And she's like, "No, it's really tonight." And then just yelled, "Oh shit!" and ran off. And we put that up That's good. Yeah. Well, the the day of the opening ceremonies, I, if, if you remember, you're not a driver, so you maybe don't didn't you weren't like part of this conversation. But there was a lot of panic over traffic coming with with the Olympics. Like we were warned. You know, public transit all the way. Don't drive into Vancouver. It's going to be a madhouse. It's going to be insane. Just stay home, watch it on, or, or you know, blah, blah, blah. And so then the night of, and this is Lisa, not me, because I am I would have just been happy to stay at home. But Lisa's like, hey, we should go into town for the, the opening ceremony or just, you know, kind of beat it down there and see what's going on. I'm like, nah, okay. And so we drove in and I was fully expecting that we would like reach some point where it would just be like absolute madness and we would have to like pull over and like, you know, either walk or take a bus into, the, into, the, into, into Vancouver. So we're driving in, we're, we end up going down Hastings Street for whatever reason. We're driving on Hastings. It's absolutely empty of all traffic. There's wow. not a single car in sight. None. Lisa starts getting paranoid. She's like, I, I think we're on the parade route. I said, well, there's no signs or anything. She goes, no, no, I think we really are. I said, there's no signs. I'm, I'm not turning until I see something. And so we just kept going down Hastings Street. And I'm serious, not a single car, no buses, no cars, nothing. It's just a complete ghost town. It was like I was in an episode of The Avengers. And then we we get there, we turn, we drive along, we end up parking at the Hotel Vancouver. There's just tons of parking there. There's no one on the streets. We walked around at night on the streets in Vancouver literally no one anywhere we could just do whatever we wanted go anywhere we wanted it was just it was great it was fantastic it was like such a fun night 
we went a couple other times in and it was still okay. We would still like, because we were coming from so far, we, uh, we, it was hard for us to do like public transit. So I would just drive into town and, and park like right around the corner from like the Olympic sites where everything was happening. Everything was closed down. I would just park like a block away and we'd, we'd just walk over. It was great. I'm, I wish they would spread paranoia about driving into Vancouver more often. It was <laughs> Very good. And that's the end of that. And then I was also, uh, oh, I was in town for when the, uh, the Canadian hockey team won the game. And that was a wonderful moment because uh, the entire city and country erupted as one. And it was just like a magical moment. It was so, so quiet. So quiet. You, you were at a Doctor Who convention. Okay. Everyone, and and they, no one cared. Yeah, no and one it was, cared. It was, it was, we were the only people that cared. <laughs> and we're sitting in a, uh, in a bar surrounded by Herbalife and Doctor Who folks in costume <laughs> very surreal that's great that's great too but yeah we were here in town and it's just like went from like absolute nervous quiet as the, uh, near the end of the game and then there was like fantastic goal when um when uh we scored i'm trying to think of who got what because it was um man my <laughs> i okay, can't it's, it's so many hours into the night now it, or into the hour this show's only an hour of course so um but this has only been an hour? It's only been an hour that we've done this show. Wow. Yeah, it feels like longer. I but really, it's, it's I COVID. am losing track of time. It's COVID. It's just that quarantine time thing affecting us. But yeah, no, it was... Um, was... Go ahead. Uh, oh, man. It was just a couple of... Yeah, it was just one of those moments where it was like a new guy, a new young, fairly young player, kind of, you know, and then passing off to a player that was near the end of his career, uh, Eugene, uh, Eugene, uh, Jerome, Jerome McGinley. Got the pass from the Penguin player. Well, I can't remember his stupid name. Uh, Burgess Meredith. He does all those t- Tim Hortons ads and stuff like that. He's really well-known. And I can't believe I can't think of his name. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, uh, he's, he screamed for the... Oh, no, it was actually... Again, the pass it. Because uh, he, he passed it to the to the guy who scored. And, and uh, it was just one of those... It was just like a great goal. And, and it just put the game away. And it, the whole city just erupted as one into this giant... It's this cheer of of elation and happiness, and it was fantastic. It was so it was so great. It was fun because the last time that 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 Canada had won, which was at the uh, believe it, well, last time I remember them winning was at the Olympics in Utah, and I was working, so I just I could just listen to the game on the radio, and and I was just kind of by myself sitting in a in a booth at a parking lot listening to a hockey game, and and of course no one was around because everyone was was watching the game, so it was kind of interesting. It was kind of a, a ghost town feeling. Okay, next question. This one comes from the a listener, Ryan McNamee. Hey, Ryan. And Ryan says, hi, Dave and Ian. Hello. Congrats on reaching 450 episodes. Big fan of the show. I live in Squamish. And about a year ago, somebody cut the main gondola cable at the Sea to Sky Gondola, which is a major tourist destination for the town. It was at night, so luckily nobody was hurt. Or injured, but still a very pricey bit of vandalism. It's been up and running again for some time, but I was very curious as to how they replace the main cable. I get that a guide rope is used to pull the large steel cable through the system and towers, then it is spliced together to create a loop. But what I can't figure out is how they remove slack from the cable to make it tight. I guess there's a reason why there are only a handful of specialists that travel the world to install these cables. Thanks for your show. Well, thank you for uh, writing us here at Completely Cables. Now, I know every week we answer your questions about cables. How how are they threaded? Uh, where do they go? How do you get uh, energy through them, yeah. electricity? Sure. How does cable TV work? And 
That's true. And then many yeah. years ago, we changed the name of the show to Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. And I know a lot of you still call it uh, Completely Cable. <laughs> I understand. And I understand why you do that. And so it's yeah. rare that we get a question about cable uh, on this. But the answer is um, uh, leverage and taut. As, and so you need uh, double taut uh, with the leverage. And as you know, force equals acceleration uh, times mass over squares. Yeah. So um, as long as it's winter time and the metal has shrunk, uh, you can install it. And then in the summer, it will expand and uh, will fill all the remaining gaps. Now, don't try and do this in the autumn or you're going to lose an eye. Sure. Uh, Dave and I both know this. We've both been cable men for a very long time. Sure. Um, so, yeah, just in general, I'd say it's um, it's God's will. Dave? Uh, I am a cableman for the county. And I drive the main. Cable. Mew, <laughs> mew, uh, mew, mew, mew. Back to songs for cats. So mew, mew, mew. Here's, here's the thing about cables. <laughs> this, is, this is the actual, here's the actual story. Sure. So Ryan is right. They do use <laughs> they do use a rope to drag the cable through the towers and stuff like that. Right. That anyone can do that. The really the really small. skilled part of it is is the splicing. That can only there's only a few people in the world who who know how to splice that kind of cable together. And because it really is just a splice, it it's not like it's there's no like mechanical connection. It's just a like a four foot splice. But the way they do it, it's actually stronger there than it is at any other point in the cable. Um, but what I um, what I can, I'm only talking about this from the point of view of like um, like a ski hill ones because this is what I know from ski hills. How they tighten it is they don't actually like it's it's done by they move the actual towers the cable is attached to, so they spread them back. So when they do it, they are in one position, and when they get it all ready, then they they pull them back, and it pulls the table cable taut, and then they put the cars and stuff on it. But they don't want it super taut because it will snap more easily. So there's a little bit of give to it. So they don't have to get it like super super taut. But that's how they do it. They like mechanically move it back. Now for something as big as the Sea to Sky gondola, I don't know. I think they probably like have a mechanical you know thing that like moves the ta- like moves the tensioners back on in the in like whatever you want to call them the the, the stations where the, the cars drive, go through but yeah that was an amazingly horrible bit of vandalism someone did cut through the cable uh, on the sea to sky gondola in squamish and uh yeah just a disaster for a town that i mean even before covid hit here is a town that relied on this as part of their tourist attracting tourist dollars and then they didn't have it for a year so it is too bad anyway there you go everyone Cable. Yeah. We can answer any question you ask. You you say there you say there's dumb questions. We say there's no dumb question. We don't. So we, we yeah, it was just dumb guys answering questions. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we got one more uh, person left in yeah. this uh, thing, and then uh, yeah. I get to uh, pee. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yep. Mark Dobrovolsky. Um, that's how you pronounce your name, right, Mark? Sorry. And Mark. it's sort of a sing-song voice. Yep. Mark Hi, Dobrovolsky. I may be too late for your 450th show Q&A segment. Well, you're one day late. We started it yesterday. <laughs> that is technically true. But procrastination is a way of life for me. No matter uh, if you can't uh, use these now, maybe in a future show, you guys are creative. You'll figure something out. Oh, so you're saying it's our problem. Yeah, Mark, right. Don't throw nice. it in our lap, Mark. All right. Questions for both of you. Yeah. Uh, did either of you watch the reruns? 
of a 1920s and 40s series by the names of Little Rascals or Our Gang Comedies. Not technically reruns, they were old movies, but okay. Uh, And if so, what was your reaction uh, to them? Uh, I saw them when I was a kid. They ran um, alongside cartoons. Yeah. And yeah. kind of those things where you'd have a guy who's like a leprechaun or something, and he'd show you a cartoon, they'd show you an R gang, and then run them. I thought they were uh, I thought they were fairly funny. At the time, Froggy disturbed me with his voice. With his, <laughs> I all do it. Yeah. I'm like, Froggy's not right. Froggy's got to get checked out. I don't think, I don't think a, a, he should sound like that. Yeah. Um, There's two different ones. So there was the ones with Froggy. Yeah. And a couple other characters. That I didn't like those ones. I preferred the ones with Spanky, Alfalfa, Darla, um, uh, Buckwheat, Buck- and stuff like that. I, I enjoyed... Stimey. What's that, sorry? Stymie. Stymie, yeah. I enjoyed those ones more. I, I thought they were more fun. I, I liked their kind of riff on the fact that Alfalfa thought he was a great lover and a great singer when he could do neither. Yeah. I, I, liked, uh, I liked Alfalfa's sort of manly, like childish manliness, you know? Like he, was, he had that kind of... And I liked how creative it was. I remember when there was like they had a detective agency, but they had like a giant eyeball that blinked on the door. Mm-hmm. I just liked stuff like that about it. That really attracted me as a kid. I remember them not being introduced by someone um, here in here in Lermanland. We had KVOS, which was a an American station that was started in America by Canadians who wanted to start a, a station in Canada but couldn't get a license, so they they just went down to the states and started the station there. Uh-huh. So they they had advertising from both. Bellingham across the border and from Vancouver uh, so they you know they could kind of d- double dip and uh, they would they would play it as a half hour package show that would w- they would play uh, in the afternoons like after after Funorama or whatever they would these were on and I just some of them I just thought were great there was one where I think Alfalfa had to do um, the Charge of the Late Brigade with and he had some firecrackers in his back pocket, which someone cleverly lit. So while he was talking, his back pocket was exploding. You know, there was cannons to the left of them, <coughs> cannons to the right of me, <coughs> you know, and stuff like that. You know, I just thought that was great as a kid. They just seemed to have a lot of fun, truant officers and all these sort of very mysterious things that once existed that exist no longer. And it was just a fun kind of mysterious world, but. But it worked really well, I thought. I also really like Robert Klein's bit about the Little Rascals. Little Rascals. Oh, okay. I don't know it, but oh, I'd like know to it? check it's, it out. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, it just, he's kind of more referencing the music, you know? It's just kind of like... What do you want to do today? I don't know. It's like that, you know, it's just kind of fun. Well, it doesn't cost any money to have you sit around. <laughs> Here's one thing that, you, that used to bug me about it yeah. was, uh, you know, clearly almost all of them have nicknames. Yes. So it's like, you know, Spanky and what have you, Froggy. You, know what, you, do, you never know their real identities. Like they won't share their real names with each other <laughs> for fear of identity fraud. Yeah, yeah. But it just was interesting to me that you had both Buckwheat and Alfalfa and I'm like, why? Why you both have such similar names? Why were you both named after like wheat? <laughs> like that's strange. Well, I think one uh, was replacing the other. Oh no, oh, Alfalfa that... was. Oh, sorry, Alfalfa was. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Spanky. I kind of get. All yeah. right, you name a kid Spanky and Spanks a lot. And like, but you name a kid Alfalfa. Why? And then why you name another kid Buckwheat? Like, why are we naming kids after wheat? Is there another <laughs> kid named Bran shows up and then he yeah, names yeah. a king at the end? <laughs> Okay. What was the earliest cartoon show that either of you can remember seeing on the telly? Uh, for me, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, I guess Bugs Bunny. I, I, I would I, maybe I would say um, it wasn't a cartoon show, but 
the animated sequences in Sesame Street were probably my first exposure sure. to animation. But yeah, Bugs Bunny for, for sure. Okay. Uh, question for Ian. Did you ever read the book Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story by Chris uh, Nashaway, uh, Nasha uh, Wavy? It's kind of a mini uh, history of comedy coupled with Caddyshack backstory. Do you want a copy of it free? Uh, this sounds like a trap. Uh, but uh, <laughs> okay, Yes, he the does. Answer, the answer to your first part of the question, no, I haven't. Second, to, second part of your question, sure. Uh, Dave will give you an address, or you can see our address uh, on our website. Under where? Where's our snail mail address? Uh, if you go on the website, there's a contact us page, and it has all, yeah. all our contact information. You're there. talking about uh, mailing a practical copy. Uh, here's a here's a bit of trivia, though. I did a uh, sitcom pilot with PJ Torquay, who wrote Caddyshack Two. Not as good. He knows. He knew that. <laughs> and now, then, then, but sorry, I'm saying he uh, later. Uh, she. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, they, they knew that uh, it was not, uh, up to snuff, but, uh, <laughs> she also, she also wrote uh, real genius, which was really, uh, great. Okay, so wow. question for David, uh, what do you think about the musical, uh, genre Brit pop and what is your reaction to the band Oasis? Uh, and then, uh. Then says something as well. Keep up the highly entertaining left coast comedy work. Thank you. So, what do you think about Oasis, Dave, and Britpop? Well, uh, to quote John Stewart when asked when he thought about Canada, I don't. No, um, Britpop. I, you know, I kind of fell off the the my Anglophilia around that time. I don't know why. I think I was more okay. I think because of CDs, there was this sudden burgeoning of celebration of the '60s. And all these releases of, of albums from the 60s and and kind of reassessing, you know, and, and so a lot of my money went to went towards that. I didn't really like Oasis very much. Like a song like Wonderwall, I think, is just kind of repetitive and boring to me. It's not To me, there's not that much happening in it. People can disagree. I do have What's the Story, Morning Glory, because I like that song, What's the Story, Morning Glory. But to be honest, Oasis were never really my cup of tea. Although I do, I do enjoy their arguing with each other. I think that's kind of funny, and I also like the fact that um, Liam Gallagher wanted to fight George Harrison. Uh, but yeah, Britpop, it was okay. And there we go. It was okay. I mean, now, like, oh. like if you think about it, like think about it now. I mean, if you didn't grow up then, mm-hmm. like what? Who are you ranking high? Like Blur? They're they're okay. I don't think Oasis was great. Uh, Pulp. Uh, I guess maybe Pulp was interesting. They did some interesting Oasis, stuff. Oasis, Oasis thought they were great. They sure did. And if you asked them, they would tell you so. Yeah. But I can have my own opinion. I don't need to listen to those guys. Okay. Fair enough. Dave, uh, we're out of letters, but I heard that we got a package in the mail. What's up with that? <laughs> we did get a package in the mail from Mick Elliott, our our friend who who uh, put us in his books, Squidge Dibley. Um, we appeared in there as scientists, rocket scientists, I believe. And mm-hmm. he sent us a care package. From Australia. Oh, and nice one. in it... Okay, I'm just yes, opening sir. it up now because I num, opened num, it a little num, bit, num, but num, then num. I was asked to not... No, 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 no. Oh, I hope it. it's full of kangaroo meat. <laughs> it's not so far. So there's a there's an envelope, envelope. Okay. It Is says, it full of cash? It says, Ian and David. Yay! Sneaky Dragon. Yes! Very fancy writing. And it says, to be That's opened us. for episode 450. So I'm going to open Excellent. this now. Okay. I'm just opening up this envelope. And it's anthrax. Oh, beautiful! It's a picture of it's a picture of of uh, Tintin. Uh, 
Mick says, hey, Ian and David, congratulations on reaching episode 450. Enclosed are some much-loved Australian chocolates to enjoy during the show. Oh, sorry, it didn't really work that way, but I will give Ian a share tomorrow. Plus an artist's impression of the world of Sneaky Dragon. Enjoy and keep up the excellent work, Mick Elliott. Well, thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you, if you do bring the chocolates tomorrow, we could, like, uh, take a picture of ourselves enjoying them. So uh, we'll we'll send proof that we enjoyed them. All right. So he has an extra one here. P.S. Okay. Mm-hmm. An extra question for your episode. Okay. What made you choose the Bell and Sebastian song, I Love My Car, for your theme music? Well, we kind uh, of explained that. Yeah, yeah. We kind of explained that. I heard it one day when we were driving, and I just thought it absolutely fit the show so well. It's a bouncy theme. It's very inviting. It feels like you're being open to world. And what I also liked about it was that it was short and then it had like an ending to it. And so it kind of, it kind of dies out and then we speak just as it ends. And I love that. I love, I listen to it every week. I put it on every week and I always listen to whatever dumb opening I put on. And then the theme to us talking and starting the show, I always like do that. And then I'll go back and I'll edit the whole show. And then before I, I, before I, uh, could you know export the show into into mp3 for for the upload i will re-listen to it one more time just because i like it so much so yeah i just think it's a great song and then and more generally how do you select the theme music you have used for all your sidecasts well what i do is i try to find music that relates to the show that is entertaining and isn't exactly what it is and usually it's this fluke that i find it so for instance um with the Beatles, I had that Swingle Singers album, Ticket to Ride, and I really liked their version of I Am the Walrus, so I decided I would use use that version because I just really liked it, and they wanted something that was wordless. And then Totally Tintin, I was looking all over the place. I was I was listening to like looking for music from the TV show. I was looking for music from the movies. And then I just stumbled on this music for 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 a video game. And I just thought it was perfect sounding. It was just so great. It was like kind of exciting, and and then people who who would get it would get it, and and people who didn't it didn't matter because it was just kind of a fun song. So I thought that was great. And then once again with the full marks, I was just like searching on 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 YouTube looking for music, and I was just like trying to find like like um like something from the from the movies that I could like kind of edit and and use. And then I stumbled on kids singing, "Hooray for Captain Spaulding," and I was just like. This is brilliant. This is fantastic. So it's always a fluke, but you kind of know it when you hear it. That's how it is, right? You just kind of hear it, and then you just know it. And it was the same with um, Listening Party. Like, I had another song in mind. I had this a bit of uh, elect- like kind of electronic theme uh, song from a, from a band from Germany. And I just a little bit of Kraut Rock. And I thought, oh, this would be great. And and then I tried to make it work for the show, and it just wasn't working. And I was, you know, I tried, I did, I couldn't make it work. I couldn't edit it down in a way that, that kind of you kind of got the music and but it wasn't too long and then uh and then it occurred to me to use the music from from i love my car but just sort of another part of the song because it has so many different sections and i just think it works great and a few people have commented on it and it really makes me happy when they know that so so thank you for asking about that all right so let's further look inside this box ian so yes ian will be happy because we got some caramello koala Love them. You love it. You know it. You love it. We got some Freddo Milky Top. Milk chocolate topped with white chocolate. That sounds very good. Wicked. Love it. And then, oh, I love how you put this in the box here. Because when you fold fold these tabs up, 
Is this how the box comes, or did you make this? This is really neat. So when you fold out these tabs, it lifts the thing inside out. That's great. That's fantastic. All right, so, um, uh, <laughs> anyway. My God, how long is this show? I have a knife. Oh, I have scissors nearby. Just let me cut the tape here. And then it's got bubble wrap on it, so I just have to work my way through the bubble okay, wrap. Okay, Dave, while you're doing this, yeah. I'm going to do this. Sure. Uh, I'm going to start wrapping the show up as you're unwrapping this. Well, don't, so, don't wrap it up because we still have to draw. Okay, but I'm going to just tell people information and then we'll have the draws okay. to begin. Okay, okay. So if you want to write to us in the future, as many of these people have, we can we can uh, take mail all the time. Here's how you do it. You go to our website, sneakydragon.com, and underneath each episode is a message uh, area. That's where you just uh, put like what you want to say. And you can say it even if it's not an anniversary show. Or you can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's easy enough. Why don't you go to Twitter? Uh, sneaky underscore dragon. That's our address there. And Tumblr. Uh, Tumblr. Oh uh, dot, uh, .tumblr.com. All this good is... ways. And if you want to send us something okay. in the mail that's legal, uh, go to the contact us uh, area on our sneakydragon.com page. And then you can mail us chocolate. We will be very happy to accept chocolate from your land. Uh, and now back to Dave unwrapping a box already in progress. Oh my gosh, this is so fantastic. It's got it's got everything. It's us sitting at a table. We got a computer there, we got a, a Coke nearby. It's a caricature of us, so it's completely accurate. It's got sparks. Wow. It's got the it's got uh, Charlie and August and the spark suit, Sneaky Aww. Dragon peeking out from the other side, holding a little thing that says episode four fifty. It's got the Marx brothers. It's got uh, the uh, Yeti from Tintin. It's got Tintin and Snowy, Calculus and Haddock. Uh, it looks like a devil monster from uh, Extra Sisters. Oh, yep, Extra Sisters. There's uh, Kate. It's got Bender. It's got the Beatles from Yellow Submarine. It's got Bart. It's got Spider-Man in the background. And Buster Keaton as well in the Yellow Submarine. It's just fantastic. And it looks to me like there's one for each of us. So you can hang one in the, your studio and I'll hang one in Stu Stu studio here. Okay. Let's take a picture of that and put it online. As oh, well. for sure. I will. I will for sure. Sounds oh, great. That's well, I look forward to seeing all this in person tomorrow. But Dave, we promised valuable prizes. We did. So Ian, I'd like you to, uh, I'd like you to introduce our guest. Okay. Now listen, I'm going to introduce our guest, but like after that, we're wrapped up. So let me just take this time before we introduce our guest to say thank you for 450 episodes. It's been a treat performing with you and doing this with you. And uh, a lovely time had by all. Thanks. Thank you. And I, uh, I, I fear for the 550th episode and how long <laughs> that one will be. And now, you've been waiting for a special guest. Uh, we're very lucky to have uh, one of our favorite podcast hosts on the show. Uh, you know her from not hosting um, This American Life. She's also not the host of um, WTF. She is the co-host of the Sneaky Dragon listening party. Uh, please welcome uh, Mary uh, Dedrick. Hello, Mary. Hi. Hello. Okay, that's enough. That's good. <laughs> hi, hi, Ian. Hi, hi. Hi, Dad. This is, na- this hi, is smooth. Mary. This is natural. Yeah. This is all good. So, uh, so we needed to get someone who was impartial to uh, uh, draw the name of the winner of uh, our 450th. Uh, contest. Are you impartial? Yes. Yeah, she's impartial. So mm, that didn't sound that impartial. <laughs> didn't sound that impartial. So we've got we've got the prize pants here, I mean, Mary. I'm obviously biased towards people who are sneaky dragon listen listening party listeners. There you go. Well, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's our that's a real bias. So if you listen to the if you listen to listening party, 
We are really hoping that you win this uh, contest, everyone. And Mary, I just I have the prize pants here. I'm going to need sorry. you to reach into the pocket of these prize pants. The prize pants. Yes, prize pants, Mary. Oh. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. I now I see them. Yeah, the PPs. <laughs> <laughs> so so here we go, everyone. So uh, should we have a drum roll? Sure. Do you want to do yeah. a drum roll? Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to. Jonathan Bampton. Yay! Jeremy Branford won. <laughs> Is this Hooray for Jeremiah Bothelstone. Jonathan Bampton. Alright, so congratulations to Jonathan Bampton, who is now a two-time winner of the listening part or not listening party of the Sneaky Dragon listeners questions raffle draw. This is amazing. Thanks. And also the fix. <laughs> fix is in. Believe me, this is not a fix, everyone, because now I have to pay for postage to Australia again. This is our <laughs> third Australian winner of a draw in a row. We've had we had Dylan O'Connell, who won for his um, poem he wrote about Sneaky Dragon. Remember, we had that contest uh, last sometime last year. Sneaky Dragon is that the contest? It was like it was like write a blurb or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, okay. he won. And then it was, it was whoever sends us the most money wins. <laughs> he won, and then but yeah, I think there's a lot of Nigerian princes who uh, run and, that same <laughs> that same contest. And Jonathan won for episode 350 for our listeners' questions episode. Then that was the one where we did a three and a half hour talking show, and then Mary, you and I, we did the two and a half hour musical segment of it. Oh yeah, that was the lo- first the first sneaky dragon listening party. That really was the first listening party. Got You're me right. trapped. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so well, congratulations. That's that's great. Did you just draw one winner? Some people are lucky. Yep, just one winner. That's okay. all that wins. All right. So thanks, Mayor. Is that it? Thanks for coming. Thank if, you so you much. Want, no, that was it. Do you want to sit and do you want to sit and talk with us for a bit? No, not really. Get out of here! Then. Come all the way get in here. I had to leave again to get my headphones. I had to come all the way back. Yeah, yeah. It took me longer <laughs> than it did to come out here. Just stay up till ten thirty at night for like three seconds. Oh, all right. I mean. You know, it's fine. You sound like you're complaining. No, I'm not complaining. Yeah. It just it just has a kind of a, a sound of, well, of griping in it. I, I mean, don't I don't know you about know, complaining, yeah. but... You're just pointing out. I'm just pointing out. You're just making some observations. You could have done this I'm at the beginning of the show. everything I, I said could've. about you being a good dad earlier, Dave. <laughs> this is all backfired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well... Uh, this is great. Well, congratulations again, Jonathan. That was that you're very lucky. And uh-huh. uh, what can Thanks. I say? <laughs> but you know, last time when I wrote to him and said you can choose any t-shirt you want, he's like, I have no idea what about what talking about what t-shirts to send me the the main Sneaky Dragon one. So I don't know, Jonathan. You got to make up your mind now. You gotta you gotta you gotta actually choose a, a, a design this time. So hey, uh, get on it, Dad. Maybe you should send him the options. He can go on the website and look at the store. Oh, okay. All right. Well, now he knows where to see his options. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So thanks, dear. I really, we really appreciate you coming out here and uh, Great having doing you here. the draw. Okay. Are you going to keep recording as I make my way back through the maze of papers? Yes. To yes. get in here? Yeah. yeah. We're going to mention that we brought you crunk, into... Crinkle, 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 crinkle. <laughs> then I trip and then I knock down a bunch of papers on the ground and there's yeah. comic books and uncut magazine all over the ground. <laughs> well, just, just be careful. And then you don't sounds have, good. Then Let's you don't have it. to pick it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, sweetie. Yeah, no problem. All right. Good night. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love Bye, you. Ian. Love you, dear. Bye. Love you too, Dad. Bye. Well, there she goes. One heck of a gal. I really like that we brought her in to make things seem more on the up and up, and it couldn't have looked more crooked. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm just drawing a name now just to see if I... You know what? I just drew one experimentally, like, just kind of like... Yeah. Let's see if I would get someone different. No, I got Jonathan again. Whoa! <laughs> so, it was meant to be. Is he a magician? It's meant to be. So, I'm just going to I'm just gonna repackage. I'm just repackaging the, the, pic, the, the picture here for you to bring it down tomorrow. Please, please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I will uh, divvy out the chocolate between us. Oh, I'm looking forward to this tomorrow. We'll try and take a <laughs> picture or two of... Uh of this one before we devour it, which we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And remember we're going to be eating uh, this probably near a dog park. So we got to like cover it. So uh, dogs don't die. <laughs> okay. Right. By just by being close to it. All right. Well, yeah. So we have one final gift for, for us for this show. And this, this is also a very special gift. This is uh, from listener Liam Penton. And Liam was kind enough to put together a supercut of a bunch of moments that he really loved of us in our first season of doing this show. So if, dear listener, you have never heard us at the beginning of Sneaky Dragon, this is your chance. This has uh, lots of great bits. I have to say that listening to it, I was very impressed by young us. I thought we did a really great job. <laughs> and I was I was mad at old us for how much we've slacked off since those those heady days of of, of comedy and, and uh, repartee. So, so yeah, uh, I feel like today we haven't worked hard enough. <laughs> Exactly right. What a couple of bums. So, so we're going to <laughs> we're going to uh, say goodbye to to all of you. We we thank you so much for listening to that. I know you did not listen to this in one one sitting. This has been the longest hour that's ever been recorded in podcast history, and uh, we are um, we're going to say goodbye and we're going to say thank you very much for listening to us. We really thank do you appreciate. So much. It. I'm going to go outside and just check if the pandemic's over. <laughs> and we're and if you want. You can hang around and listen to uh, uh, Liam's Super Cup. It's really good. I have to say, like, I don't want to toot my own horn because I'm not very good at it. But uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to something that we did so many years ago and uh, be kind of impressed by our, our wit and our and our, and our little little <laughs> okay. bits of fun. It's, okay. it's good. All right. It's good. <laughs> Come on. It is. Okay. Good for us. I'm We're trying great. to trying to sell it here. Sure, sure, sure. They're already here. If they're not gone yet, they're not leaving. Okay? This is not the deal breaker, Jack. It's fine. They're either going to stay or they're not. I guess you're right. Okay? Anyway, it's the so same I'm gonna give this. I'm going to give this seven hours, but if it doesn't really pick up, I'm just not going to listen to that last uh, 20 minutes. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay? All right. All right. I have to get up in an hour. All right, yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right now, okay. Let's just we're gonna go. All right, bye. We love you. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. All right, but before I play Liam's supercut, I'm just going to open it with a theme song that was sent to us back in the first season by listener to the show Nick Vuano, who I don't know if he listens to the show anymore. He's probably gone on to bigger and better things, but at the time he sent us this quick little theme. And so I thought it'd be fun to open with this, and then we'll go right into Liam's Liam's Supercut. Okay, so here we go. Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Show. I don't know what to talk about, but Dave might have a list of trout. Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Show. Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Show. This is the Sneaky Dragon Show. (laughs) 
So we're just going to start the show. We're going to have a swell. We're going like to have a swell, swell show. We're going to have the swelling music playing. Okay. It's going to be really like dramatic. It'll be swell. It'll just kind of build and build, and people will be like, "What? What's going to happen? This is so exciting. This is amazing. Right. I can't believe what I'm hearing." Yeah. And then it's just going to like explode. And then what happens? Nothing. Here was my here was my uh, my worst Christmas job was I was an elf, a singing elf at breakfast with Santa. Ooh. At the bay. I went to I went to one at Woodward's, but anyway, go on. Okay. Uh, no, I was at the bay. And now mm-hmm. here's the here here's the thing about uh, breakfast with Santa. If you're a kid and you you're going to a little kid and you're going to breakfast with Santa, what do you want at breakfast with Santa? Pancakes. Right. Okay. You want breakfast, and what's the other thing you want? Santa. Boom. That's right. Those are the two things you want. If you're a kid and you hear, we're going breakfast with Santa, yep. then you want breakfast with Santa. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what they give you. What happened? Breakfast because- with Satan? No. <laughs> there was a typo. What's he doing here? That is that is a very different... <laughs> no, that was at Kmart. <laughs> uh so, so uh, I'm a singing elf, and so we start off with uh, me coming out and going, Hey, everybody, do you want to see Santa? Yes, he's not here yet. Boo! <laughs> they're mad at me, because I'm the elf. But I'm going, how about some Christmas carols? And they're trying to be polite. The kids are trying to be polite, but they want to see Santa right away. Yep. Uh, but no, I've got to sing some Christmas carols. And I had a piano player for most of my time there, who was okay. a German gentleman, who knew German Christmas carols that I did not know. Oh, so you did Der, Der Tannenbaum? Okay, that one I sort of know. Okay. And then it's like, then there's the tin roof, the faith is go, and then the Santa with the snow. I don't know these songs. <laughs> and, I, and he's just giving Santa me like some words, there. and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to, I'm free balling, I'm just trying to like get it right. Mm-hmm. And so the kids are like, we're bored. And then we bring, and then we bring out some magicians, they don't want to see it. No. And let me tell you one thing that kids that are say like three, four, uh, don't like suspense. No. Nope. Not fans of not suspense. Not into that. Nope. Not at all. And, and and but but the show was had a plot line and the plot Ooh, line was that's wrong after the magician I have to come out and go oh uh, by the way kids there's been a storm Santa might not make it oh and then all the kids start to cry so when they they took when they unburied you from the pancakes. <laughs> What happened? No, then? they're too sad to throw pancakes. They're just crying. This is like that cruel Jimmy Kimmel thing, that oh, Halloween yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, that was awful like, giving too. Him, like, bad friends. So, yeah. so, so, if you walked in, if you walked in on on this and saw me there talking to the kids and saw them all weeping, it would and, and with all the pictures up there of Santa, it mm-hmm. would look to anyone just coming in like we're at Santa's funeral. Yeah, <laughs> we're just at the death of Santa, yeah. and we're celebrating his life, and I'm talking about Santa. I'm singing a couple of songs about Santa. <laughs> Celebration of his we, life. Yeah. That's what a great guy he was. He was. It's a oh, real shame. Oh, Santa, we hardly knew you. <laughs> that's right. And then finally, Santa comes in, because that's the twist. Is like, I made it, everyone. And now they're looking at me mm-hmm. like I'm the heretic who did not believe in Santa. Oh. I'm like, this guy told us you were dead. And I'm like, he's a liar. <laughs> and they're all like so mad at me. And I'm like, yeah, no, he's here. Are you happy? Be. No, we're furious. He's alive. How did so you- Santa didn't eat breakfast with the kids? No, he doesn't. He shows up after breakfast. Oh, that's wrong. Absolutely wrong. 100% wrong. See, this wrong. is what happens when people think they're creative. Mm-hmm. Like when I went, when I was young, I went to have breakfast with Santa at Woodward's. Mm-hmm. Five years ago. Five, this is five years ago. Oh, Santa. They said, please leave, sir. That's right. <laughs> but Santa! <laughs> but um, no, I was quite a bit I younger. I need tax help. <laughs> This used to be the H&R Block station in the mall. <laughs> Could you just do my taxes anyway, Come on, Santa. Santa. It's Christmas. I'm pretty sure it's the H&R Block guy in the, in uh, the beard. Um, when I went, Santa was there the whole time. 
And yeah. we, we ate breakfast with Santa. Yeah, that's great. That's I, exactly what it should and be. And when we left, we were given gifts. Yeah, that's exactly how it should be. This is like I just think that the pro- I think the problem is is that people who live nowadays they don't know anything. Like we went through some sort of a a time something happened to people and now we're dumb. Well, actually, what changed for me was when I met my wife. Her mom was uh, Scottish or semi Scottish. She's from the Orkney Islands. If you've heard if you've heard like a S- Scottish person speak, never. People from the Orkney Islands, they don't speak that way. So, it's, you know, there's a bit of a disconnect because they're from a completely remote okay. area that wasn't. So, okay, part I'm, of the- I'm, I'm a Scotsman. I'll play a, a, a full Scotsman. You're not going to. I t- cannot. Imp- and, I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just give it okay. a try. It's just like, okay. ah, well, it's New Year's. Uh, going to have the midnight meal. Hey, uh, what are you having for New Year's? This is the only thing I can say that sounds halfway like, okay, right, which cool. is, I didn't ken what you're speaking about, boy. Oh, that is pretty good. It's different. Yep. No, it's that's different. good. That's solid. When I went there the first time with, 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 my, with Lisa, when I went there the first time, and I was okay one-on-one or two-on-one, <laughs> I, could underhear, I could understand what they're saying. And yeah. when I went to, you know, went, went to Orkney with, with Lisa, we were at her uh, aunt and uncle's at their farmhouse. They had a dairy farm, and we were sitting in their kitchen. And there was about eight people in the kitchen. And I was barely hanging on. I was just <laughs> sticking in with a conversation. <laughs> then this person came to the door. This man came to the door who was from a different island. <laughs> he wasn't from Orkney Island. He was from Ronzi or Stronzi or some one of those islands. Right. He had a different accent. It was thicker. By the way, all these are islands that are also in Lord of the Rings. That's right. They're all names of dwarfs. The uh, and he started talking about neeps. Which oh, I, there's no need for any racial slurs. That's uh, you know, that's a shame. But they are I an older culture. I didn't know what they were. Okay, what's a what's a neep? A turnip. Ah, but he was talking. So he started talking about something I didn't know what he was Who's talking about. Who's got the about. time to like say full turnip? You might yeah. starve to death by the time you say turnip. Well, neeps. Yeah, and once he started talking like that, I was lost. So I was sitting there like just you know there in a chair. <laughs> And they were talking away a what mile a minute. What was your guess, by the way, as to what neeps were? I had no like, guess. Really? I just gave up. What was the context? Like, ah, I'm knee deep in neeps. No, because I, I couldn't understand him. Spare I couldn't really understand a word he was saying. For a man. Then he said neeps. I had no idea what he was talking oh, about. Oh, the neep market fell today. <laughs> I lost me uh, neep? half kilt neep in the neep, neep market. So that went on for about 15 minutes. And then Lisa's Uncle Robert turned, turned feeling I was left out. He says, well, let's hear what David thinks. <laughs> And I kind of turned, you know, looking like a deer caught in the headlights. And I, I said, well, to be honest, I haven't understood a single word you've said for the last 15 minutes. Oh, how they laughed at me. And the family turned to each other and went, we haven't understood in years. And it was the first breakthrough. And that's they all right. went, you know, we can't even understand. It and ended then, with a big group hug. That's right. And then everyone in Scotland began to talk normal. Part of our show is to educate people around the world on mm-hmm. how Canada That's works. That's right. About how Canada works and about Canadian political figures like Peter Snooky McKay, well-known party animal and sort of... Snooker player. Big bother. Sort of big bother sort of slut, if you like, if that's a word that we can use. Sort of oh, way. you can use the, the word easy, slut. Absolutely. We've gotten explicit. Look, if we don't use uh, controversial terms, like if we don't swear yeah. and use degrading terms, then we're going to lose our explicit Oh, really? Uh, warning. Oh, completely. They have, they police, they police these podcasts for explicitity. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And so they're I always looking a, for explicit well, content. Well, our second episode, we did not swear. Uh, yeah, on, we did. 
did. Did we? Yeah, you swore. I swore, but I swore using a Canadian expression, which was "oh, polar bears." Which, <laughs> which here, because polar bears are sacred, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's sort of like connected with a spirit bear. That's right. Oh, you can't swear and say "oh, spirit bears." Oops, geez. No. Okay, we can't. All right, that I'm in trouble for saying that. Uh, but, uh, but to the American audience and to the uh, the rest of the world, we did not swear, and so we almost lost our explicit warning. We almost did. Yeah. Oh my God, you polar bear fucker. Whoops. <laughs> I was driving my daughters to school. They they go to into a school in a different neighborhood than what, where we live. Hogwarts. They go to Hogwarts every day. I have to drop them off at not, station nine and a three quarters. I don't know you. It's your daughters. Um, no, I was a Harry Potter reference. I think I said nine and a half the other day, and I got chewed out. So I think it's nine and three quarters. Okay. Um, so the uh, we were driving along, and Eve suddenly goes. We passed the church sign. You know how the churches have the signs out and they like to put the little sayings on them? Right. The little pithy sayings that you drive by and you go, oh, witty. It's always weird when they have... Okay, can I just say real quick? Uh, no. We've got a Lutheran church up the... Is it Lutheran? I think it's Lutheran. We've got a Lutheran church up the street and it's like a, kind of an old folks home plus Lutheran church okay. combination. Yeah. And so they have they had whatever the saying was, mm-hmm. you know, just something, you know, it's not funny. It's just something God Station loves time you. saves nine. Something like that. Saves, you know, whatever. And then, but then on top of it, they had that little symbol where you can like scan it with your phone okay and 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 get, then get, to, the we- get and to the website i guess and it was just like well that looks ridiculous that looks ridiculous here <laughs> boo like you're gonna have old people looking at that going i see the devil's face in it okay but please continue with your story you're driving by the church so going, by none of that for me you say we're, we're driving flip by. it the bird <laughs> we drive by and then eve eve says oh my god did that see what i thought it said and she was, she was like, turn around, Dad, turn around. Okay, so Mil- Millis said this. Okay. Millis said that. Sorry, yeah, Millis said that. Okay. Of course, I couldn't turn around. We're on a major road driving along. Yeah. So I was driving by the neck, or driving by that night. Mm-hmm. I was going into Langley, and I so I looked at it. I made a point of looking at it. Right. It said, I wrote it down. Okay, like, all right. His praises are always in my mouth. <laughs> so I wait. Are you thinking of the stormcock? So I thought. <laughs> I thought to myself, did she think it said penis? His penis is always in my mouth. Is that what? Is that what she thought it uh, said? Oh. So I haven't been. I haven't. Please check out our Facebook page. I, I will. I was click. Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't drive her to school this morning. Maybe this was. Yeah, this was last night. Yeah. So I didn't drive her to school this morning, and I didn't get to ask her about it. And I forgot last night. So I want to ask her. I said, "Did you think it's a penis?" <laughs> And, and as any daughter, that's the conversation, by the way, any daughter wants to have with her father. Yeah. Well, over breakfast. So anyway, how's your pancakes? Good. Hey, did you think that sign said penis? <laughs> and then, hey, clean your spit take uh, off the wall. I was going to just ask her in the privacy of the car. No, David, wait until she's with her friends. <laughs> wait <laughs> until she, you're dropping, dropping her off in front of the school. Her friends run up and go, hey, Millis, how you doing? And you go, hey, hon, did you think they said penis? Because the sign didn't say penis. It's best to yell those things. It was praises in my mouth. (laughs) It's not penis in my mouth. Praises. That reminds me of last two weeks ago. Have a good day at school. (laughs) Millis, Millis, Phyllis, and I were driving out of Vancouver. Right. We'd gone to... We bought a a stove at a store. Yep. Then they phoned me and told me that there was a problem with it. They broke the glass and I had to come in and they were going to refund me the cost of the stove and then I had to get another one and re- and repay for it because of a re- stupid reason. Okay. 
Okay. And he so, went, thanks for wasting my time and my gas. That's right. So I drove all the way down there like, I don't Call know. me Johnny Hours. I got nothing. <laughs> hours to spare. So I go there and they're I like. Might as well burn my time in the, the oven. Is, they didn't even know about it when I got there. They're like, I, was, I don't know. As far as I know, we ordered you a new door for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I know. So I'm like, well, they phoned me. Well, I don't know anything about it. I'm like, well, thanks. But anyway, so we're driving out of, out of, out of town. And you see the sign that says, our ready-to-assemble and, uh, stoves come in penis. <laughs> so, so, Pieces. So, so, <laughs> it says pieces. It was in the warehouse. They broke it to penis. What? Yeah. Did you say something? I, Millis keeps mishearing you. Um, no, so we're driving out of town. And so Phyllis starts telling us the story of, she's about, like, we we're talking about, she's going to university. Okay. And she's excited. Good. And I said to her, and she's saying how much she enjoyed it. She said, except for some of the kids don't want to be there. I said, well, that's, you know, that's how it is the first year. As yeah. you go on, it kind of winnows out the losers and the, the chowderheads. And pretty soon you've just, you know, it's you and that bunch of other smart people. And the Poindexters. And the so Poindexters and the Doilies. It's you and the Dilton Doilies. Yes, it's you basically. and the Dilton Doilies together. No more, no mooses are there. And so, um, <laughs> but she says, yeah, and there's, cause he's just two girls in front of me and they're like talking about some party they were at and they're Facebooking and they're doing this and doing that. And they're talking so loudly. Like, didn't they know they're in a classroom? I said, oh, I said, well, yeah, because I said, you wouldn't believe us. I was on the bus one day and there's these two girls talking about anal sex on the bus and super loud voices. They're like, oh, yeah, I love having anal sex with my boyfriend. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, blah, blah. And then I, realized, I was yelling and I realized the window was rolled down. <laughs> and I was, oops. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, whoops. Hello, Vicar. <laughs> the nice, moving. Let me just say, just to add to that, <laughs> we're in a pretty thin, thin-walled thin <laughs> office right now. With the door open because of the heat? Is that what you're implying? Well, and here's the, here's the other thing. When we were coming in, Dave, and I let you in, um, the woman across the way yeah. was bringing her mother in. <laughs> I think you remember that, right? Her mom, her slightly frail mom. Talking to her in a gentle voice. Okay. She's directly across the hall, mm-hmm. and you were just yelling about anal sex again. I think we need to just end this now. All right. Dave? Yes. This might be the last show. <laughs> I went for two years on Halloween as Alice Cooper, though I wasn't a huge Alice Cooper fan. Okay. I just liked him on The Muppets, so uh, so I liked the makeup. He and He is an entertaining person. Yes. And it was it was good because it broke the tradition I had of three years previous of like three years in a row of going as a Chinese man. <laughs> and uh, now I'm just going to say that half of my family currently is Chinese, mm-hmm. and uh, they still haven't forgiven you. No, I'm just saying some pictures oh. have gone missing from the family album. Oh, like okay. it was a charming costume back in the day. Yeah, yeah. not so good not so no good more. Now, so it's kind of disappeared. Yeah, and and, and here, the, the way. The, the weird thing about it, I am a little bit, I can't be ashamed. I was eight. It's yeah, not my fine. damn fault. No, no. You know, I didn't dress my, I didn't buy this for myself yeah. with my own keep job on, money. Keep on telling yourself that. But, but we actually, we had Chinese people in the neighborhood. We did. <laughs> so like, I'm going trick or treating to their door and just going mm-hmm. like, hi, this, this is, look what I'm dressed at. You went, I think oh. you're a monster. <laughs> I, I could have gone as a Dracula or you. I want as you. Give me candy. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you think you really thought it through that carefully? But did I think yeah. it through that? No, 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 I did not at all. I don't think that you thought that. All I thought Your was Your parents candy. thought that. I don't know what they thought. What was the thinking? Yeah, I don't know. It was either 
Oh, there's so many jokes I want to make, and I know they're all in bad taste, so I just don't want to say anything. <laughs> That's okay. Now, in sorry, just to talk about Little Archie for just a second. Okay. They called him Little Archie. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because it wasn't Little Jughead. Hey, Little Betty, how you doing, Little Hot Dog? Well, I had a friend named David when I grew up, mm-hmm. and he was quite quite a bit shorter than me. Right. So I was always Big Dave. Mm-hmm. But he was just David. Okay. He was never Little Dave. Big Dave ain't that bad unless you're bad. a fat no, guy. I was fine with Big Dave. Yeah. But I just kind of thought it was interesting that he was just Dave. Right. And I'm I'm big. I'm the one who gets the. Why not? I just be Dave, and he's Little Dave. Mm-hmm. That seems fair too. Sure, it seems very fair. I don't think he would have gone for it though. Why's that? I don't want to be mean, but he was. He was mean. Was he a mean? What, no, I shouldn't say he was Dave. mean. But he was very. They should call him mean. He was very Dave. stubborn. He was a very stubborn person. Stubborn Dave. He's very stubborn. The way I met him, mm-hmm. well, I didn't really know him very well. How I do was, Daves meet? Well, this is how I is met him. Is it in him. the wild or is it like, how did you? How did this you is him? how I met him. I was walking yeah. with another friend home from school. His name was? Steven. Yeah. Better if it was Dave. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. His name was David. All right. Thank you. And uh, we were walking on the street. Two Daves. And suddenly this other David came up behind us. Okay. And then began hitting us with his metal lunchbox. <laughs> Which, for some reason, this is imprinted on my brain, as well as on my head, my skull. Right. It was a gentle Ben <laughs> metal lunchbox. Well, that should be taken away. It was... That should immediately be the, taken the away. The irony wasn't lost on me, even then. Okay. He chased us all the way home, hitting us with this metal lunchbox, right up to my friend's back deck. Right. Back, back because that is hallowed ground, and bullies yeah. cannot cross over onto you hallowed You would think ground. so, but no, he followed us right into the backyard. No. You can't do that. Clonking us on the head with this metal no, lunchbox. No, you can't cross. That's the rules of bullies. You must stop on the grass of the person's home. My mother was there. Oh, my God. My How'd friend's that... mother was there. Oh, two mothers. Two mothers, two Daves, everybody. They talked to, they yelled at David. Certainly. He just turned on his heels and walked away and did not listen to their admonitions. Can wow. you imagine at that time? I can wow. picture that now when kids are all a bunch of punks. Yeah. But at that time. No, I think there were punks then, too. No, no, they ah, weren't. They were ah, all, every kid was good. <laughs> Except for my friend David. Right. My future friend David. Right. Who uh, just... But, you know, I really admired him. For, After that, yeah. for doing that, like just walking away. Because uh, I would stand there. I'd be like, oh, my God, I've been caught. Now I have to stand here and get in trouble. Right. But no, he just walked away like, eh, I'm done. I've hit them on the head with a metal lunchbox. Now I'm going to go home. My job here is done. Yeah, and he just left. He went He went to, back to the bully factory, punched his time card, and, and, and uh, my mom collected and, his union. Yeah, my mom wages. and my fake aunt yelled at him, you know, fruitlessly, impotently, you get back here, David. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I. It's weird. It's the things that you look back on and think, uh, oh, that was cool, uh, aren't really. Like, I, I, I hear that story and just go, that kid's messed up. He's not right. <laughs> there was this episode where one of the characters who or was, the he was sort of the equipment manager. Okay. And he, he sort of was in very many shows, so you didn't know anything about him. And then one episode he jumped off a roof and died because he was on PCP. Oh, yeah. That happened a lot in the 70s. Mm-hmm. People would try uh, acid or they would try a PCP or a very strong like a Tylenol 3. And the first thing you would do is go, I can fly. And uh, and apparently you can't fly. You can't fly on Tylenol 3. On drugs. Tylenol 4, you can fly. Mm. Tylenol 3, nope. Speaking of people who can fly, they give you bad advice that hurts you as children. Apparently a lot of kids jumped off roofs uh, thinking they were Superman or had could, could fly like Superman. A friend like, of mine who was in the hospital shared a room with a boy who had jumped off his shed roof and broken his arm. Oh, wow. Did under br- that misapprehension. Did they bring him? Like, if you're a doctor and you're doing triage and you're trying to go, was this child a victim of child abuse or did they jump off a roof? If they are wearing a cape... Yes. Perhaps that's it was uh, a towel. In this was, case, he had a yeah, towel on. A towel on. Yeah. Though sometimes abusive parents will tie a towel around their child's wow, neck. Wow, that's a good idea. 
<laughs> really is. Tips for abusive parents. Well, this is a new. Is this a, a new. Is this a new section of Sneaky Dragon? That's right. Okay. How to cover up the. I'll abuse. bring something next week. But I was watching an episode of Superman when I was a kid, and Superman has the power of flight, heat, vision. He's got too many powers, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like they kept. T- t- you know, padding, so many powers. But uh, in one episode, he was in a locked room, and he couldn't get through the wall, apparently. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, maybe he, like, lost his powers of some such, or yeah. maybe the walls are made of something. These things happen. Yeah, they do. And he was taught by, I think, a yogi or someone uh, that, you know what, you can... To and- steal picnic baskets? <laughs> I didn't even say it right. You did. Fail. Go ahead. Take two. Picnic. Two. Oh. Did t- he was taught? To- oh, forget it. Let's <laughs> go on. Look, Yogi, Yogi inter- Bear had I a terrible uselessly. stutter. Everyone made fun of Yogi's stutter, <laughs> including Yogi. Boo Boo. And and you know, Yogi was well. His was- name was Boo, but it was Yogi who changed it to Boo Boo because of his terrible stutter. Terrible stutter. His yeah. name was Boo. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, did you see the episode of Yogi Bear where he went, "Look, I'm a bear. It's enough that I can fucking talk." <laughs> and the ranger just shut up, <laughs> and they all walked away and had an awkward moment. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not sure, but we have gotten Shrug. way off. Yes. Topic. Whatever, whatever um, okay, that Superman, topic was. He's in a locked room, and someone tells him, anyone can walk through a wall. You just have to believe you can. So Superman believes it enough and walks into walks through the wall and then saves the day. Uh, so, so as a kid, I went, oh, you can walk through a wall. So I spent a lot of time pressed up against a wall really hard with my nose smushed against the uh-huh. wall, just trying to will myself to pass through it. And you just you feel when you get in that nose pushing against the wall, uh, you, oh, I'm going through it. But you are not going no, through No, you're not it. going through it. The Sound of Music ruined my birthday when I was <laughs> was younger. That is, is that? such a great setup for a well, story. Because my parents, they had promised me they were going to go to a movie for my birthday. And leave you at home alone? No, no. We were going to go with to a stack of magazines. Like, you know, oh, wait a second. I'm we were going to go to the wrong. theater. Drum circle. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where it started. And uh, so, but as it turned out, Sound of Music was on. And they were so excited. That they just like kind of went. No, we didn't. We didn't say we're going to a movie. <laughs> oh no, no, Sound of Music's on. We want to watch Sound of Music. We, we didn't say anything about a movie. So it's kind of like, what kind of a movie? What? This is so unfair. So yeah, I watched Sound of Music with a great deal of bitterness. How old were you at the time? Grade four. You should have gone to a movie. I couldn't like go by myself. Yeah, just get on the bus and go. Yeah. Well, grade four. How old are you at grade four? You're not. I was going to. I was going to movies by myself then, but this was like a birthday party with other people, ah, like I other see. friends and stuff. We were all supposed to get, troop into the car and get driven to the movie. So oh, the friends had to stay and watch Sound of Music as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they just kind of like, that was the end of the party. <laughs> okay, that's especially a stinkeroo. Yeah, that's no good. Listen, so, yeah. I, no, whenever to to you finally have to, you know, uh, kill your parents, as we all do, <laughs> you can mention that just before you do it. Just before I gently slip my hand over my mom's nose and mouth. <laughs> I was thinking, use a pillow. A nice embroidered pillow. I, I like a personal with a, touch. With a goodbye uh, needle pointed on it. <laughs> I like a, the I like a personal music, touch. It's just the image of yeah, the sound of right. poster. <laughs> needle pointed on, just like, I think you know this was coming. <laughs> this was inevitable. That's right. You remember 1974? <laughs> needle still in the needle point. The hills are alive. <laughs> Unlike you, you and Dad. Are. <laughs> the sound of murder. The sound of murder. <laughs> well, you know, actually, the Dedrick family, we're an incredibly close knit family. I think you would agree with that, right, Jason? <laughs> I certainly would for this bit. We would. <laughs> <laughs> we my gift for you this we Christmas see is each a other, setup. We see each other once a year, whether no matter what, that's what I'm saying. Once a year, 
Dead or Family gets together. Yeah. All of us. And celebrate. choose which one of us to die. Celebrate. <laughs> the Logan's lottery. Run. The lottery. Logan's <laughs> run. Yeah, lottery. That's right. Uh, the one with the white pebble. <laughs> In their piece of turkey. Oh, it's terrifying when you're eating your turkey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where's Lee? <laughs> I thought Lee was coming. <laughs> he, he fell in the pool. That happened one year at Christmas at our house. Do you remember that one? Are you there for that one? You were there. I don't I know was, if you remember. I, know. I, was, I don't remember. Uh, really? Yes. <laughs> in Delta? For some reason, we had all decided it would be a great idea to clump around outside <laughs> near the pool. And our youngest cousin, who was, I think, three at the time, right. fell through the ice. Oh, that's less into, funny now that I know there's three. Into the pool. I thought it was just a big fat guy <laughs> named Lee, which is hilarious. But three year old, not so good. <laughs> no. I'm going to imagine him as a big fat guy. Go ahead. Fortunately, my fast-thinking brother, uh, Glenn, just snatched him. It was just like instantaneous. Just like fall, grab. And he was oh, out of the I water. do remember that. It was like yeah. he didn't get wet. Yeah. It was like he went yeah. in and came out without actually getting I wet. I know. It was crazy. He had that gaffer hook. And that was the <laughs> shame was of the problem. Because <laughs> he hooked him right under the chin, right under the chin, and it came out through his cheek. <laughs> And it had that barb on it yeah. that made it so hard to take out. <laughs> yeah. And basically, we had to push the whole gaffer hook uh, with the handle back out through the And then chest. the horrible right. thing was, he was so small, you still had to throw him back. <laughs> <laughs> He's only a three-year-old. Splash. That's right. And there was- <laughs> Why were we outside? That's a real question. I don't, I don't know. But it was uh, wintertime. What's nicer than having a Christmas day. party outside by the pool? Boxing day. <laughs> Woo, that's right. Let's have a pool party. <laughs> Wait, flashback to the Hulk for just one second. Okay. So you had the Hulk, and the co-star on the Hulk was uh, the guy. The only other person who was like on on the on the Hulk besides uh, Bruce Banner, Bill Bixby, was the journalist character. Was the journalist? Yeah. Who was a guy who was trying to get that Hulk story? Yeah, yeah. For years. Yeah. For years, he was like tracking this down. Did reporters do that? Did could you be on a paper and just go, listen, I'm hunting Bigfoot yeah. for five years? <laughs> And I'm going to hunt this story down. Just put me on. Like, listen, fly me around the country. Yeah. Fly me in a plane around yeah. the country. Put me up in hotels because this guy ain't sleeping on a bench. Yeah. He's got a couple of suits. He's eating at diners. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, did that happen? That you could be uh, like looking for the Loch Ness monster and and years and years and years do that? I would have to say no. Mm-hmm. That that would never ever happen. Okay. But. In the show, is there some some sense that he is pushing the limit, that or maybe that he's lost his job, that he's is now just going from town to he's town? He's living off savings. He's living off savings. I don't he's, think so. I think he's employed. And he's, he's still like, pretending, or I, still I thinks himself as a journalist. He calls the editor every so often. and Goes, no, come on, he's all, he's right here. I've seen the guy. Never takes a picture of him. He's well, right over here. Maybe he's maybe he writes for like because the thing that is unbelievable to me. Is that he would besides write, the gamma radiated besides monster. besides the gamma irradiated monster, which I actually find pretty compellingly true, true to life. Mm-hmm. I, what seems strange because like were there national newspapers then? Like I know, mm. like it seems to me that USA Today, yeah. which is like an American national newspaper, started in the eighties. Right. It wasn't around in the but you would 70s. have you could buy like the New York Times all across the country, but like a different version of the okay, New York Times. Okay, I guess that's true. And yeah. so he wor- let's say he works for the New York I Times. Think he worked for a major paper. Yeah, he's a stringer for this paper. Right. And so he can go from town to town. He's always giving them stories. He's giving them great Hulk-based stories everywhere he goes. This damned Hulk thing is there, okay. creating news. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I just pictured him as a Mike McCardle type, and like he's, he's <laughs> his main goal is the Hulk thing, but it's all touching human interest touching stories human interest about stories? just you know. And then I found a blind girl who picks up litter, <laughs> makes you think. <laughs> Maybe she can see things that we can't. 
Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So he's actually, you're saying now he's a a TV reporter. No, no, no. But he's doing those kind of like little side stories, like uh, stories about ducklings that overcome adversity, but he's really tracking the Hulk while he's So he's like kind of a Mike Royko or Studs Turkle kind of a newsman where he's writing these sort of slice of life columns. Ooh, Hulk versus Studs. That'd be a good episode. But always related. All his slice of life stories always involve this green monster. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Can I tell you my favorite salt story? Tomas and Samot? Is it, oh, okay, oh wait, so, sorry everybody. Dave's going to tell us his favorite salt story. This is this is what everyone was waiting for. So this is from the movie Salt with Angelina Jolie. This is from the movie Jolie. Salt with Angelina Jolie. Okay, please. This is your favorite salt. It's, this isn't the one from the Bible where the lady turns into it, right? Okay, forget it. Okay, go ahead. Salt story, go. Okay, this, when I was younger, I was a teenager. I was sitting downstairs watching SWAT on television, which I was never allowed to watch as a young child. So I was eager to watch. Because your shows. parents thought it was about spanking. They Understood. thought it was. They, <laughs> It was too violent, was my mom's view of this That show. was my dad's view of the Hulk. Too violent? Yeah, it was too violent. So vi- you weren't allowed to watch it? solved problems with violence, which uh. coincidentally is how my dad solved problems. <laughs> moving on. Because <laughs> spanking isn't solving problems it with violence? It wasn't spanking, but go ahead, moving okay. on. All right. Okay. So, so there was spanking. All right. SWAT, which is about in, spanking you're watching. In a Hulk Paddling? costume. That's right. So <laughs> I was watching, and then my mom calls me. She's like, you know, Dave, come up here. Of course, you're watching television. What do you do when your mom calls you when you're watching television? You yeah, respect yeah. her. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. So then it turns out, though, that because she had gotten uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken mm. on her way home. Delicious, right? Everyone's looking forward to it. Before she, it was known as Kitchen Fried Chicken. She put it in the chicken. oven. <laughs> she put it in the oven to keep it warm before my dad, because so, my dad wasn't home yet. It caught on fire in the oven. Oh, nice. Did she put the whole bucket in? Yes. Oh. Yeah, well, that's the problem. The chicken <laughs> no didn't catch kidding. on fire. That was before no the buckets came only, with that warning. Do only, not put this bucket in your oven. Only, how did she put the fire out? With she didn't more just, chicken. She didn't throw the lid into the into the sink like I did. She put it out with a big thing of salt. <laughs> she poured all the salt and smothered the flames. But that isn't where the story ends. Then, then we had to eat it. Because you don't want to waste chicken. So we had to eat this salty, foul Kentucky fried chicken. It was and that's so how your siblings awful. died. It was better than Aww. the time your dad had to put out the roast with his urine. <laughs> That was bad, Look, too. it's Thanksgiving. That was a We're not s- ruining it. Everyone have a slice. That was a little salty, too. <laughs> a lot of nitrates. Oh, my gosh. I was reading this article, and they're talking about the um, people leaving the country in Germany and moving to the cities. And they're saying that they have to go, they're having to go and narrow the gauge of all the sewer pipes because it works on a kind of a... I can't really think of the word peristalsis. It just works in the sort of, yeah. you know, as stuff goes in, it pushes things along. Right. And so there's not enough stuff going in to push things along in the in the size of the pipes that they have. So Germany does not have enough Scheiße. It does not have enough Scheiße. That's right. Wow. Well, the country doesn't have enough. The countryside doesn't have. The rural areas don't have enough Scheiße. Mm-hmm. The cities are full of Scheiße. Mm-hmm. The countryside, not so much. Wow. Yeah. Now, I, maybe the article was wrong. I don't know, but I do... I have been quoting this article for the last no. five years well, or so. Well, this is so. in uh, – you subscribe to Shit Happens magazine. That's where I read it. Right. Exactly. Okay. And yeah. it's like uh, the cover story, this was what's popular this year. Mm-hmm. All right. I understand. Yeah. All right. And it was in the opening section, Dear Diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. So this was issue number two. <laughs> All right. And look, we don't like doing this any more than you like listening to it. <laughs> but we've got an hour to fill. And we do this every damn week. Okay? And you're like, hey, golden goose, where's my gold egg? It's like, you know what? Sometimes it's just a little brown egg. And sometimes the shell is empty. I love that joke. 
I'm sure you do. <laughs> I understand you do. That's okay. fine. It's okay. okay. It was great. No, you love it. It's your child. You love it. That's absolutely, <laughs> no, absolutely. You're fine. the one who made the last you one. Try oh, it, you try it when you go to Liverpool. See how that goes over. Yeah, I won't fly there. Is that what you're telling me? Right. The uh, city of wit. Yeah. Let me just ask when you when you guys, if you enter the contest, please do not suggest uh, anything poop related. As yeah, the topic. no. We're not doing that. For Dave, well, that's a special occasion. <laughs> I only do it once, once every 26 shows. Yeah, it's, it's when we want to, like, you know, we want to get rid of some listeners. We're <laughs> like, we've had a few too many listeners. We've got to, like, take that down. We want to winnow it down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we want to take a couple mm-hmm. hundred off the top. Yeah. yeah. You know, we want to make this uh, exclusive. That's we don't right. want to make this no. too popular because then we're going to no. be like grunge. All of a sudden, we're a trend yeah, and we're done. Exactly. It's yeah. over. It's over with. Keep the audience small and mean. <laughs> so selective. Can we be mean and then they just be small? No, 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 no. We just have to say things and then they get angry. Okay. <sighs> you bored? No, I was just thinking. I, I was thinking of my resolution to laugh less. Oh, because I think I laugh too much. All right, somber it up. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go more with the not really somber, but just less giggling into the microphone. Okay. I sure. just giggled. See, yeah. I can't help it. All right. I'm a natural born giggler. All right. I'm gonna try and. Uh, I'm gonna try and make. That's you what that Oliver as much as possible. That's what that show. Oliver Stone movie. Remember that natural born gigglers? Yeah, that was about me. JFK. JFK. That's right. <laughs> giggling. That's where they shot him. His incessant giggling. Are you saying this T-shirt might be Bruce Lee related? It might be Bruce Lee related. Okay. Now, is that spoiling your T-shirt to maybe do it as a title card? You think so? I don't at all. I'm just trying. I'm trying to force this so I think... that you'll draw that damn uh, Bruce Lee uh, <laughs> dragon thing. Because I. I would like to eventually do the ghost dragon, the ghost rider slash ghost dragon one event, you know, one of these centuries um, as a t-shirt. I think that would be a really cool yeah. t-shirt. It's a really bright, yeah. colorful shirt. And we've, that's already been a title card. I, I don't think it would spoil it. No, I agree. So, But let's talk about like Bruce Lee for a second so we can justify this mm-hmm. damn thing. Okay. All right, talk about Bruce Lee. Go. Talk about Bruce Lee? This is a good practice for our staying on topic. Let's talk about Bruce Lee for five minutes. Bruce Lee, Go. You know, let's before we talk about Bruce Lee, oh, because I thought this is our problem. <laughs> we can't stay on a damn topic. Because I thought I'm setting. You asked me to set you up. I set you up. Yeah, but forget about that. Kool Aid. Isn't it weird how they had a root beer flavor in the seventies? Who wanted root beer Kool Aid? I wanted. Uh, is this a brief? They did have detour. a root beer Kool Aid. It was weird. That is weird and unpleasant because I think it's root flat. beer root beer needs fizz. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to say it would be like having Coke flavored. Kool-Aid. I like think they black. may have done that as black. well. Yeah. Orange is okay. Yeah. Orange is okay. Right. What we used to do with Kool-Aid, uh, what, what I like to do, we had a really giant pitcher so we could mix two Kool-Aids at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we would, we'd mix them. So we'd put an orange and a lime together right. and do it that way. It was freaky. We, we it usually had, came, everyone came out the same color though, brown. We saw, we saw an actual orange the other day. It was weird because it had, uh, it looked like it had two navels to it. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh, I was like, okay, well, that's the navel on the other side. Oh, that's the orangina. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, what were you gonna? What were you gonna derail your own damn conversation to I, start? Well, because I thought the contest was this week. Right. I practiced my attention, like my ability to focus on something. Nice job. I, yeah. Good I job. Well I, done. I just kind of there's a dot on the wall, and I just like a knot in a piece of wood, and I just stared at it mm-hmm. for about a minute. <laughs> well, you're gonna start seeing after, things. You're after start that, hallucinating. I was hallucinating. Don't do that. I was bored after that, and I stopped. Okay. 
But anyway, Bruce Lee. Well, you're the one who brought up Bruce That's Lee. That's actually not Let's true. Let's just talk it one minute. No, let okay. me tell you something, mister. Let me tell if you something. If you stare at something, like say you just stared at like something on the wall. Okay. Everything else around that thing will vanish. Uh, that's just something that your brain does. It shuts it shuts off things it's, that stay the same. Well, I'm not going to say that I was like fixated on it. I was just kind of looking in that general area. You know? All right. I was just kind of like just like you know maintain attention on one thing. Right. See if I could keep my mind right on a, in a minute. We've discussed you looking a at a wall for three minutes now. Do you want well, this podcast to fail? <laughs> But wait, I only talked you about it for a like a second. You are a kamikaze fucking pilot on this. <laughs> smashing smashing this podcast into the ground. That's my job here. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dave, tell me that story about how you looked at a wall again <laughs> for a while, and then it didn't interest you. <laughs> keep that story going. Want me to keep going with that? Because you know what? You know what the story I was trying to get going was? Your feelings on Bruce Lee. I was you know, just going to go into martial, that. Greatest martial artist okay. in film. And you went, no, no, Ian, I've got a story about how I stared at a wall for a while. Let me interrupt you and tell you about this. Okay. Well, let me let me interrupt okay. you. Please. What I think is... Aw- Dave's feelings on Bruce Lee. Take one. <laughs> this may be edited out. Have fun with this. I, I'm going to have fun with it or the Just audience? have fun with it. The audience should have fun with it? No, I don't think that's possible at this point. I think it's over? Think- My whole wall story wrecked it? I think so. I don't think so. Do you know what? The wall story was pretty fascinating. Your wall, wall story, story was, was so boring, it destroyed... I think people won't listen to Pink Floyd the wall anymore. You, you laughed at it, and then you then you told me it was boring. Mr. Dedrick, tear down that wall story. <laughs> I think you're doing a good job on your own. I don't right, need to tear ahead, down myself. Uh, David Dedrick talking about Bruce Lee, take two. <laughs> take two. <laughs> Just relax. Oh, wait a second. I said I was going to laugh less. Now I'm all nervously laughing. David Dedrick, you're putting Bruce Lee, <laughs> take three. We're losing tape, people. And uh, we're, we're losing... Action. We're losing um, uh, virtual tape. We're losing it. Anyway, I was just, what I was just going to say was about the Green Hornet. <laughs> because that's the first place I saw Bruce Lee as, was, as a, was as a kid watching Green Hornet. You saw Bruce Lee watching the Green Hornet TV show. I saw him watching it. That's right. And I was like, wow, what is that guy doing watching a TV show? It's amazing. I suppose if I had a TV show, I I'd saw watch him, myself on it. I saw him on the, the TV show. We're doing some good Bible cast in here. <laughs> We're doing great. All right. Do we know anybody mm-hmm. in the church we can pitch this to? <laughs> That's right. Well, you know what, Ian? When you go home tonight, when you lay down in bed, pray. All right. There's a big guy. If, you know, if you're, and does he green light movies? <laughs> well, I think if you... He should green you, light you, brother. You that's in, what he needs to that's do. That's right. If he believes, if you believe in oh, God, yeah. then he's going to green light whatever. Here's, that's here's, the idea of it, I think. I, I just had a picture of like how how the afterlife works. I'm just okay. going to... You know, we got to wrap this up pretty <laughs> okay, soon. Yeah. But here's how I Because here's another heaven. This is a totally different... This is yeah. your new okay. heaven Dave, virgin you 2.0. Show up. Yeah. You show up. Yeah, Heaven's Gate. The okay. gate opens. It's you a terrible movie. I'm like, what the hell? Why is this playing? Right. Okay. You opens up, and there is uh, the Almighty. And he's okay. there, and he's got a screenplay on his lap. Okay. And it's the Dave Dedrick story. Okay. And he's thumbing through it. Mm-hmm. He's laughing at some parts. He's shaking his head at others. <laughs> There's plenty to shake your head at. And then uh, to his side is the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Yeah. And they're both, like, looking at him to see what he thinks. Okay. And at the end of when he reads it, when it's the final fade out, he puts it on his lap, and he's got to tell you if he green lights it or not. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if he green lights it, what then? If he green lights it, you make it uh, You make it, you make it in. Okay. Yeah. So you, you like just, that you you personally like that idea because it kind of appeals to you as sort of an entertainment industry kind of way. Well, I just I would like a copy of that script. That'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Do, would you want to be that revealed? 
Well, aren't you already? If oh, it's yeah. Online? I yeah. mean, if you believe in that, right? It's total. It's you're totally revealed, right? I think that's why people have one problem. People have with with the whole God idea. You know what I mean? Is I, yeah. You know, is what, that kind of here would be my ideal actual to be honest. Heaven is <laughs> okay. you. Is you get. Is you get. You you pass. Yeah. You pass away, and then you're there, and you're not sure what's what, and then this person that's both feels Oops. like. Your mother and your father at once, but let's say it's it's you know father, okay. and it just comes up to you, and you feel guilty over the things you've done bad, and you feel sort of some pride over the things you've done good, and they just hug you, and that's that's it. I think that would be great. That'd be a great moment. And it's just this, it's just this, but like you know, you know what? Because bottom line, they're your dad, they're they're your mom. Yeah, they love you regardless. Yeah, they love you, and all you feel is love, and that's dandy. <laughs> but wouldn't that be better if that would happen in your life? Oh, it should happen in your life as well. Yeah, I'm just saying that would make a pretty d- dandy afterlife. It would be nice if there was a, if there was a being that was you know that did create you that has been watching over you mm-hmm. that 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 just like out and out loves you and that's how the, they express it when you get there is the equivalent of a hug and it's just like it's that hug you get from your folks when you just know things are all right whatever you, you know like when when you're a kid and you've done something wrong and you feel like your parents are going to be so mad at you. And they either like laugh a little bit or they just like, it's all right. Yeah. And they give you a hug, which is the best feeling in the world. And they know, you know, they're on your side. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to know the universe was on your side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Well, I don't, you know, I ha- have trouble getting personal about these sort of things because, okay. you know. Be impersonal. Then. Okay. But I was just going to say, like, personally, I don't, like, I don't really believe in heaven per se. I know I call myself a Christian, but I, I think the idea of heaven is kind of a dead end concept. Just in the sense that what you're describing should happen in our lives. Agreed. It shouldn't be something we look forward to after death. Agreed. Like our goal in our lives should be to create that feeling that you're, you're describing in our world. Absolutely. That we live in. Yeah. That should be our goal. The idea of taking that and postponing it to some other time. Yeah, it shouldn't be a postponement, but it, sh- it would be nice if it was a reflection. It would certainly be nice. I always, I always say uh, that, uh, you know, whenever someone says, life isn't fair, uh, my response to that is always, no, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Your job is to make it fair. Your yeah. job is to see the things that aren't fair yeah. and take fucking care of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you within, go like, your, oops, within your sphere of influence. Right. You can't control the world. That's right. I can't feed children in Africa, except yeah. for pennies a day, apparently. I can't. Yeah. Uh, but You can help with that. You can help you with that. you can't solve that. That's right. You and, and no one's expecting you to solve we're just expecting you to give it a shot, mm-hmm. give it a try, yeah. and you got to balance things out, and that's fair, and that's fair. But yeah, when whenever people say life isn't fair, isn't fair, and that's the end of that sentence to them, it's just like that's not fair. Yeah, it's just like that's not a fair statement. This has gone somewhere interesting. It Look did. How deep we've gotten, man. <laughs> it's so it's you so close to another show. I think we've gotten a chance to win some sort of award. For, I don't know what it is for uh, good-heartedness. Yeah, deepness, something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. Uh, I think this ending. If a vampire listened to this ending, he would burst into flames. It was sweet. Yeah, it was nice. Uh-huh.